Hello, everybody, and welcome to Turn to Page 4, Season 2, Voyage of Terror. How are you doing, fellow Pip? Pretty damn well, and yourself, fellow Pip? I'm ready to be scared. Going in on the Voyage of Terror, seasonally appropriate. Ready to get into it and see what we can get up to, what we can murder. How many ants are we going to kill today? How many dragons are we going to kill today? Did they let us keep the artificial oddball? We can kill up to 20 at a time. That is, I mean, honestly, there should be no reason why we don't have it. The question is, is there ever going to be a world where it's useful ever again? Mm. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, the tingle ring came into play. And it I did. That's something. And it seemed so unlikely that it would. And also so unlikely that it would be as powerful as it was. Yeah, we have a, we com have a genie on our side, an overpowered genie. So, mm -hmm. oh my word. One. 100 HP on that bad boy, hits on a plus 5, does plus 3 damage with his scimitar, can be summoned 3 times in adventure, even if he dies. Fight in our place. We actually have a, a decent amount of items from previous adventures that we may be carrying along with us, which, should the need arise, as soon as we get to our inventory uh, section, I'll start to describe in full. Yeah, but, anywho, so we have, uh, oh my word, we've got... A lot of interesting stuff ahead of us we have scanned very briefly through. Uh, and I guess in we go to the Merlin Calling. Absolutely. Uh, gotcha! Oh, don't move! Not a muscle! You know how I hate that! I've been looking for you all over, uphill and down dale! I need you here, right now. Specifically, I need you in my time. You wouldn't believe the mess they've gotten into. I need you to clear it up. So you'll just have to collect up your belongings. You'll want a couple of dice, or one that you can roll twice as many times, and pencil and paper and an eraser, and that's about it. Uh, travel light is my motto. Yours too, since you'll be traveling through time. You know about time travel, don't you? Uh, your body stays where it is, but I get to use your mind. Uh, what's inside it? Anyway, I'm going to call it all the way from your time to my time. And I can do this because I'm a Welsh druid. My name is Merlin, as you may remember if you've been to my time before. I am the chief advisor and general dog's body to his majesty King Arthur, son of Uther Pendragon and liege lord of Avalon. Uh, they call me the wizard Merlin because of my magical powers, but I can't sit here all day listening to you chattering. I have to take what's in your head and put it into a young person in my time called Pip. Pip the Wicked Wizard Basher, uh, Pip the Dragon Slayer, Pip the Ghastly Kingdom Gateway Closer, and to give that young person all the titles they've been banding about lately. Once you're in my time, you'll have control of Pip, and you'll need to decide what Pip should do. And we'd better hurry because the Saxons are invading. Thousands of them. Great hairy men in great hairy ships. Uh, we need a hero to stand against them. Single-handed if necessary. Which is where Pip comes in. Uh, which is where you come in. You're not afraid to fight a thousand warlike Saxons, are you? Mm, uh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> I mean, 10,000? I mean, that's 10,000 XP right there. <laughs> we, <laughs> we ripped through some ants. Just, I see a high number, uh, I'm like, that's power level. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we can cut them down in swaths. Yeah. Sure. You'd better go collect your equipment quickly. I'm going to cast the spell now. If you've... Ne well, this sounds like it's in Merlin's voice. So why don't you... Uh, 
if you've never been to my time before, uh, turn to one. Uh, if you know all about dice fights and life points and spells and so forth, you can go directly to two. Of course, you can always refresh your memory with the cutout rules card that's included in the bookmark. All right. I'm familiar with spells and life points, not to brag, not to brag. Oh, I'm even familiar with a little bit of EXP and a little bit of max HP. Those related in terms of the fact that we are carrying forward seven max HP from our previous adventure as well as 19 experience. Very true. Two, Merlin's mightiest magic. Invasions were never very much fun. Unless, of course, you happen to be in the invading party. Saxon invaders were the least fun of all. The great hairy men would pile out of their great hairy ships. That's the second time you said that now, Book. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> hairy ships. It's, it's one of my favorite things, a misplaced adjective. I just, it's so good. I, it hits me in the heart correctly. Yeah, it tickles me. Waving their swords and stringing their bows and whooping all the way up the beaches. Then, since nobody had would have noticed their arrival, they would swarm across the peaceful fields of Avalon, looting, pillaging, burning down whole villages, maybe even with sailing, and making a general nuisance of themselves until King Arthur and his doughty knights of the round table, table round, gathered up sufficient energy and armies to stop them. Stopping Saxon invasions was never much fun either. The great brutal Saxons were fierce fighters and developed all sorts of nasty tricks with their broadswords, which were painful, not to mention lethal, to their opponents. After several invasions, some of the less courageous knights, Mordred, for example, began to advocate an accommodation with the Saxons. An accommodation, as Mordred defined it, meant giving them huge chunks of prime English lands and hoping that they would be well enough satisfied to leave everybody else's lands in peace. It was not such a silly idea as it sounded, and King Arthur was seriously considering it when the next Saxon invasion started. He sent a messenger to the leader, a great scruff named Entwistla, Outlining the broad proposal, but in Twistla, and Twistla, <laughs> I'm more of a red vine guy, sent the messenger back <laughs> minus his ears, which everybody agreed was definitely a refusal and a very rude one at that. Thus, King Arthur and the knights prepared once again to fight in the king's case. This meant dusting off Excalibur. A word about Excalibur may not go amiss here. The great sword was not, as many people thought, the one which young Arthur had pulled out of the sword to lay claim to the throne of Avalon. That particular sword had been purchased by the druid wizard Merlin and accidentally embedded when one of the spells went wrong. Apart from the fact that it helped make Arthur king, the particular sword was a very ordinary example of the blacksmith's art. The sword Excalibur, by contrast, was a magical weapon, a blade forged with spells so powerful that it could cut an elephant in half with a single blow. Should you need to? Since there were no elephants about in Avalon, even in those distant days, Arthur very sensibly used it against his enemies instead, and the enemies of Avalon, so that he won virtually every battle that he bothered to fight. <laughs> More importantly, news of the sword's magical quality soon spread, so that after a while, Arthur found he had less and less enemies and less and less battles. Excalibur was a peacekeeper. Where the king got Excalibur was a bit of a mystery. Merlin claimed that he had made it, but while he had undoubted talents as a wizard, those who knew him well realized such a weapon was far beyond his powers. He had, admittedly, managed a sawn-off version of the Excalibur for the mysterious young warrior Pip, but that had stretched his magical abilities to the limit. Excalibur Jr., as Pip's sword was called, did plus five damage against his enemies, while the original Excalibur was a plus ten. <laughs> I think the in-universe... 
just I it seems like the actual sword is quantified by plus five plus ten power. I wish we could have that in real life. Like yeah. you know, you this is a plus one knife. It would just make things so much easier. I could know all right. Is a butter knife a plus one knife or a plus is it a plus zero damage, plus one damage? Mm-hmm. I, I generally advocate for this kind of system because anytime I'm looking to try and buy something online, I find it infuriating almost to have to swath through all of advertisement and fluffery that people provide to their products. Like, fundamentally, you know, very artful lying by direction or omission. If instead there was just one number I could look at that's like, this is actually the kitchen knife plus three. Oh, cool. That's actually good quality rather than, you know, yeah. this was folded infinite times and it turns out to you know, be a knockoff from a $2 website. Yeah. I'm, I'm envisioning knights sitting down at a computer, like with one hand on their forehead, the other hand on the mouse, like scrolling through Amazon, Amazonian. And you just see a bunch of swords just going by and by and by. You click one, you open it up. It's one of those annoying, like you have to open up a freaking chart that has like a, you know what I'm saying, has the rows and the columns. Like this version has this feature, this feature, this feature, doesn't have this mm-hmm. feature, doesn't have this feature, this one has this feature. I'm just imagining that right now. And I like it. Like all of the special releases for individual retailers yeah, for video like, games. Yeah, it's like... What do you mean the more most expensive one is missing the game? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, how can I pay the most money and it can't cut? <laughs> exactly. This one doesn't have a hilt. <laughs> That's like fundamental. That's so what important. do you mean I have to pay three hundred dollars so that I can keep the hilt for the next fifty months? Is wow. It's absurd. Anyways. Arthur seldom discussed the matter with anybody, but Queen Guinevere once let it slip that had been given to her husband by the Lady of the Lake, a magical personage who was probably more fairy than human. When it was not in use on the field, the battle Excalibur was kept in the Camelot Castle treasure room, along with the other important artifacts like the Orb and Scepter, the State Crown, and the Legion Eagles. The latter captured my Arthur's father, Uther Pendragon, in the last days of the Roman occupation of Babylon. It was to the treasure room that Arthur went now, trailing a motley collection of ministers, advisors, and, and pages. And it was in that room that Arthur discovered Excalibur had been swiped. Now on to third to page 15. Plus 10 damage. For exactly one millisecond why they gave us the stats of Excalibur, and I think it's because we may have to fight it. Yeah, now we're supposed to be scared. <laughs> and I am. Plus 10 damage may be the first thing that actually be kind of scary. Aside from we haven't the, got the voyage yet, but yeah. the terror has well and truly set in. It's true. I will say I would take a plus 10 damage over the, if you roll a one, you die, any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very bad. <laughs> I can play around plus 10 damage. The court and the castle of Camelot was situated on a hill overlooking the tiny market town of Glastonbury. Like many similar towns in Avalon, Glastonbury had grown up around a market square. And like many similar squares, the market square of Glastonbury had grown up around a public well. This well had a dry stone wall surround and a thatched roof supported by stout oakwood uprights, which also held in place the winch, rope bucket, that people would use to draw up the water. At around 6 a.m. in the summer, later in the winter because of the dark mornings, the women of Glastonbury used to gather at the well to draw the day's supply of water and exchange the day's supply of news. 
The men of the town remained in their comfortable chauvinistic beds, idly waiting for the women to return and make them breakfast. As a result, the Glastonbury women were the only ones who knew what was going on in the world, while the men had to rely on the heavily censored version of events passed on, on to them by their wives. No man ever wanted to be at the well in the mornings, partly because it was not the done thing, and partly because men then and now were terrified of large congregations of women. Well, while no ordinary man ever went to the well in the mornings, one rather special man was frequently at or near the well at this time. That man was Merlin, the druid wizard. The reason he was frequently at or near the well was that he lived in it. A fact not known by many known to, at all to the women of Glastonbury who would never have talked so freely amongst themselves if they realized the old fool might be listening. Merlin, whose fearsome eccentricities sprang from his Welsh nationality rather than the fact that he was a wizard, had several <laughs> dwellings <laughs> at Log Castle in a forest, a crystal cave, an ancient, hollow, lightning-blasted oak tree amongst them. The well was a comparatively recent acquisition, prompted by, in part by a bubble-making spell that he had created. The spell was one of those spectacular magical efforts which nonetheless appear totally useless at first glance. Merlin, however, was a man of great imagination, and having discovered how to generate magical bubbles, he went quietly at midnight and generated one of the immense proportions in the water at the bottom of the well. He tossed in a few sticks of furniture, several spell books, various items of equipment, and an alchemical furnace. These passed through the walls of magical bubble without affecting its structure and came to rest at the well bottom. With a quick glance around to ensure that he was not observed, Merlin then held his nose and jumped. Passing through the surface of the well water. Now risen appreciably since the bubble was established. And emerged in the bubble itself. Once he had the alchemical furnace going, both he and his... Uh, raps? Uh, chattels. That's what I thought, but it, I was like, that seems yeah. too... That seems too right to my brain, which is usually wrong. Chattels soon dried out and he took up comfortable residence. In less than a week, Merlin discovered his new home, placed him at the center of the most useful information network. Every morning at six, he would be awakened by the sound of female voices, magnified by the effect of the water on his massive bubble. And while at first he was silly enough to try and ignore them, he soon found to his amazement that the women of Glastonbury knew absolutely everything there was to know about anything. Including, incidentally, those naughty going-ons between Queen Guinevere and Sir Lancelot, which the public relations officer at Camelot had taken such pains to hush up. It was in this way that Merlin learned of the Saxon invasion and decided on his own initiative to call up the famous hero Pip to deal with it. Now turn to page 30. I love how every one of these books starts with Merlin spying on someone, finding out that they might have a problem in the future, and then summoning us in a result. It's true. I do really like it. This is the most unhinged spying location, for sure. Yep. <laughs> also, yo, we have a very beautiful picture that shows exactly how absurd this looks, where there is just a well and Merlin's face reflecting in it, but obviously no Merlin looking into the well. It's quite a scene. It is quite good. All right, so we're on thir 30. Mm -hmm. Although the spell required to get young Pip into heroic action was pretty complicated, Merlin had anticipated no difficulties with it. He had, comma, comma, after all, managed the trick very successfully, oh, three previous occasions, and saw no reason why the fourth should give him any trouble now. Surely. 
Pip's body was already in Avalon, of course, wandering about in his usual days on the small but well-appointed farm run by Freeman John and goodwife Miriam a few miles outside of Glastonbury. Pip's mind was a different matter, of course. It's currently attached to a young person living in the distant future and required to be netted by a magical time warp in order to take control of the actions of Pip during an adventure, of course. Time warps are extremely advanced magic, even for a druid, and require considerable concentration if they're to function effectively. Unfortunately for Merlin, he was right in the middle of this difficult operation when a scatterbrained young woman named Ludmilla dropped a wooden bucket down the well. On which ominous note, it is now time to turn to page 40. Oh my word. Something's wrong here. You're lying on a heap of filthy straw in a tiny little room with a single round window. And you're dressed funny. None of the highly polished armor that, uh, that's... Usually in Camelot, not even a decent dragon skin jacket, no. Instead, you have on a very light and very greasy linen tunic that doesn't even cover up your knobbly knees. You've no leggings either, or boots come to that, or a pair of, uh, only a pair of worn leather sandals. You look around for old EJ, your magical sword that's never very far from your side, but old EJ isn't there. What on earth has happened? Where's Merlin? Have the Saxons overrun Avalon before he could even get you into Pip's body? Have you been cast out to some smelly dungeon to rot? Or are you simply crazy? Imagine this whole thing. You may have a fever. It's certainly very hot in here. Far hotter than you ever remember in Camelot, even in the summer. And the room seems to be going up and down, up and down, up and... Hmm. Better stop thinking of the movement. It's making you feel quite sick. There's a door in one wooden wall. Wooden wall? Whoever's heard of a dungeon with wooden walls? Maybe you've fallen ill and gone mad from the farm or your, of your adoptive parents. An attack of rabies, perhaps. So they locked you away in the outhouse... Wherever you are, whatever your situation, you really should do something. The problem is, what? Examine your mouth to see if it's rabies. Turn to page 50. Look out that funny little window, 60. Search the room thoroughly on 70 or try the door on 8. I just read a million things, so Raps, will you take the lead on direction? Absolutely. I mean, number one, it's not rabies. Number two... Look through the funny little round window. What, so we can see through the porthole and see the sea out there because we're clearly on a boat? But, but, but we can deal with that in the future. Do we want to go through the door and see that we're on a boat? No! We want to search this grotty room and see if there's anything useful in here. I will take straw with me. <laughs> All right. 270, we shall go. It's not difficult to search since there isn't a single stick of furniture in the place. Not a chair. I do want to... I want to take that into my life now. A stick of furniture. It's the second time the book has done that. I want to... Yeah. I'm going to be furnishing my house, and I'm going to... There's just not a stick of furniture in this place. I like that. Nary a single stick. Nary a single stick. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> we can We can afford better. You mean wicker? <laughs> no, nary a single stick. All right, not a chair, not a couch, not a table, not a cupboard. In fact, the only place you can search is the filthy straw you're lying on. You scrabble about. Feeling even sicker from the smell of the straw. And discover a battered metal goblet and a wooden plate. Neither very clean. You also discover half-eaten jam... Uh, what is... I need not only translation, but I feel like you would know what this food is. Mm. This uh, feels like a, not in America. A, a butty... Uh, is a uh, a sandwich. I don't know why it's not just called a sandwich, uh, but a butty is a sandwich. 
just it, that's it? It's just a sandwich? That, well, is, it's, is I've it's only just... ever heard of it in the context of a chip buddy, which is like just a bunch of chips put in betwixt two bread. Uh, but if it's jam, that's just a sandwich, baby. Yeah, that just sound like a... Yeah. You mean a peanut buddy and jelly? Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yep. From now on, that's exactly what I will mean. <laughs> now a, a little... peanut buddy and a jelly? <laughs> peanut buddy and a jelly, please. Can I have a PBG? Uh, uh, now a little moldy around the edges. Is it really worthwhile searching through this rubbish? If you continue searching, 44. Check yourself for rabies at 50. Look out the window at 60 or try the door at 8. Rito, we've I mean, learned consistently over the course of this series that if you search, search once yeah. and it doesn't give you anything, you search twice. You search twice and you will find a hidden entrance to the final boss. Mm-hmm. All right, 44. There's something right at the bottom. You hurl away bits of rotting straw with abandon to find a rusty plus-two dagger. Not a great weapon, and certainly not a patch for old EJ, but at least it's something to use in a fight. Since it's not magic like EJ, you'll need to throw a, a six on two dice to strike something successfully, and the blade will give you two extra over and above any damage the dice might show, but that's about it. Still, beggars can't be choosers. Now you're armed to the teeth. You can look out the window, check yourself for rabies, go to the door. All right. I've, I've forced this in a very specific direction two times. Are there any of these outside of trying the door you would like to go for? Um, I guess I want to know what they're going to say for rabies. Because, like, we're not. We don't have rabies, but I want to know what they're going to say. All right, 50. Nope. <laughs> no foam. You're not rabid. Yet. But the room's still going up and down. It's still hot. Will you look out the window and try the door and search the room at 70? Raps, let's search the room for yet another dagger. <laughs> <gasps> Infinite oh, stack of daggers. Grind, 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 grind for daggers. Um, okay. I mean, Pip no, Pip doesn't know we're on a boat. Pip doesn't know we're on a boat. Pip should probably know we're on a boat. Should we? Let's go to eight. Let's not teach Pip we're on a boat. Pip can't swim. Pip would be terrified of that. That is true. I want to. I just want to see how far we can go before we realize we're on a boat. All right, eight. It's open. Can you believe that? Here you are thinking you are locked in a dungeon or incarcerated in the outhouse for the rabid, for the in an outhouse for the rabid, and the door was open all this time. Still, it doesn't do to be careless, so you creep out into a narrow wood-walled, wood-floored corridor, which is going up and down just like the room you left. If you turn to Plan One on the appendix, page two thirty-five, you can see a bit more of where you are and where you can go from here. 235. I do have to get this other... I accidentally prepared for the wrong book, so all that stuff that I got, I don't actually have. See, 235. Hey, that kind of looks like a boat. It looks exactly like a boat. It looks exactly like kind of like a boat. 100% that almost looks like a boat. Okay. So there is a lot of door options here. Long corridor, lots of doors inside. So the room where we first appear is on kind of like just at the very beginning of a very long corridor. Yes. There so, is. Uh, so we are on uh, what appears to be the left wall of this corridor. Uh, there is a wall on either end of the corridor, as well as many walls sprawling each side of the corridor. I mean, Should we just uh, make it easy and go to the very back of the ship first? I want to check the caboose. Next to us? Yeah. 
I believe they call Get it all a... involved in that caboose. <laughs> Just, yeah. That's what I always say. All right. Page five. Oh. <laughs> There's stairs here going upwards. If you take them, go to 113. I mean... Should we just sequence break? I mean, it's not really sequence breaking as much as it's like, do we just abandon every piece of help we could get on this floor? Probably not. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Just because the early uh, characters often tend to be the ones who give you the thing that returns later in the story for big impact. Yeah, I drew a little staircase on my map there. All right, so now that we like what? What's the plan? Do we just wrap around like clockwise? Sure, that's probably the easiest way to do it. So yeah. clockwise, we would be going directly just... out of this room and to our right immediately, landing on page 20. Let's see. Oh, 2064, 2670. Oh, no. Australian clockwise is backwards. Yeah, don't you know the clocks rotate the other way here? Yeah, shoot. <laughs> it's to do with the hemispheres. It's the hemispheres. <laughs> you have such an out in every scenario. <laughs> I won't I won't argue. You probably made that thing up about the sandwiches. <laughs> That's probably not nothing at all. It's probably actually just a butt. Shh, all right. don't tell him. Page, we'll go page 20. We'll go, we'll go that way, yeah. This is a smallish room, so far as you can judge, although judging is very difficult on account of the fact that it's absolutely jam-packed with wooden casks and barrels. Find out what's in the barrels. 77. Or uh, casks. 125. If you couldn't care what's go, uh, couldn't care less what's going on in the grotty casks and barrels. Oh, leave the bones alone. I always miss that when they split it up onto a whole different page. Mm-hmm. But I'm I also scared. it's irrelevant because I do like oh you don't want to punch the barrels. Well, I'm, I'm a I I'm fine with punching the barrels. It's the casks I'm more threatened by. Like the idea of releasing some sort of extremely potent alcohol that may make the ship go up in flames is uh, the forefront in my mind. Yeah. I uh, I mean, we could just avoid it and come back later. Like, I, my goal true. right now would be, like, how do we get... How do we get some stuff back, basically? How do we get our equipment back? Because theoretically, we don't have it. We can't... I don't think we can reason that we have any of our stuff. Yeah, no. Well, so... My understanding of what's going on is uh, Merlin was casting the Binding Time Spell... Uh, and then got clocked in the head by yeah. an errant bucket, and as a result has projected our consciousness into the wrong body. And mm -hmm. we're in the body of some sort of sailor, and we need to get through this until Merlin turns up and goes, Oh, Pip, what are you doing in the wrong body? Oh, I hate it when you do that. Anyway, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and then we change to the right one. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm down with either... Leaving or not leaving, I don't. I don't mind. We got a lot of rooms to explore, so I don't mind. If you're yeah, feeling, let's... if you're feeling hesitation from these, I'll just put like a little star. That means we haven't finished everything in that room, and we'll, we'll mm -hmm. consider coming back if we feel like we need to. So sixty-four. Exactly. This place is full of foodstuffs. Quickly. Uh, I was just going to say, we quickly, uh, to tie the two pages together, we quickly poke our heads back into the corridor and immediately duck into the room next, further towards the front of the ship. Indeed. This place is full of foodstuffs. Sacks of grain, dried fruit, vegetables, peanut butter and jelly, what well, looks like <gasps> dried meat. 
have a little munch on anything you fancy before I'm moving on to another section. Okay, it's we do we do that, and since there's it, there can't <laughs> be repercussions. Exactly like eating in Minecraft. <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I have in in my head is the sound of eat food. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just had a pork chop. Uh, all right. So I guess if that's got nothing, then we back out. We, we, we're just mm. going to be continuing down the hall in the normal pattern for now. It's just the next, the next room down. Out to the right. Exactly. 26. Out! The greeting comes from a big man with a meat cleaver who is... Perhaps fortunately for you. All alone in what appears to be an extremely large kitchen. He seems to be in the process of preparing food for quite a lot of people. He also seems to resent interruption. Uh, excuse me, sir? You politely finish. Begin. <laughs> but he does not let you finish. Out! He says again. Out! Out! I know what you young people are like. Always trying to scrump an extra share of nosh. Well, I won't have it. Out! He speaks with the most peculiar accent, as if he wasn't a native-born Englishman, and his skin is very deeply tanned. Despite the fact that he's stuck in here cooking. Odd that... But enough of these philosophical mysteries. If you want to search the room, you're obviously going to have to fight the man. Alternatively, you can just withdraw gracefully. If you want to fight him, you should know that the cleaver will do plus three. Despite, do we know our, our health points? Did we ever roll them up? It never asked yeah, us to roll them up. We haven't rolled it up for this character, so I'm going to have to presume that it's, it's the, the same that hold, which means we will have 51 max HP. Great. Uh, does he has a cleaver that does plus three damage, and he can hit you with a five or better, and he has thirty life points. Hmm. Um, I mean, he would certainly actually be pretty tough for us, right? He, yeah, he's we don't have a whole one lot. more damage, hitting one easier, which is also hitting for one more damage when he successfully hits. Uh, we don't even have any yeah. armor. This actually would be tough. Let's uh, let's go check out another room. It's possible we might find uh. It's you know what? It's possible we might find out that this guy's good and we don't want to kill him anyway. That's true. I'm right I'm drawing a little sword on room 26. So maybe we come back here if we're equipped and we feel like we need to explore more. Mhm. Mm Excellent. As you do that, we will have Pip duck back out into the corridor and surreptitiously step further forward before creaking open the door to 74 and wandering in. Oh, here we go. There's a whole lot of gear in this room. A lot of it could be quite useful to an adventurer like yourself. You might reckon on carrying half a dozen items before you collapse with exhaustion. Pick carefully. In the room are... I'm going to read the ones on this page. You'll read the one on the next page. How about that? Mm -hmm. There's 50 foot of rope, grappling, grappling hook, backpack, flint and steel, a drinking horn, a blowing horn, a small ornamentally carved rosewood box, Packet of salt crystals, bow needle, and spool of rough thread, and cooking utensils. Leather belt, spare sandals, a spare tunic, a container of olive oil, a ceramic lamp, a wooden mallet, a bone saw, i.e. a saw made from bone, not a saw for cutting bones, box of biscuits, kite, a goose feather quill and parchment, and a small drum of the musical variety. When you picked six, take them with you to any other section. Um... Do you have an immediate pull to any? Because I have one right now. Mm, mm, mm. So I'm going to write down grappling hook, and then we can decide what other five. Yeah. 
<laughs> I do also think, I think uh, maybe it's Goosebumps has tr- tricked me into thinking this, but because like box of biscuits often like a little treat solves problems. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. And then I'd, I'd say if you got a pull. Uh, I mean, just for the sake of the joke of the name, I kind of want to take the bone saw. I like, yeah, I like it. What's this at three? I mean, musical instruments have have never been useful yet, but that doesn't mean they won't be useful. Oh, xylophone was. Oh, you're well. Okay, so it wasn't useful. It summoned an enemy that we had to fight. (laughs) Yeah, it was gonna kill us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, our definitions of useful. differ greatly um i'm i'm just gonna uh, swing out and say like hey lighting fires sounds like a great idea oh yeah especially after the whole like you don't have a torch so like you Mm -hmm. have to roll an eight to hit nonsense that was brutal um rope has often been useful too for like getting out i mean but we're also we're in a ship how many spike traps are they gonna be well we're gonna eventually not be in a spike trap or uh, not, Mm -hmm. not be in a ship Rope has been pretty useful. And do we need the rope? Like, is the grappling hook just the hook? And we need the rope to make it work? I mean, if I recall correctly, last time, uh, I guess climbing spikes aren't exactly the same as a grappling hook, but they did require we had both the rope and the climbing yeah. spikes. So maybe. I don't know. What do you feel about oh. that? Well, I was going to make rope my last one if you didn't, so oh, well then, I feel quite confident about well, it. Well, then it's mine. You can't have it. You have to pick something else. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, you know what? I believe in the power of a small drum of the musical variety. Great. I like it. 231 we presumably go. That would make a bunch of sense. This looks like a very large room up near the bow of the ship. It's the last one on this side of the ship. This is an extremely large room, almost certainly used as communal sleeping quarters to judge by the hammocks slung from the rafters. The room is empty of people, but there's 12 large and interesting chests set at intervals around the walls. If you fancy investigating those chests, roll two dice. Two and four. There's three different options based off what you roll. If you'd rather not go to any other section on plan one. I mean... Before we immediately rumble these chests, mm. let's recognize these are likely the footlockers of pirates. And thus... I'm not saying we shouldn't, but the, we if we are seen, which I imagine is possibly the likelihood of the lower results, uh, it's brawl time, baby. It's true. I will say in... We have the least to lose that we've had in like 12 hours of Grail Quest. <laughs> Right a now. good point well made. One rolls to die. Yeah. <laughs> I got a 10, which I <gasps> wish it was like in combat, so I'd be more confident it's a good roll. But to 135 we go. For a while, it looks as though you were out of luck there. Most of the chests contain only old clothes. Many of them smelly. But in the last chest, you come across a little leather purse, which contains 10 gold pieces. The funny thing is, they don't have King Arthur's head stamped on them. They're definitely gold pieces and well worth taking as legitimate booty. Now, check another section. Is that implying that that was the only possible reward and it's only 10 gold? I think it's... I think what we've been given is the information that uh, the boat we're on is 
not uh, from Avalon. Yeah, I th- I've I've assumed as much at this point. I th- my question right now is like, are we even Pip? That's my question. Yeah, right no, I, I don't think we are. I think we're yeah. probably in the body of some other uh, Saxon soldier. That's what I thought. The only lead on us maybe possibly being Pip is that the chef called us a little, like, but I guess maybe anyone would be a little guy to him. Yeah, well, he, yeah, exactly. He thought we, he thought we uh, were a young guy. He thought which... we were just one of one of the extra sailors that's been brought on board. I know how we can solve this problem. All we need to do is check if the ship is hairy. <laughs> fair. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, all right. On to page 11. The mm-hmm. at the ship's front at the masthead. Yeah, I uh, no, I'm more of a ketchup guy. Thank you though. Uh, there are wooden stairs here going upwards. If you take them, go to one thirteen, hmm. or you can keep exploring. We have explored that half a whole this ship. Yeah, so I'm gonna just draw another staircase on my little MS Paint page thirteen. Mm-hmm. All right. Now there's Posh. Well, sort of. This used to be a very well-appointed room, but now it's a bit of a mess. As if you kept a pig in a bourgeois. Its sleeping quarters are living quarters combined. Only for one person by the look of it, which means somebody important since it's a large room. Among the interesting contents are three chests. One has a skull and crossbones on the lid, one is well-polished and new-looking, and one is pretty battered. If you want to search the room further, go to page 7... Skull and crossbones. Oh my god, there's so many options. Mm-hmm. Skull and crossbones, 24. The new chest, 62. Or the battered chest, 72. Hmm. I think it would be the most grail quest thing of all time to open the skull and crossbones chest and that to turn out to be a trap. Like, well, yeah. should pay attention to the, the chest. What if we search the room further for a little bit more information? See if that gives us... I mean, uh, why not, right? Yeah, maybe there's a trail of gunpowder leading towards one of these. Page seven. Lucky old you, it always pays to be thorough in Grail Quest, doesn't it? You found a roll of parchment under a heap of old clothes. You unroll it at once, finding it's covered with spidery handwriting. Quite difficult to read, which gives instructions for performing something called the Wallbanger Ritual. Could this be some sort of spell? You bet your life it could! The only problem is the scroll gives you no indication whatsoever on what the spell actually does. Worse still, the scroll states that you can only use it once during the entire adventure. (laughs) You'll find the details of how to work the wallbanger ritual spell on Appendix 217, but turn only to it when you have decided decided to use the spell, since reading the section uses it up for the current adventure. If you want to try it right now, turn to the special section. Otherwise, keep it carefully and don't forget you have it. Why would you do this to me? I'm so curious. I can only imagine the book will prompt us appropriate times for when we may want to cast the Warbang Ritual because we don't even know what it does. Yeah, I'm just really considering it. Uh, What if the best time is now? What if it's the way you get into your other body? Surely not. All right. Uh, Which of these chests do we want to pop open? I, I'm with you on the skull and crossbones seeming like a bad idea. Because just knowing Grail Quest, they usually do go... They hit you with the, well, you should have read the sign. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with avoiding it. I don't know, the battered chest? Think... I don't really care. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. I think it's I think it's got to be the battered chest because I think like you know if if you've got something exceptionally valuable, right? You're going to want to hide it in something that doesn't look like it is hiding something exceptionally valuable. Yeah. That's why I keep all of my money in a cardboard box outside on the street. <laughs> oh. Let's go get it. Picking it up. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I like the thought that it's just out there. Like someone would not even clean up the cardboard box. Is the thing? Oh, of course not. <laughs> it's on the. It's yeah. I keep my money in the public sewers, in Ooh, the water. And by that I mean I put move. it there once and hope it's still there. Well, it probably is. Yeah, it probably is. I have no reason to assume it's not there. Last I've seen it, it was there. I pay Anytime 72. anyone asks you for money, I will simply tell them to go search the sewers. <laughs> yep. I actually stored mine in hell, so that's why every time I... <laughs> That'll be seven ninety nine. Oh, go to hell. <laughs> Hell's what I call my bank. Uh, the chest is locked. To find out if you have the skill to open it, throw a die. Now throw another. If the first roll is greater than the second, you may open the chest. Otherwise, nope. All right. Do you want to be the first or the second roll? <laughs> we both roll. <laughs> no, you roll first. I am first, and I have my result. What's yours? It is a three. I rolled a three as well. Oh, unfortunately, unfortunately, phrasing. three is not greater than three. I mean, I like my dice a lot, so maybe I think it's. I mean, if all else is equal, I don't. No, my I. No, all right. Mine has a leaf on it. Mine is just a plain black die, but I will say it is very small. Does that help? Mm. I'm talking like it's smaller than the tip of my pinky. It's really tiny. It's very cute. Unfortunately, while it is cuter, it it's is not, not greater. volumetrically greater. That is true. Yeah, I got made. Do you want to try ah. the new chest or give up? Let's try the new chest as well. All right. Wow. Gold. There's a thousand gold pieces in here. All yours ah. now. <laughs> okay. What? It does say we could go uh, to... If you want to try and open the battered chest, go to 72. It does say we could... <laughs> That is true. And hey, they give you multiple lockpick checks when you're uh, playing an RPG. I think it's very legitimate for us to go back to that battered chest and uh, give it another chance. How about this? We give it one more chance and that's it. And we don't try again. Sounds good. Because we're already fudging it, but it says we can go try to open it again. So. Why don't All you right. roll first? Okay. That's, mm -hmm. that's what you roll. I have great news. Good. I rolled the same number, three. Oh, I, I rolled the two, so that is something. Hey. We take those. It's going to explode in our face. This is karma. Yeah, it's gonna. It's not going to even be good. Um, Wait, let's see. Oh, 17. It's empty. No, it's not. There's a false bottom. Not very well made, so you discover it almost at once. It's in a compartment beneath the beneath the false bottom is a very nasty little weapon, a poisoned stiletto. You examine this lethal horror very carefully. The handle is hollow and filled with an oily liquid poison. The blade is hollow too, so the liquid flows down into it. When you score a hit with this nasty, it does plus one damage by stabbing, but it also gives your opponent a dose of dose of automatic poison, which will cost automatic HP loss of two points. 
every round in combat thereafter. If you successfully hit them again with the dagger, it costs them a further two automatic losses every time. Wait, what? There's enough poison in the it's, handle for it's 12 hits. Poison. Yeah. No, not what is in, like, I don't get it. What is in that seems really, really good. Mm hmm. He is the limiting factor. Though. Yeah. There's enough poison in. Yeah, you have to do stab yourself every time you use it, too. Uh, <laughs> there's enough poison in the handle for 12 hits, after which it reverts back to a normal plus one dagger, unless you, you know, sorry. Unless, of course, you can find more poison somewhere. Ah. Well, that's an actually useful little tool there. Legitimately. Like, if we wanted to take down the Butcher... We could kill him now. That'd do it. That sure would. I don't... You know what? There's no way there's three things that are just good, is my yep, take. 100%. <laughs> there's no way in hell. <laughs> so, 52 we go. Okay. A locked door, which presumably means something absolutely fascinating inside. Roll two dice to figure out whether or not you can get through it. May I try this one? Yeah. I, I feel like I've only been rolling badly recently. Oh, oh, maybe that was a good reason not to roll. Uh, I rolled four. Um, so score four, and the answer is no. You may never enter this room. Although you may, of course, try any other room shown in plan one. Perhaps. I got great news. I rolled a five anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so... We, we weren't getting in this. We were never getting in this room. So let me just big old cross that off as a don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Did you so write now down? We have the ability to try sixty-seven. Sorry. Did you write down the page for that special spell that I haven't stopped thinking about? Uh yes, that's two seventeen okay. wallbanger ritual. Okay. All right. I'm gonna... My my accounting uh, over the course of the uh, Grail Quest series has become increasingly accurate and complex to the degree that I'm pretty sure I would be able to provide any available information about any item. Oh, great. I'm not going to test you, because I trust you. Oh, I was really hoping you were going to test me. I was going to lie and be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the stat block of, uh, <laughs> of the Medusa? What's the stat Plus block? Plus infinity. Ah, well, probably you got me. Alright, 67. The door opens easily enough, but as you step inside, you can see a series of three further barred doors with a villainous-looking guard before each. If you want to find out what's behind those barred doors, it looks as if you're going to have to fight each of the guards. Each has 25 life points, carries a short sword doing plus two, and they have a shield saving them two damage. However, they're a bit arrogant and they would fight you one at a time, which could be their fatal mistake. All yours. Alternatively, you may bribe the guards with a bit of luck if you happen to have any money, or you can tug it. Wait. Now we can leave. Okay. What you can't do is get a friendly reaction. They're bad-tempered. <laughs> we, can, we can get a friendly reaction on a spider. We can bribe a spider. We can't get a friendly reaction out of these guards. They're in that bad of a mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I, I mean... They're doing plus two damage. They're taking negative two, which means like our dagger, our plus two dagger is just rolling natural on six. Yeah. We'd have to like, you know, we'd, we'd have, have to waste our poison dagger. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not all about this. We could, however, try and bribe two of them. We have a thousand GP and a two star bribe is only 500 gold. We don't have to do this now. We can come back to this in the future where we have slightly more preparation, a little bit more knowledge about the floor and things like that. 
but I think it's quite legitimate we would be able to just pay two of them off and then kill the final one. Yeah. I'll, I'll write down that there's a fight here, and then I will. I think we'll come back because we are we are sufficiently gaining tools. Mm-hmm. So fifty-seven. Yeah. We are on the other side of the ship at this point, too. By the way, nearing back the room we started. Here's trouble. One glance tells you instantly that this is a guard room. Another glance tells you instantly there are twelve guards. A third glance instantly tells you they're not at all pleased to see you. Um, what? You're free to try bribery if you have any money. Those who accept a bribe will not harm you. You're also free to try for friendly reaction, which may cut down the odds a bit. You may decline to fight and pretend you've simply lost your way, in which case the guards will beat you up and throw you out for the loss of 10 life points. Or you can decide to fight, in which case you're welcome to collect 10 gold pieces from every guard you slaughter. Or if you lose, you're equally welcome at page 14. They have 15 life points. I mean, this is... This just seems mm. like a bad choice. That it does. 15 life points. They hit on a 5 or a better with a plus 2 sword and wear a negative 2 damage leather armor. If you win, return to your plan. So, what? If we win, we get nothing? We get, I guess gold we get the, the 10 gold points? It seems like such a... This seems like a don't even bother. Mm, this doesn't seem like a great idea. Maybe I, we should just let them beat us up yeah i'm i'm yeah I, I i think we let them beat us up and i think we cross out this room because we would take more than 10 damage from fighting them all that's just factual Ooh, yes like we would if we wouldn't die we would take way more than 10 damage so i think we just mm -hmm. cut our losses on that mark that page off and don't even consider coming back here for a fight because it's just not it's just not valuable Absolutely. Unless something transmogrifies these into ants and we get That's our ants. true. If we had EJ and our uh, dragon skin, you know, like, oh, yeah. this would be experience farming for sure. But as mm -hmm. a, with our current setup, we it would have to be a put a pin in it. Like, I'll write down 12 by this so I know that there's 12 guys here if we somehow get overpowered. We could come back for a free, like, almost half of a level. <laughs> but. Right now, it's, it's murder. So, on to page 18. Yes, 18, directly opposite the butcher's room that we'd seen before. Alright. This door's locked, which probably means there's something interesting inside. Now, how does a seasoned young adventurer tackle a problem like that? Kick the door in, pick the lock, or just don't, and leave. I mean, let's try and pick the lock. To see what we can do yeah. with that. I mean, I, we don't have a tool worth it, but like, I want to see what the game tells us in response to that. Like, oh, if you had X, you might be able to do this. Yeah, maybe. 139. Lockpicking is a skilled job. Roll two dice and we'll see if you have the knack. Yeah. Just got to roll a 9 through 12. Mm, you're right. You know, you got it. You're bound to roll well one of these times. Oh, and I do. That's an 11. Hey, I rolled a 7, so we made the right call. To 150? Well, we'll see. This might be you enter the door and you get shot. <laughs> I The next words that come out of your mouth, I have not heard in almost a decade. <laughs> it's truth. This is a find and no mistake. The place is full of weapons. Good ones too. Swords, spears, javelins, daggers, and arrows. No bows, unfortunately, which is a bit of a disappointment. 
There's also several pieces of armor, unusual breastplates, helmets, leg guards, arm guards, and so forth. Greek design by the look of them, which is peculiar considering that you are in Avalon. Mm-hmm. Since you don't have old EJ with you at the moment and no armor whatsoever, you may feel tempted to kit yourself out here. If so, the following information may provide useful. There's a sword that lets you strike at a plus three on a six or higher. Spears. Oh, boy. Do we read all of Oh, my God. There's so much here. Spears are funny things to fight with. If you're not used to them, they can be used for jabbing or throwing. Since you're not really trained on it, you need to roll an eight or better. But if you are successful, they do plus 10 damage. But when you... Oh, wait. To throw the spear successfully, and against that, it'll strike with a mass of plus 10 if you do succeed. But when you've thrown it successfully or not, it'll take you three combat rounds to get it back. Jabbing with a spear requires a six or better, exactly like a sword, and does plus five damage. Wow, which is better than the swords here. In fact, it's good as old EJ, but the drawback is it's more unwieldy. So you only get one jab for every two swipes your opponent takes. Ooh, that seems kind of spooky. Oh my word. Why don't you take daggers and armor? Sure. Um, these daggers only do plus one damage, but they have certain other benefits. First, you can get extremely well-balanced and light, so you can get two strikes in with a dagger for every one your opponent might get with a sword, and three strikes for every one if your opponent is jabbing with a spear. Armor. You can wear up to three different items of armor in this heat. Any more will leave you prostrate before you can walk 100 yards. Each item deducts two points of damage scored against you, which means if you kid out fully, there is a negative six on any damage scored by your opponent. But before you start buckling this stuff on, you need to know that this isn't the world's greatest armor. After the first strike in every combat, you need to roll two dice to find out if it's gonna pace or shatter. Uh, if it does shatter, you will do, it will do you a straight 20 damage, which is not good news and may possibly kill you. If you're wearing one piece of armor and throw a 12 on the dice, the armor shatters. If you're wearing two pieces, it's 11 or a 12. If you're wearing three pieces, a nine, 10, 11 or 12, will shatter them. Armor's tricky stuff, but it's up to you what you wear. What in God's name? Ah. Uh, what are you feeling about the armor, first of all? I think we should definitely wear at least one piece. Yeah, one for sure. The question is if we go to two. The possibility that we suddenly take 20 damage at any point in time, I think with our current health pool of 50, well, 41 at the moment, but 51 maximum, um, it's theoretically possible we could start playing around that consistently, just like at all times, try and keep ourselves 20 plus what a normal fight might occur uh, above, you know, death point. Um, but we don't have to do that. Well, and it's also like, if it shatters, theoretically, we just don't get it anymore either for the ever yeah. question mark. That's just, that seems brutal. Oh my god. Alright, well definitely one... What do you think? What do you think? I'll let you make the call. On two, or okay. not. Well, I'll I'll make the call on the armor if if you'll help me with, uh, with the old weapons, because I have a couple of quandaries over there. In Wait. armor, I think we should wear exactly one glove. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sick. Um, is there... There's no reason why we can't have all the weapons. Um, right? It doesn't you made your decision about weapons and armor, you may go to any other section. I mean, we might be able to loot additional things without using them. That's kind of what I'm thinking. It's 
perhaps we should not trundle around as a full armory. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'll be real. It sounds like swords are probably just the way to go. Ooh, to me. does it? To me, are the spear? So, what do you think? It's my my uh, my concern is that the swords hit twice as uh, or half as fast as the daggers, but they hit for the same uh, hit rate rather as the daggers. They just do a plus two damage. Mm. Is plus two on average significantly better than an extra d6 i probably uh, not d6. the reason i was wondering about it is because the fact that daggers get a little bit screwed over in a fight against spears where you get two two swings of a sword but three swings of a dagger when you probably should get four but i'm mm. down i'm down for daggers because how many enemies are gonna have spears yeah, exactly. It's 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 not like these uh, the weapons of uh, the people we may be facing in combat. So I I understand and I agree. I also just generally like the daggers. I, I like think daggers. I was going to try and push us in the dagger. I think this this was me asking a question, and then as soon as you professed interest in the option that I uh, th this was you know when you flip the coin in the air and then it comes down into your hand and you're like actually I didn't want heads I wanted tails. <laughs> yeah, you're like I know what I wanted. Yeah, I, I think it's also just I'm usually a swords guy. Uh, and yeah. I think that's what it is. But I think the daggers do make more sense. My issue with them was strictly just the, like, they lose, they, they're screwed over in the rock, paper, scissors matchup here. Their benefit against spears is, is bad. But that doesn't mean that the value they provide in general is actually undercut. It's just like, I just want, I want daggers to get the justice they deserve against spears. Come on, they give daggers four attacks against spears. Give right every. Oh, okay, all right. I'm down with that. So we'll take. We I think we can logically take everything if something changes and we get other equipment that makes it so the information changes. Who knows? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll keep armor as uh, nebulous, which is to say, if we want to, we can pop on a helmet. Yeah, I mean, we could definitely loot some armor. I it's it's. I wish it was a little bit more straightforward, I guess. But anywho, uh, eighteen. Uh huh. We've only two more rooms that remain unexplored on this uh, lower floor of the ship. Wait, no, we already been to eighteen. Have we? Didn't we just pick the lock? Oh, I. Yep, I. I may have. I just didn't cross it off on mine. It's forty-seven. We have one door left. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, this is interesting. Not very useful, but interesting. The room is full of provisions, sacks mainly. And when you investigate, you, as you surely do, you find they're full of grains, dried fruit, vegetables, some utterly revolting leathery stuff that might be dried meat. Well, then again, might be the remains of an old boot. That's about all there is here, apart from the poisonous spider. The poisonous spider? On your bike. This means action. Spider has six life points, and since you are very quick to notice it, you have the first strike. As against that, the, if the insect survives your blow, it'll su oh strike successfully on five or better and kill you outright. What? Mm -hmm. If you squash the spider, you may proceed to any other section, otherwise die. It has six life points. You have the first strike, and if it survives your blow... So is this a use the sword or is, oh. do you know what I'm saying? Like, is this a, when you, when it says survives the blow, do you think it means we get to use dagger to try twice or not? 
what do you think? I still think we can use the dagger to try twice because it will generally just be referring to individual rounds of combat. Yeah. Because it's otherwise nebulous right. with respect to your, which weapon you're using. So I think we could use the dagger two times. And you know what? We can I also this... roll at the same time that way. Eee, that's also good. Uh, does this... um? Do... It says if it survives your blow. So if we knock it out by hitting it for any damage, does it survive and still bite us? I don't think so. I I think it's basically... I think it is if you hit it, congrats. I think so. Because that's how the knockout rule has worked so far. I mean, and I'm... also the knockout rule seems to still be relevant due to the butcher previously threatening to knock us out. How'd you do? Why don't you tell me first? I mean, I got a nine. I got an 11. Spider oh. dead as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I got a nine. All right, so we don't we even have to worry about the knockout rule. Brief... We show the spider briefly the poison stiletto and say, I have no need for you, and then just stab it with a different dagger. All right. We kill it, we murder it, it's dead. Uh, Rip and rest in... Oh, we level up as a result of that! Boom, boom, So the question is, we have explored every room on this entire floor, except for the room that we cannot explore. Um, exactly. Is there any desire in going to page 67, the room with the three guards? I think there is, but... Like... Is it possible that that's bait to try and get us to spend the thousand gold before we go upstairs? Ooh, possibly. There's three doors behind them, though. Yeah. Should we know. go bribe two of them and then take one of them down with the with a different weapon? Bribe two and then and then just fight one, clean and legit. Mm -hmm. I think that that's not bad. I I like the plan. Let's do it. Let's do it. 67. We, we don't use enough gold. Yeah, exactly. I think the bribery is underutilized so far. All right. 67. Bribe. Bribe. One guy. Mm -hmm. There's one dude here. So he has 25 life points. A short... A sword. It's a short sword. It's, I'm, I'm working on coining a new phrase. Uh, does plus two and shield saves him from two damage as well. So this guess, is the interesting thing. Yes. Which is like if... Yeah, if he's taking damage away from each yes. successful hit, then hitting for a larger instance in a single is much better than smaller instances Correct. multiple times. Yes. So do you want to use the spear? Well, he's got a short sword, so he'll be striking twice for every round if we use the spear. Yeah. So it's I think sword it's sword time, baby. I think it's sword time. It's nice that there's actually like, you know, a little bit of strategery there. That's kind of mm -hmm. nice. All right. Uh, do we roll? Do we roll initiative, or do we get first strike? Um, I think we roll initiative because they definitely see us coming. Yeah, but do they see? Okay, all right. Well, I rolled initiative. He got it too. So it's, he's not very ready. But you could. <laughs> What'd you? He's roll? extremely off balance. The ship does a very sudden lurch up and down, and he loses <laughs> his footing as we dash forwards with a sword. Ugh, I freaking hate boats. <laughs> Why did I take a job on a boat? <laughs> That's okay. You're not going to have to be here much longer. Oh, God. Uh, oh, dear. Unfortunately, uh, in that same lurch, our uh, grip on our own sword is slightly loosened, and as we strike it to the ground, we miss the figure that was standing before us. We swing for five and hit nothing. Oh. Well, we definitely shouldn't have gone for the spear then, so. Ah. Well, you look like an idiot. 
And that's coming from me. <laughs> Hates boat and took a job on a boat. And he misses, gets a three. <laughs> he, he just, oh, shoot. I, I just said. Hate this place, he man. looks pretty seasick, and as he's he seasick. like, as he uh, doubles over in order to grasp at his stomach, we take the opportunity and slice the sword quickly against the back of his neck. Uh, it doesn't manage to cut the entire way through, but it does allow us to do. We're doing plus three, and he has a negative two armor, so we're doing a total of five damage with a strike, taking the enemy down to hey. twenty HP. Hey, man. Oh, jeez, man. I mean, you can't tell I'm having a rough day here. He goes for another swipe. He gets a six, Ooh, which is definitely It's a hit. His plus two, which is negated by our armor, but now we need to roll. Um, I will roll for uh, our armor oh, shatter uh, chances. Uh, and it doesn't shatter. We're good. That's not surprising, but I do hate that it's a thing. <laughs> All right. Have at me, uh, punk. Excellent. Uh, as as he attempts to go for a strike and readies himself to stand back upright, we see if we can take the opportunity to parry away his sword and thrust at the chest and do so with great deftness and ease. We strike the enemy for four, taking him down to 16. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going to cut you up real good, and he doesn't, though. <laughs> Gets a five. Uh, Never, never mind. I'm, Man, what did he say? My sword used to talk in situations like this. Oh, I'm going to cut you up real Like, it sounded like that. <sighs> uh, we're a little demoralized by the lack of EJ and the memory of our missing friend and fail to strike in response. Oh, my God. Ha, you missed. I would never do that. Jeez, uh, Man. <laughs> <laughs> five. <laughs> this is such an embarrassing you missed. fight. <laughs> I would never do... Okay. Uh, we do hit, but we hit for the six, seven, seven, plus one, negative two, plus three. We hit for two damage. Yay. This is such a, just a jaw-dropping fight. I'm glad we're not fighting three of these, just for sheer yeah. time. All right. He rolls a, oh, he rolls a seven. That's definitely damage, right? Not much. That's... Uh, he's using a plus two, and yeah, so one that damage? will do one damage to us, and we we'll still could have to roll our, our armor. armor. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a six come up, and I got nervous, but the others are three, so we're okay. Maybe we should have used the one stack of our poison dagger on this guy, considering how slow this fight is going. It's theoretically possible, but I do think we'll get out of here without too many costs. I'll, it's... uh, simulate our own attacks slightly faster and uh, say that we do a much similar strike to a previous one, which is to say we only do another two damage to the enemy and take them down to 12. All right. You're a little punk. I'm gonna... Oh, man. And he stumbles. He does four. Got four. So that's a no. Does not hit. Yeah, that's right. I am a little punk. Uh, we reveal at this point that uh, we have liberty spikes that are actually gelled up to a ridiculous sharp sheen <laughs> at the uh, point. And we headbutt him in the chest for a total of uh, three damage. All right. And he's down to nine HP. He rolls a five. He is having a very bad day. He, the amount of times it's been a five. Poor guy. If he had EJ, we'd be dead. Uh, his five manages to parry our four as we attempt to throw back a hit at the same time. Oh, my Lord. 
Oh, jeez. Man, I shouldn't have been drunk on the job. It gets a three. <laughs> I'm drunk and seasick. This is a bad combination. Uh... We throw a seven and, unimpressed by our own hit, not doing enough damage against him, say, Oh man, I should have drank more. So that's another two damage to him, taking him down to seven. Oh my lord. Oh. Unless we roll a six next time, Come on, any yeah. successful hit will knock him out. Okay, he rolls an eight. So that is going to be a two damage and a chance to take 20. Eight. How much? I mean, yeah. so three hits we prevented six damage already so we could keep a running total be like you know how much have we prevented is it worth 20 i I suspect strongly that it will end up being worth 20 it's just the instance of it all occurring at once that might be an issue yeah okay never mind we could scarcely be further from breaking this armor it steadies up around us it hardens oh god i I hate to say, but we've rolled the only number that does damage, but doesn't take the enemy out. No. Uh, oh, we leave them me. breathing as we nick lightly across the carotid artery, but not enough to break the skin. Oh, you think that would kill me? That just makes me strong. And he drops his sword. He gets a three. This <laughs> is what a fight! What an absolute cluster fight! Uh, okay. Okay. As he's dropped his sword, oh, we man, move over and stand on top of it with one boot. Hey, and refusing that? to dirty our sword, other sword any further, we just kick him in the head for oh. two damage, knocking him unconscious. <laughs> Fight <laughs> over. Jeez. And then we finish that shortly afterwards so that we can actually grab the... We do get uh, three experience, because we get the expert. experience for bribing. Exactly. We get twice as much experience for just having money. <laughs> Ain't it the way? All right. Don't if it always you seem to go. Fight and win against all three. Go to ninety-five. I think that. Well, no, because it counts as yes. A successful bribery successes fight. are counted as a fight success. Yeah. All right, ninety-five. The cell behind the first of the three bar doors is empty. Not a good start after all that hassle with the guards. But wait, behind the second door, squash into a small space are twelve handsome, square-jawed, clean-cut, fair-haired, muscular athlete, but unarmed and sleep men. Nor are your attempts to wake them, calling, shaking, and the odd gentle kick, in any way successful. You proceed, for want of anything better to do, to the third door. Thank the gods! Exclaims the handsome, square-jawed, clean-cut, dark-haired man within. Have you come to rescue my crew and myself? Uh, well, yeah, I suppose so. You say hesitantly. But, who are you? Jason, replies the man. I was, or am, captain of this vessel until it was boarded by those scumbags of pirates, three of whom I perceive you have recently but slain. These villains drugged my trusty argonauts and thus seized the ship for their own nefarious purposes unconnected with the noble quest for the golden fleece which we perceived to be our destiny thus it was those of my argonauts who were not killed and incarcerated as i was within the confines of these miserable spell cells rather fed but infrequently on pig swill deprived of all but bilge water to drink beaten senseless every hour on the whim of our brutish jailers Tormented by vermin and lice, deprived of sleep, threatened constantly with death, torched- Yes, yeah. You put in quickly, having got the picture. I can appreciate your problems. 
My problem is I can't wake your men, and we're gonna tackle an entire pirate crew, so we're gonna need every man we can get. But even as you speak, your mind is reeling. Jason? Argonauts? Golden Fleece? You suspected you were on board a ship, of course, but this isn't any ship of Avalon, or even of Saxon invaders. You seem to have ended up somewhere in ancient Greece? What a monumental screw-up this has all turned out to be. Merlin's fault, no doubt, although you'll have to wait to find out all the facts. Fear not on that score, noble rescuer, exclaims Jason. For I have secreted in my sandal a magical conch shell, which, having one charge remaining, will awaken my valiant followers on an instant and, incidentally, completely cure anyone within earshot from the effects of poison. Wait, <laughs> so, so specific. So saying, he removed his sandal and a large... Wait, from his sandal, a large seashell which must have been absolutely crippling him, places it to his lips and blows a penetrating blast. At once, the sleeping beauties in the other cell wake up. And any other poisoned misfortunate in the area is instantly cured. Jason turns to you. We are indebted to you for your freedom and perhaps our lives, O oh noble one. For this reason, we will follow you to death or glory, serve you to the very ends of the universe, protect you from- Yes, yes, you say hurriedly. I appreciate all that, but what I really want to know is how to get back to Avalon. I don't suppose you know the way, do you? Avalon? Frowns Jason. Is that north of Crete? No. Puts in one of his followers, a muscular fellow called Hercules. It's a suburb of Troy. You're thinking of Avala! Remarks another. Avalon's a 25 stadia northeast of Athens. That's not Avalon! exclaims a third. Avalon's an uncle name for the chain of volcanic islands that goes beyond the pillar of Hercules. You know, the ones with the goody birds and the vampire rabbits. That's the Avalonian archipelago? sneers a fourth. Avalon is an underground necropolis guarded by 85 pegasi and tribes of harpies to the southwest. It doesn't matter! You put in, since it's patently obvious. None of these mariners could sail their ship out of a bottle if they got stuck in one. Our first job is just to get back in control of this vessel, which means hacking up the pirates that took it over. What a military strategist! exclaims Jason in admiration. What an instant grasp of the overall situation. You should lead us in your brave endeavor, and even I, Captain Jason, will do your billing. Which just shows what a big mouth can land you into. Captain Jason will tell you that the pirates are in the upper deck, which you can reach via 5 or 11. So glad we didn't go without armor or a weapon. Mm. But before you launch your suicide mission, you'll need to find weapons for the Argonauts. You'll also need to know a bit of their stats, which are as follows. Jason has 25 life points, needs to roll a 5 or better to hit. Hercules has 48 and needs a 6 to hit, but scores a natural plus 4 damage. I mean on top of any weapon damage by reason of his enormous strength. Ten of the remaining eleven Argonauts average out at twenty life points and need a six to hit, and the final Argonaut Achilles has a thirty life points total, hits on a two, scores a natural plus one on top of weapon damage, but has a weak ankle so he can only get in a hit every second round. Equip them as best you can from whatever source you can, then go to the upper deck. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. We have to Honestly? I'm gonna give these guys full armor. Yeah, it's their problem. Right? I'd say. I think that's fine. We give them all of that, and then we give them 
all just all daggers maybe i don't know that's gonna be so much well, rolling <laughs> well yeah, a little bit possibly but achilles uh, definitely should have a spear achilles definitely should have a spear he can only hit every second round anyway so yeah. it's on only two scores a natural plus one damage on top of the weapon damage so my man's a spear yeah wait he hits on a two with the spear i mean what yeah yeah huh all right. I mean, well, I'm just assuming that he has, like, in the same way that Jason just has a different base stat for the hit. Yeah. Like, it was always a weapon with which you were equipped that has the stat. Yeah, but, but this is the first time it's phrased differently. So I think that it's implying... Yeah, I think it's... Well, huh. Yeah, it's, it's the fact that they have a differential from normal damage without having to worry about the weapon that makes me think that they also have a differential from normal hit without having to worry about the weapon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Achilles gets a spear for sure. And then, I mean, Hercules should have a dagger for sure. Getting a plus four. I think, yeah, I think Jason and Hercules should both have daggers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then the Argonauts is basically like, do we want to roll that much is basically the question. So we could just get I them mean, all spears. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not going to Because they require a six to hit. Yep. So, yeah. We I wouldn't said... use them as a priority, so. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm just writing stuff down. Trying to get pay. All right. We have fully equipped them, having trundled down the hall over to the armory. All of our ten Argonauts, the unnamed ones, have picked up for themselves a full set of armor. Uh... So there aren't full sets of armor, uh, you know, just lying next to one another here. So they're all just pulling on absent pieces, trying to keep them strapped to them. Uh, they do look exceptionally ramshackle. There are hats that are two sizes too big that are blinding characters, and there are hats that are two sizes too small. Those characters easily could have swapped, but in the Russian fury of all of this, they have neglected to. Everyone is wearing negative six, uh, that is to say three pieces of armor, Jason is carrying a sword, Hercules, two daggers, Achilles, a spear, and each of the Argonauts also takes a spear. Yeah. Congrats, we have an army. We do indeed. Should we head to uh, five or 11 in order to get back to the uh, Yeah, next that's the question. Up? I wonder, it, I guess it has to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, One imagines that the uh, stern of the ship would be a, uh, a little more central to operations and planning. Uh, whereas the bow of the ship might be a uh, better full completion path if we want to do it in one contiguous loop. Now, I've never learned ships, uh, bow, stern, etc. What mm -hmm. the hell are we talking about? Stopping. Yeah. Are we talking 11 mm -hmm. or 5? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the, the bow is the, the front, so that okay. would be 11, and the stern is our uh, back, so that would be 5. All right. I don't know. I, feel I think like... we should go to the stern. Okay, so page five? Yeah. Yeah, I feels like we could Which be sneakier that way. Mm-hmm. 113. Might be able to take out someone important in a different order. And we're well equipped. We've got a whole army, baby. You emerge on the upper deck of a huge sailing vessel crafted from wood, the hull of which... Is this the first time we actually learned that we're on a ship? <laughs> Wait. Uh, I think the Argonauts may have mentioned yeah, it Yeah, I think they mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it just didn't settle in for Pip. He gets up here. Oh my mm. God, we're on a ship. <laughs> I thought you were joking. 
Crafted from wood, the hull of which has been finely plated in what looks suspiciously like solid gold. Vast sails billow out above you against a serene and cloudless sky. All around you, stretching in the distant horizon, is the clear blue sea. This would be a great place for a pleasure cruise, were it not for the horde of cutthroats racing in your direction, brandishing wicked swords with plus three damage, shouting insults about your parentage. There are ten of these scoundrels, each with 25 life points, hitting uh, successfully on a six or better, and each out to make a name for himself by slaughtering yet another enemy. If you are not alone at this moment, it might be a good idea to be cautious, although you are perfectly free to fight them all if you'd like. Should you decide to retreat, roll two dice. I mean, do we even need to read that? Are we retreating? Uh, no. Although, yeah. I think uh, I think there may have been a typo in the Yeah, board, it looks like there's a typo. Is, if you are not alone, yeah. it might be a good idea to be cautious. And then it says, if you're not alone, then let the battle commence. Yeah, that's exactly. interesting. Uh, let the battle royale commence. If you're all slain, go to 14. If you personally are killed, wait patiently on 14 to see how the rest of the battle turns out. Should your companions win with Jason still alive, he blows his magic conch to resurrect you with full life points. In which case, you can all proceed to page 10. Should both you and Jason be killed, you can forget about the resurrection. If you survive your own fight and your you and your companions win the battle, stagger triumphantly to page 10. I will say the first thing that I notice right now is if we are successful, it seems like it would be optimal to die. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Full life points. It's optimal for us to get killed. So that's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Well, strange. So I think for the sake of the ease of fight, we should probably do this in kind of like individual rounds because basically one of the Argonauts or one of the heroes is going to be fighting pretty much each of these scoundrels. There will be a couple of people standing off to the side. Uh, in in like one on one bouts, yeah. Uh, that that we will try and resolve as quickly as possible. So speaking of, let's get Hercules to take out the first of the intruders, which uh, shouts insults about his parentage, and he's like Zeus, and tries to strike. All right. Well, uh, initiative. Sorry, we should uh, roll initiative in the one. Well, I got a one, so. Well, I got a six, so. Well, so maybe well. Like, it doesn't even really matter. So I think you, that's the thing. It's so strong, you just knew. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it, right? Hercules is going to. Hercules also rolls on a uh, seven, which is enough for Hercules. Oh, Hercules also attacks twice per yep. round, by the way, yep. with those uh, plus one daggers. So this means he is doing a total of six damage in the first instance of this character. They have 25 HP. So they're down to 19. I'll track all of this stuff. Do not worry. Uh, Hercules rears up for a second strike with the other-handed dagger and manages to connect, but doesn't connect exceptionally well. Is going to be doing only plus five damage with that to take the enemy down to 14. All right. Uh, so what do they have? They have plus three damage, hit on a six. Okay. All right. I, I think we probably snappily go through the combat since there's 10 guys. Yep. So he's going to go ahead and try and stab you right back with... Did it say what kind of weapon they have? Sword, right? Uh, Asiatic yeah. swords. Okay. So five, those... damage. five nut damage, five on the die, a.k.a. no damage. I feel like I have mm. weighted, weighted dice that give me exactly fives right now, which is really beneficial for the guy who's playing the enemies. Mm-hmm. Ooh, in response. That's a damage, baby. Uh, a nine does three plus five, eight. 
uh, taking the enemy down to six, which means if we strike with the next hit, they are unconscious, and indeed, we do strike with the next hit, but unfortunately, I will lie to you, they're not unconscious, they are dead. Hercules has won his first battle. Next up, Splat. us. It's Pip's time for a fight. Initiative shows three for us. Three hit for them. That's a reroll. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good luck. Five. Four. Good wrecked. All right. Swinging with their sword. They get a six, which is a hit, but not mm. really. It's mostly the armor. Uh, It's a hit for one damage because they've got a plus oh. three sword. Oh, it's a plus three sword. Yeah. yeah. So it's one damage, and but it's more the chance to break the armor. <laughs> okay. If we were wearing more armor, it would have shattered. Oh, my. An 11 or a 10? 10. Okay. So we would have had to be wearing two more pieces, to be fair. <laughs> we also rolled a 9 earlier, yeah. which would have shattered on that as well. Uh, we respond with the clumsiest hit of all time. Completely missing. Are we have? Do we have daggers? Oh, are we using daggers? Yeah, because these guys aren't wearing armor, so should we use yeah, daggers I would, against these? I would think case, we would use yeah. daggers, yeah. That's a much better result. We strike back for an 11, which is 5 over the limit. The dagger that... Uh, are all daggers capable of being used uh, twice? I was wondering, and I think probably. I, I think so. So the daggers that Hercules are holding will still be the plus ones, but the plus two dagger, the one that we looted at... Oh, no. It's because you can hold daggers in each hand. So we have one that's plus one and one that's plus two. Gotcha. Ugh. Probably. Uh, okay, well, that's fine anyway. I'm uh, This second hit is our five plus two, seven. Taking the enemy down to 18 HP. Why I wanna get another six, which is such an annoying... The universe heard me say the thing about five. Mm -hmm. Six is, is extremely annoying because it is a damage and a chance to take 20. Yep. Ooh, okay. Well, that first hit is going to manage to graze the enemy for two, taking him down to 16. Armor holds, I assume? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it does. Okay. And the second hit won't manage to connect. Why are you on a six? It's a six! And he does. He ought to and does. That's okay. No shatter for us. And in response, we hit the enemy for four initially, taking him down to 12. And then stabbing back with the other dagger uh, for another three, taking the enemy down to nine remaining. All right. We got ourselves a there. We're, I missed you, baby. It's a five. Ooh, gotta love a five unless I roll it and I do. That's a five. And that's a four. I don't gotta love a five. Oh, no. Or Not unless you roll them. We got a seven on this and. Two damage mm -hmm. and a chance to explode. <laughs> no explosion unless we're wearing three armor. In response, we try and explode the enemy. That's a five. You've cursed me with the fives. That's a five as well. I'm sorry. I rolled Four and a one and a three and a two. That's an eight. We're getting wrecked by this guy at this point. So an eight, that is going to be a five, five damage and a chance to explode. Five damage negated by two. So we'll be taking three. Yeah, we'll five from, yeah. <laughs> Again, we would have exploded if we had more armor and snake eyes. Oh my lord, this this snake <laughs> eyes! We need Hercules back. That's he a one in thirty-six, and then a one in thirty-six. He rolled an eight again. 
die. Good God. If there is ever a time for us to die, I'm glad it's optimal to die in this fight. Mm. Well, how much health do we armor have? doesn't shatter. We have 28 now. We roll a five, by the way, just in case you were wondering. Uh -huh. well, I kind of uh, this number's a six, though, so we finally hey, do some more damage to the enemy. That's damage to an enemy. We take uh, those. They take two damage. Ow. And they hit us for a... Oh, that's a five. Okay. Cool, cool. Snake eyes. Oh. You I don't know what's up. He crit! All right. That's all right, a 12. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to die to this one so guy. Seven damage he does to us. We go down to 21 HP. I mean, we do want to die. We probably just want to take another battle after this and then let Jason survive TBH. I guess that's true. Just yeah, make sure Jason doesn't die. All right. We strike back with a fury of <laughs> our uh, useless turns prior and eviscerate the foe with a single dagger. Who do you think should battle next? Jason? Achilles? I mean, I think we could. I think you're right that we should just battle until we die to make sure it happens. For at this, especially now that All we're right. at like 20 health, we should fight until we die now, and then get rezzed by Jason because it's just optimal for min maxing. Sounds good. As soon as that one goes down to the ground, we're like, okay, that wasn't my best fight. Give me another. Three initiative. Initiative. One. Well, swings. I'm legitimately changing pair of dice. I'm not a eight. superstitious person, but I'm doing it. Yeah, no, usually. Got an eight. So that's, uh. Wait. That's a three plus three. Uh, plus three damage. Four damage. Four damage? Right. Eight. Two above plus three. And oh, it's an eight. Two, so oh, two, oh, it's above six. I was doing about five. Yeah. Um, I also think I said four, so. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> we did it. Uh, as as a uh, as, as a point of order, we will be using the plus two dagger as our first strike for each of our volleys. That's a five. All right, I'm changing back. I rolled my die all the way across my room on accident. I'm going to go pick it up. That's a seven. So that will only do two damage to the enemy, taking down to a total of 23. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> back to our pirates. hey Four. Nope. Excellent. Oh, six. That does two damage. Down on 21, and second strike does one damage. I'm hitting sixes now. Woohoo! We take those. He swings for a seven. That's a little bit. <laughs> mm hmm. That'll be two damage to us, taking us down to 16. I'll roll the armor, which. Kill us, you hey. coward! Great thing about only rolling fives, doesn't break our armor. Ooh, I saw a six, and I was like, we might have a good hit. Anyway, the other one's a one, so we have a, a pretty middling hit. It's a hit. Three damage to the enemy, taking him down 17. Second volley. Never mind. I rolled a three. Excellent. I like when the enemy never minds in response to our own never mind. Um, ooh. Finally, uh, we strike the enemy for a solid six, slashing them across the cheek, giving them a very characterful scar. And then we slash the enemy for one more damage, trying to uh, even it up. They roll a 10 in response. <gasps> uh, seven, five, so we're down on 11 HP and our armor. One more piece of armor would have broken now. Uh, <laughs> that was an 11. So, in fact, if we were wearing, I mean, I guess it would have negated more damage over the period of time as well, but ignoring that, uh, if we were wearing another piece of armor, it would have now exploded and we would be dead. Great. 
Oh, another 10 against the enemy. Gotta love it when we do six damage. Take the enemy down to unconscious value. They are now dead. Let's take the next fight. I'll roll for initiative. All right. That's a full. One. <laughs> All right. Five, no damage. Six, that'll be one damage to the enemy. Take them down to 24. <laughs> I'm glad I'm getting these out of the way. I usually crits you. So 12. Oh, hell yeah. I'm, so, this is the time to get rid of these. These stinker rules. I mean, technically nine, they're good. Seven. We are now knocked unconscious. I think that counts as dead, all things considered. Uh, yeah, the enemy will now continue to kill us before the end of that battle, which means we can uh, have our own mortal form wait on page 14 while we use Hercules to just yes. destroy the rest of these. Yeah, basically just don't bring in Jason until we have to. Yeah, exactly. And we're good. Uh, Hercules enters this fight in our stead, steps over our corpse, and swings at the enemy, uh, and unfortunately fails both the first strike and the second strike. Both fives, by the way. Rolls an eight. Oops. Wait, Hercules doesn't have armor. Oh, no, he does have armor. He has the full Hercules armor. Has three pieces of armor, yeah. So uh, they will do no damage to Hercules, but they will trigger the possible the armor explodes. Oh. Hercules has 28 HP remaining and is no that's longer wearing any great. armor. That's not great. That's not the optimal way for that to go down. Yeah, that's not how I wanted it to go down, but it is how it went down. down. What did you roll? Uh, Which, to be... Was sorry? It a, it, he rolled, it was he it rolled a, a uh, 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Shoot. so all three pieces. Yeah. <sighs> really should have gone with the two, but I wanted to go all in the meme. It's uh, Anyhow. Fun. This is a total of six damage to the enemy on our first dagger strike. And the second does the exact same. Taking the enemy down to 12 HP remaining. Swings back for a five. It's a miss. Gotta love a miss like that. We strike back with a six, which is five damage to the enemy. Taking him down to seven. Any hit is a good enough hit now. And we hit well enough. That's one more enemy. Four of them are now down. 25. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I know. Should I, we... I will automate these as, as fast as I possibly can. I have a pitch. Uh, we could... What's that? Make it twice as hard, but condense the amount of enemies in half. I don't know. As in... Just like double, double the, their HP? Double their damage. <laughs> I think doubling their damage would... Uh... I, it's, is it balanced? No, but also, boy, this is taking a long time. That's that is very fair for the sake of the speed of the podcast. Um, yeah, let's any any like ultimate ending damage result, we'll just double it and then continue. Yeah, anything that happens, so, it happens twice. Yeah, yeah, double to us, double to them. Yes. Uh, so hopefully uh, you roll a poor initiative on this next soldier. I mean, I got a four. It's not too bad. Ooh, unfortunately, that means they go first. The Hercules is slow with a three. All right. They got a six, which is not the best. That's enough to do six damage to Hercules. Oh, yeah, because he's got no armor now, the punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we strike back for uh, ten, taking the enemy down to fifteen with our first dagger strike. And the second dagger strike connects... Oh, sorry. Actually, the original was 12. Uh, so it takes them down to 13. And the second dagger strike takes them down to three. They're unconscious Poof. and die shortly after ah. that battle. Sixth New initiative. character steps Two. up to the plate. 
Two also. Reroll. One. Oh. Three. <laughs> they get a seven. Unfortunately, that's going to be eight points of damage to Hercules. Taking him down to 14. We strike back with our first dagger, which connects for 12 damage yet again, taking the enemy down to 13. And one more connection of a dagger, I believe. Yep, that's enough. This guy uh, annoys us just slightly too much, so we just flick both daggers directly in each of his eyes. Next one steps up to the plate. Yeah, this pace is better. <laughs> one. One. Oh. Five. Two. <laughs> okay. Okay, this guy's nine differential is three plus five, 16 damage taken on the first hit. The enemy is down to nine HP. Uh, and six. may not even... Oh. Make it to their next round of. Co Never mind, I managed not to strike on the second. Yours? Six. So. Uh, that means we will take eight. another six damage, taking oh. us down to eight HP on Hercules. Oh, yeah. And then Hercules just finishes off this final guy. Well, not final guy. Third from final guy stands up to the plate. Initiative roll. Two. Two. <laughs> Re roll. Five. Two. Five again. Misses. Mm-hmm. Love to hear it. Also, uh, a misses here for Hercules on the first. The second manages to connect, taking the enemy down to 15 HP. Strong strikes here. Six, so it's something. That's... Uh, that is an unconscious Hercules who dies. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, all right. Should we actuallys? We could actually. He's still wearing armor. Wait, and he only needs a two. He only needs a two. It's just he fights every second round of combat. But he does do it on the first as well, which would probably be enough. It's true. So, yeah, let's Achilles. Cool, cool. Um, Achilles enters the fight, so uh, initiative. Three. Four. Achilles goes first. Uh, and strikes <laughs> on a plus, on a two plus. So literally yeah. anything yeah. will hit. Yeah. We roll an eight, the highest that I rolled in a very long period of time. So that's six over our damage limit, and he does six with the spear, and we double it. So uh, the enemy takes 24 damage and evaporates into a light red mist. Yeah, basically, just it's got to go first. Next up to the plate, and Achilles rolls a six. six oh, six. Reroll. <laughs> Reroll. It's all right. One. Four. Ah. Four. <laughs> he goes for a strike. He gets him with a little bit of an eight. Little bit of an eight might get us. Might get us. Uh, that's a five, ten. We negate six of that. So only take four damage on Achilles. Oh, and the armor sticks around, thankfully. Um, 24 HP left on Achilles. And, oh, wait. Your turn again. Wait, oh, because the Achilles combat is one after another. Round. I forgot the, co yeah, because it's one after, well, it doesn't, it's a board, so it's a miss anyways, it doesn't matter. That's great to hear, Achilles. Get him. Uh, we do eight doubled to 16, which is enough to take the enemy down to nine HP on a roll of only four. Oh, dang. So two rolls here, so there's a five that's a miss. Mm -hmm. And that is a, that's a 10. That's not a miss. 10, annoying. 10's annoying. Ten's that's a four, seven. 14, uh, negate 6, so we take 8 damage to this, taking us down to 16 HP, but we keep our armor. Now you go. Um, Achilles responds with another classic 4, which as it turns out in this instance is enough to kill the penultimate enemy. 
and uh, mounting in the final enemy stepping up to the plate. Oh, boo, 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 thank God. Two. Initiative roll of two. What? Reroll. Mm, two. Great. <laughs> Achilles, stab him. Actually stabs this man to heck and back. We roll Achilles, with 10, which is eight above. Blast. Stab, stab. Uh, which is eight above the limit uh, for another plus six. For a total of 14, doubled to 28. Uh, this enemy has 25 health. So with this spear in uh, what might only be described as appropriate in the uh, end of a particularly skilled combat between two mortal combat uh, players, uh, the spear is used in a very interesting fashion such that the corpse is displayed upright at the end of the combat. Oh, interesting. A little, a little, hmm. a little decor. All right, hmm. so then Jason revives us back to full life points. Yep, including Hercules and Achilles. Hercules does not get his armor back, but we are back on 51 full HP points and 10 enemies are being conquered for a total of 10 experience. It's true. The question is whether or not we deserve it. Uh, yeah, 10 enemies have been conquered dead. for a total of 10 experience. We commanded these folk in battle. All right, so now we're on 10. Uh, yes. All right. Sometimes battles just aren't worth winning. These idiots have now elected you captain. Thus exercising the newfangled Greek notion of democracy. And are gratefully insisting that they will take you anywhere you want to go in your search for this mysterious Avalon place of yours. None of them has a bull's notion where it might be, of course, but they do have a chart of the immediate maritime vicinity, which you study inside the back cover of this book in order to set your course. When you've decided where you want to go, make a mental note of the section number, but do not turn right away. In order to navigate your ship correctly to the destination, you must first roll two dice, score above a four, you navigate correctly, two, three, or four, and you must turn to the special cross-eyed navigation section on 219. If you survive the instructions that will be given to you there, you can go where you wanted. Why? Well, I mean, it's... Largely, I imagine this effectively gives us random encounter possibilities. Oh, it sounded like you survive. Oh, because it could. Oh, okay. It sounded like it was. You have a chance to just die, which I would hate. Okay, so we have mm. a. Yeah, we have a map on the back, a C chart map. We do indeed. Uh, there are uh, seven different locations that are named on here. Uh, it's got all of the standard appurtenances that you might imagine from a sea chart. We've got the, the cloud man blowing wind out of his face. We've got the compass. We've got a, a Loch Ness, the Habby dragons. We've got Triton's scepter down in the bottom. Um, for the locations we see, Dragon Island, Skull Island, the Five Fingers, Maiden's Call, Lost Island, the Demondum Island, and Shipwreck Island, finally. Hmm. Interesting. Well, worth noting, well, the Five Fingers has five whole little islands there too. Oh. Hmm. I mean, got a, got a got a particular lean in any direction. The Grail quest in me says that, much like the bone saw, the saw made out of bone, not for sawing bone. I feel mm. as though perhaps the lost island is not the island you go to to get lost, but the island for which you go to for when you are lost. Mm-hmm. 
So that's my only I'm thinking lead. it's the island where uh, a plane uh, split in half over the top because Four, Desmond 50, couldn't 60, goddamn 20, push 20, the button in time. Dead man. Four, exactly. So we go for Lost Island 122. I d d that, that, that was less an argument direct for Lost Island. I'm fine with any of these. I like, uh, I think... I think I like Lost Island and Maiden Call the most. Me too. As our first. Me too. Let's go to the Lost Island. It was the first one that uh, that that came to both minds. I will it say be the first one that our ship tries to come to. The the fun little like uh, extremely like deep lore tidbit is that there is a world in which this podcast was a lost podcast instead. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. There was mm -hmm. a. There was talks of it at one point that we would instead do a podcast about the TV show Lost. <laughs> so, uh, Season three, turn to page Lost. Yeah. If there is a Lost Choose Your Own Adventure or if any, or if anyone yep. makes a Lost Choose Your Own Adventure, oh my God. Uh, hit us up. Straight to the, page, to the veins. Uh, at gmail.com, please. Yeah. Uh, so wait, what did we have to do to, we had to roll in order to go correctly. We roll yeah, so we roll one two die? dice. If two we dice. score above a four, we will neg oh. uh, navigate correctly. But one, sorry, a two, three, or a four. So the lowest three results possible on two dice. Gotcha. That's not that bad. Uh, I already rolled. I got a nine. So Excellent. we just go Sounds where great we to me. We're to gonna go. exactly head our way to the lost island over on one twenty-two. We have to go back. Gotta go back. All right, one twenty-two. Well, I've just heard that uh, Jeremy Bentham is dead, so we gotta go back. We gotta go back. The island. This island. It's impossible. You've sailed all the way around it four times running, and not only are you unable to find a mooring, but now, unfortunately, I was wrong, I think. You're able to find even neither a yard of beach where you could even land a rowing boat. No wonder it's called Lost Island. It looked welcoming enough at a distance, but now that you're closer, you can see that it's a veritable bastion. Its entire coastline is enclosed by a massively ancient stone wall as high as cliffs and built to all appearances by giants. Your crew are not happy with, at this development. The superstitious bunch are already muttering that perhaps this place would be better left alone. You, of course, are made of sterner stuff, but how to get on the island? On your fifth circuit, you eagle, your eagle eye catches sight of what might just be an opening in the wall. It's narrow indeed. Even a single rowboat would have trouble negotiating the inlet, but... It might just be possible, ignoring the mutterings of the Argonauts, none of whom have volunteered to accompany you, you set out in the little boat rowing strongly towards the narrow gap. You reach in and experience a moment of panic as a strong current seizes your craft and sweeps it inwards, yet this might be a blessing in disguise, for the current runs true, carrying you squarely between the looming walls, before slackening into still water near what was obviously built as a mooring. You look around, you are bobbing lightly in a tiny, totally enclosed harbor, built presumably when that great wall was constructed, eons in year of years ago. Before you is a dock, a little more than a ledge, really, and beyond it, set into the wall is a gigantic door of solid bronze. You tie up your craft and approach the door. It towers above you as if it was made for someone at least four times your height. Experimentally, you press your hands against it and find, with no surprise at all, that it does not move. There's a massive bronze handle, some distance above your head and below it. Just within reach, no fewer than ten tiny keyholes. Oh no, <laughs> these keyholes intrigue you. They're totally out of proportion with the door, yet something tells you that the key and not the massive handle hold the secret to opening its portal. If you happen to have ten tiny golden keys, you may fit them into the keyholes 
at 153. Otherwise, the only option is return to the Argo and pick another destination. Um, <sighs> all right. However, yeah. returning to the Argo is also an arduous journey. And uh, the current running in the entrance passage will make the maneuver very dangerous, so we've got to roll two dice and see if uh, it's okay. Uh, Rito. Yeah. I only roll bad dice. I am currently writing 10 key by Lost Island. All right, what mm -hmm. am I supposed to, what do I need to do? Uh, roll two dice and uh, please roll above a eight, please. Nine or above. I did roll a nine. That's great. We reached the Argo without mishap, so we don't have to die or lose a third of wait, our life points. Wait, two to four is a two to four is a die? Is you just die? Two to four, your craft is dashed against the wall and Five you sink into the icy waters all the way to 14. Five. Boom, boom, boom. We d uh -huh. Five to eight. I mean, five to eight wouldn't have been that bad. Lose a third of yeah, your life. That would have been fine. Eminently survivable. Unlike two to four. Yeah. All right. So we are back to our ship. And I think I, you know, I think I was right when I said it seems like the place to go, but we don't have 10. We don't have the dragon balls. Exactly. We got to go pick them up and we'll pick up the first ones from Maiden Call. All right. Roll. Would you like to roll for the travel? Sure. It's a six. We're fine. Not a great roll, Boom. but we're fine. One eighteen. I thought we were rolling one die when it was for the. That's why I was freaking out about it. Mm -hmm. That was a two, a two, three, or a four on one die, but it makes more sense this way because otherwise they'd include one. <laughs> the island, it trend as it transpires, is ringed with deep water. There's. There's even deep water, a deep water inlet to a natural harbor, which means you can actually bring the Argo to dock without messing around with rowboats, long distance swimming, or any of that things of nature. <laughs> the only problem is your crew refuses to go ashore. Argh, be the women. One of the older crewmen explains, adjusting his eye patch and parrot nervously. <laughs> but when you ask him to enlarge on this cryptic statement, he goes away muttering to himself. If you're prepared to risk a visit to the island on your own, braving the women, whoever, whoever they, might, they might be, turn to page 111. I'm willing to brave the women. I'm. Yeah, they said already that uh, men of this time are fearful of any congregation of women. So this is just superstitionary and, and bigotry rather than... Uh, your, it's true. Um, we're certainly not going to get turned into pigs, right? <laughs> I think women are great. Yeah, let's trust women on page 111. Let's go to page 111 to trust women. 111. Boldly done. Now let's see if it's also wisely done. As you step ashore, you feel yourself compelled to roll a die. Oh boy. If it's a 5 or a 6, turn to 116. Otherwise, 129. Uh, 127. But should I yeah, roll? Yeah. Sure. I'll also roll because I'm curious. But you three. So... I rolled a one, we're, so we would have been doing the same thing. We would have been doing the same thing. Doesn't always mean it's the worst option, just because it's less, okay. more likely. Nothing much in the way of noticeable features on this island. So I'm, I'm thinking we probably didn't get the right one. So there's a little to choose from when it comes to deciding on a direction. Since you have landed on the south coast, you can explore north at 81, <gasps> west at 93, or east at 170. But remember, each time you wish to enter a new section of this island, you will feel yourself compelled to roll a die. If you... Score a six, you must go to 116 instead. Okay, so maybe mm, so that's maybe a bad rolling thing. rolling low is good. Yeah. So 127 to 81. 
93, 170. I mean, it's going to be bound to happen at some point. So, I mean, we're going north. Mm-hmm. Right. Over to 81. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll roll the die. They gave us a north direction. Two. We get to go there. Oops. 81. Trudge, trudge, trudge. Northwards you go, with no company other than the sound of birds in the branches, hassling interminably about who owns this particular tree. Trudge, trudge, trudge. Nothing of interest. This is the sort of place that could bore you to death. Er, I say, you down there. You say, wondering if... Wait, what? What the heck? Oh, hmm? God. Wrong page. You stop abruptly and look around. There's no one in sight. Er, up here. Er. Calls the voice. Up above you. You look up into the branches of an overhanging tree, but there's no one there. Browning, you look up and around you again. No, no, er, up here. Insists the voice. You look up again, but there's no one in the branches except a pair of small, dun-colored birds. You look around you again. Er, I say, will you have the kind decency to look at me while I'm talking to you? It's one of the birds. Wow, one of the birds is talking to you. I'm sorry. You say, wondering if it could be an oddly shaped parrot. I didn't realize it was you. Er, quite all right, old thing. I was just wondering if you could settle an argument between a colleague and myself. I'll certainly try. You tell the little bird, bemused by this turn of events. Well, says the bird, we got tired of squabbling about who owns this stupid ranch. So we set to debating classical mythology. Uh, we're extremely well-educated birds, you must appreciate. Specifically, we set to discussing the Cyclops. You've heard of the Cyclops, haven't you? Yes. You say poker-faced. Most interesting, chappy, huh? Continues the little bird. And quite an ornithologist in his own way. However, after we discussed the Cyclops for a little while, he had a major disagreement. We couldn't decide how many eyes he has. The bird cocks its head to one side and regards you beetily. Can you help us? Yes. Puts in the second bird before you have time to answer. All I want to know is how many eyes about us. If you can help the right answer, you get your hands on something for. You stare at the two peculiar birds, trying to remember all you've ever learned about the Cyclops. If you think it has one eye, go to 99, two, go to 157, three, go to 181. If it screws us, the, the whole thing about the Cyclops is that it has one eye. Like, yep. if it screws us on this, and we go to 99, and it says, actually, he was carrying an extra eye. So I think. Mm. Well, let's let's give ourselves a moment to think about because it could Has be the he could have an eye, beheaded. and then he could be holding a person that has three. Mm. I, I was thinking in the direction of of he's beheaded one of the uh, one of the Greek heroes and and carries their head, which I think is the story of one of the Greek heroes. I think it might even be Jason. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm not actually that great with Greek mythology. However, one thing I do know, that guy himself, one eye. If they try and tell us, actually, he's carrying more eyes, we uh, say, no, he has one eye belonging to him or more. Yeah. Let's go to 99 and be prepared to be mad. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... I'm already mad. mad. I'm mad. It's my secret, Cap. I'm mad. All right, 99. Bye, George! Exclaims the little bird. That is precisely the correct answer. Yep. Says the other little bird. I don't think it is. You said something about telling me 
if I really understood you, that you could get my grubby little hands on... Was it something valuable? You remind them. Er, that's perfectly true as well, says the first bird. It turns to look at its companion. You have it, don't you, Clarence? Yep, says Clarence. Yeah, do. With which he flies down from the branch and drops a small gold key into your grubby little outstretched hand. Just a minute! You call as the other bird takes to wing. What's this key even for? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> but both birds are disappearing swiftly upwards now. Can't stop. Gotta migrate. Nothing else for it but to continue trudging, which will take you in a circle to 127 where you may pick another option. Okay. Mm -hmm. so do we have to roll again for this one? I feel like... Yep. Okay. All right. Anytime we move on the island. I got a four. Is that bad? Nope. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was four to six or five and six. Yeah, so after the... But remember, each time you wish to enter a new section of the island, you'll feel yourself compelled to roll a die. If you roll a six, you turn to 116. So it's the initial... Oh, uh, the initial one's worse. ...higher gotcha. chance. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's not... So, next direction. Gotta be east. 170. All right. 170. Zoo. You move eastwards, traveling for nearly 20 minutes until you find yourself approaching a huge stone statue, very similar in many respects to those found on Easter Island. As you move closer, you discover that the mouth of this great head had been cleverly articulated so that it might, under circum certain circumstances, open and close in a lifelike manner. Well, comparatively lifelike manner. As you move around to the back of the statue, you notice there's three levers set near its base. Above the levers, a notice has been chiseled. I mean, here you go. You can grab it. Warning! Only one lever may be pulled with safety. Think on where you are, Wanderer. That which, if multiplied by five, then ten, then the same added, plus a further score, equates to the present location, will you gain an ample reward for your insight. Aught else spells doom! Math. Uh... Mm. Let's see. On closer inspection, you find each leather has been lever has been numbered one to three. But as you prepare to risk pulling one of the levers, the promise of ample reward should you pull lever one, two, three. Okay, yeah. All right. So what is it? That which multiplied by five, then ten, then the same added. So then multiplied by two, plus mm -hmm. a further score. Yep. So uh, another to, oh. to work this backwards. Our present location is 170, a score is 20, so we take uh, 20 off of this and get to 150, and then it says that which, if multiplied by 5, then 10, and then the same added, so 5, 10, and 2 gives us uh, 100. Wait, 1.5? I That can't work. Oh no. Oh no. A score is 20, right? Four score, 80. Wow. Score is, is 20 years. Yeah, a group or a set of 20 or about 20. Okay, so where are we? We're on 170. Minus a score gets us to 150. Then the same added. Okay, so I'm going to say, yeah, then the same added. So that gets us to 75. And then if we divided that by 10, we get to 7.5. I'm I'm confused. Huh. How, we can't have non-integer values here. <laughs> I mean, so we had the, yeah. Uh, what? That which, if multiplied by five, then ten, 
then the same added does it mean yeah then the same added might not be double that's what i'm wondering it, is it, it do might we be add adding 10? 10 then that's what i'm wondering yeah in which yeah. case we take 20 off to get to 150 and then we take 10 off to get to 140 then we divide that by 10 to get to 14 and then if we divide that by five we end up with a fraction again mm, perhaps it's a fraction of a lever <laughs> maybe we mm. think on where you are that which if multiplied by five then 10 then the same added plus a further score equates to your present location oh god wait <laughs> it's just gonna be a break the brain moment again i think it might be i okay i'll i'll give two possibilities for like out of the box thinking here there's ought else spells doom if all of our answers give us a non-integer value then uh, we can't say that it's one two or three that's safe and ought else spells doom maybe all of the levers are bad a second possibility it says only one lever may be pulled with safety what if it's lever number one? Oh, those are the out of the box ones i think that's kind of fun um that witch so think on where you are wanderer that witch so i'm assuming it's not you know take 170 and then multiply that by five and then 10 and then add the same plus a further score equates to your present location we would end up in the thousands then yeah that wouldn't make any sense okay then the same added if that took 15 off that no that wouldn't help at all that would that would um that would not um wouldn't do junk at all okay we have x we have 5x we have 50x and then we have 50x plus 10 and then we have 50x plus another 10 taking it to 30 yeah my so, this this is not helping me at all because it's literally just proving it has to be a fraction yeah let me just see i'm writing i'm writing some stuff down mm -hmm. i'm trying to see if there's any oh god i'm doing it in the most messy way possible i got nothing i'm i'm starting to try and work around the edges of if i interpret this to be wrong in one step what would happen like if Multiply by five, then 10. Is then meaning plus in this for some reason? I don't think it should, but what if it did? Oh, uh, like, if it did, yeah. it would be 140 is equal to 5x plus 10, which means that that, that would actually, that would, uh, that would straighten this whole thing out. We would end up with 5x equals 130 which is 26 x is 26 in that instance um interestingly uh that's none of the levers <laughs> 26 is do you want to just yoink one let's yoink lever number one you think you think just it's a a gotcha on the i, I mean i i don't have look, anything yoinking, better yeah exactly if we're yoinking any of them it's the only one that i even possibly have a slight lean towards yeah i you know i will note this if we just ignored the score uh the the um sorry then the same added uh then we end up with three three is the full result if you then the same added huh 
could meet in the middle. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, I am serious in the sense of like, I, I hate it, but like in the sense of if removing that bit takes us to three, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Does that mean, and then having it in takes us to 1.5, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a world in which we take the logical assumption that whatever that is would bring us to two? I don't think so necessarily, but yeah, I'm right. happy to do it for the sake of making a selection. I'm 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 down for either. You'd seem uncomfortable with my my logic, as I'm because I'm it's less what because it's flawed. That's just slightly because uh, everything here is flawed. What's the least flawed? Yeah. I think the one that gives us the roundest possible number, which is ignoring one of these steps and it's still giving us lever three, is the only one that even gets to a number between one and three. Otherwise, all of them are, you know, decimal. All right. Well, let's, I'm letting you let's take Let's try 186 and I'll take full control of uh, my mistake on that page. All right. With a slow grinding of hidden gears, the statue slowly topples over, threatening to crush you like a gnat. Does that sound good to you? It's probably fine. Yeah. Throw two dice. If you score ten or above, you are definitely not a gnat and will escape the statue. But at such a cost of your nerves that you must... Wait. You must return at once to your ship. If you score below ten, you will find yourself dead. So, mm. yeah. Why don't you give us a roll? <laughs> Another one? <laughs> Another one? Or? I mean, yeah, for the two die. Okay. That's an 11. I'm glad to hear it. God, just checking. All right. We're alive. I'm so curious. I'm so curious. Can we perhaps, well, mm -hmm. can we check the other ones, but not, obviously not get any of the stuff from them? I think it's possible we may even have to come back to them at some point, but let's definitely go back and, and pull one of the other levers. Okay. All right, one seven. Because we're back on our ship, but the ship is just taking us to the island, which I guess uh, we, oh, should you think we should probably at least be, like, roll. You think yeah, we should go back? because this says you have to return it once to your ship. So I think that, like, we still have the initial enter the island and then the roll to get to the east. Oh, you think so? Uh, I guess, yeah. I, yeah, I wonder. Well, no, because it says it's, if you want to continue exploring the island, which I guess there's, you can make an argument for the fact that we don't. I don't know. I could see it being either way. Because I, I think that that could, my fear is that it creates a logical inconsistency if we do it that way. I don't know. We'll see. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think we should at least roll for going to the east and okay. roll against the six. Because I roll the four anyways. Easy. All wow. right. Level one or three? We already pulled three. Uh, did we not? Oh, yeah. I... Did we not just pull two? We just pulled three. Oh. Okay. Did you mean to pull two? Nope. Yeah, we pulled three. <laughs> All right. What should we pull? Let's let's pull one. That was the next, the one you were next most confident in. Two oh. Right. Where's that? Two oh. Oh god. Two oh two. So are we like canonically here though, or is this just for curiosity? Um, I mean, I I think uh, especially because I've just rolled down to two hundred two. I think we're here. Okay, 
With a slow grinding of hidden gears, the statue slowly topples, threatening to crush you like a net. Throw two dice if you score a 10 or above. You are definitely not an ad. Well, it's the same thing. I mean, your turn to roll. I'll do it. You turn to roll. For the sake of intrigue, why don't you tell me what you would have rolled? I can do that as soon as I find my second dice that I just dropped. I would have rolled for intrigue. I would have rolled a 12. <laughs> so... It's a real shame that you rolled. Mm. I mean, I, I also rolled a 12. If we uh, read the dice uh, as numbers in the uh, tens and ones column, I've rolled a 12. <laughs> All right. What do, you, what do you say here? I See, I was of the thought that I we were just going to not... We were projecting our bodies here for curiosity, and we were not putting ourselves back in danger, but also not getting the reward. Mm, that's what i was thinking i was thinking we were coming back to check the alternative options just because i wanted i wanted to know what the answer was and to try and work backwards from there i'm fine with that although in that world uh, we can no longer go to and try the other yes yeah we are i i'm willing to i just want to know this is the morbid curiosity i wanted i just want to know which answer is right so i guess well i guess it's either it's lever two or there's nothing yeah, it's gotta be level two. Uh, right. which means, and I need to I need to know, just like if I follow the full instruction list as it provides it, would I end up oh there? Oh my god. That which. So it's two times by five takes us to ten. Times by ten takes us to hundred. Then the same yep. added two hundred either takes us to one ten or to two hundred. And then plus a further score, so 220 or 130. Nope. Yeah, I don't get it. But uh, it's the correct answer. Um, and oh my god. <laughs> Do I mm -hmm. wish we had this? Not because the goal. If uh, anyone has figured out how this uh, puzzle makes uh, sense mathematically, please tell me. I'm deeply interested. I'd Google it, but I'm not going to get a result. It's true, exactly. Uh, so yeah, the reward for success is 3,500 gold pieces, but more importantly, a talisman w will always subtract one from an opponent's first dice roll in combat, which I guess upon reading it again, it's not like crazy. Yeah, it's not crazy. It's not as I'm, crazy as honestly, I thought it was I'm, one from everything. That's fine. I'm just over the moon to hear that it's no golden keys. That's what I thought was. Oh like yeah. Okay. So we go back to the sh ship because we technically have to, which means we roll mm -hmm. one again. I got a five, which means we don't go to special land. So the question mm -hmm. is, do we tr try and go back to... Because that's on one... Wait, what page is the clearing? Well, just guide me to west. Um, 118, 111. Sorry, I am also a couple of pages away. And then it's 127 is the room we're leaving from. So West is 93, and we would have to roll again for the D6. Okay. Got a four, but now I'm kind of wondering, like, maybe we're supposed to... I can only imagine that's hearing the call of the sirens. Yeah, which might not even be bad. Wait, so 93, you said? 93. You seem to have been walking forever when you reach the Western Coast. Bit of a disappointment, since there's absolutely nothing of interest to you along the way. All the same, there is a boat here, a trim little vessel painted black. For some reason. And decorated with curious symbols. You examine it carefully, noting that it has no sail or oars. Seems to be seaworthy enough if you could find some means of propelling it. Wonder who left it here? 
If you dare to enter the black boat of Blackbeard, go to 166. If not, you'll have to trudge all the way back to 120. Seven, pick another option. I think we give it a crack. Absolutely. 166. 166. Maybe we find a way to propel vehicles better in there. Oh, and be less likely to uh, fail our rolls. Perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps. No sooner have you stepped into the boat than it pulls away from the shore at a truly alarming rate of knots. Uh-oh. So suddenly, in fact, that you sit down in the stern of your stern quite painfully. By the time you recover your composure, you are heading for a fog bank. But you can see no way of stopping your craft. Let alone see what's propelling it at this fantastic rate. Frantically, you search about in the boat for a secret of its controls, and for a moment you think you found it in the shape of what might be a piece of magical parchment stowed away under the seat. But there's no spell written here, although there's a very curious series of diagrams drawn on it. Frowning, as you try and make sense of the diagrams, you unfold the parchment. But as it gets bigger and bigger until it's so big and flapping so much that you're forced to fold it back up again. By the time you finish messing about with the parchment, you've entered the fog bank. And after a moment of mind-wrenching confusion, find yourself beached on a tiny rock almost too small to be called an island, and certainly not shown on your sea chart. The black boat is nowhere to be seen, nor is anything else for that matter, except for the folded parchment which is still clutched in your hand. If you're not very careful, you could find your next stop is page 14. However, a seasoned young sea dog like yourself is nothing if not resourceful. You can consider the situation carefully until curiosity impels you to examine the parchment diagrams again. To your intense delight, they are instructions for making a boat. Complicated instructions, to be sure, but... In your present situation, anything that gives you a boat is better than nothing. So study the diagrams on Appendix 223, and if you can follow them well enough to make yourself a paper boat, you may return to the Argo and pick a destination from your sea chart. Furthermore, if you may wish, take the folding boat with you on any subsequent trip to an island and use it to sail directly to the nearest island when you have finished without checking for cross-eyed navigation. If you cannot manage to make yourself a paper boat, you will rot on this island until exposure, exhaustion, starvation, carry your wasted corpse to the gloomy depths of page 14, so make origami, darn you! It's literally... I'm trying, I'm trying! It's so, to be clear, on page 223, it's literally not even kidding. A, how many, one, two, three, it's a... <laughs> it's a 23... 23 step process on how to make an origami boat. <laughs> Are you making it right now? Yep. All right. That's great because I don't have a sheet of paper square like that. I'd have to rip some. How's yours progressing? <laughs> what step are you on? Uh, I'm up to step eight. Okay. It's not your ball. You don't be silly. Turn the thing around again. I have not done origami in so long. Mm-hmm. I used to be obsessed with it in uh, primary school. I used to keep making myself tiny little boxes and uh, and little lids for those boxes and then uh, throw them out because it was objectively trash because I wasn't folding very neatly. Yeah. Uh, and then I would make another. Oh, good times. Pull out the corners on page, I'm on step five. Pull out the corners, fold the bottom edges upwards. So you're left with this. That's witchcraft. <laughs> That's witchcraft. 
how you got to step six is beyond beyond me. It's not possible. Down, front and back. So it ends up like this. Yeah. Open it again from the bottom. <laughs> Watch this not actually be right. <laughs> if you can make a boat, but you just it just doesn't work. <laughs> Their origami instructions don't work. Oh, oops. I'll just skip the whole step. I I can't do it. I think I'm ready to die. Mine is falling apart in my hands. I am uh, sticking to it for the sake of trying not to uh, cause a death, but oh boy. The the diagram, I feel like something's being lost in the scan on mm -hmm. how you got to from five to six, I don't get it. Yeah, I did have to employ some witchcraft wizardry, a yeah. little bit of scissor and sticky tape, and uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's see. What's the final step look like? Yeah, I don't know. I could make mine kind of look like that. Oh, this is a classic sailboat. Mine's kind of cute. I would die if I tried to sail in it. Oh yeah, this is um, this holds about as much water as uh, you know what? I tried to think of a joke. I timed out. I mean, that's kind of a boat. What I closest did. I got was this holds as much water as the theory of relativity, which unfortunately uh, holds a lot more water than my uh, boat. Mm. Well, when you say how much water is, you know, is between both of them, it's kind of relative, anyways. So <sighs> I had to tear a square of paper to fiddle with it for ages to do nothing. Oh, now I got to remember what page we died on <laughs> because we don't have this freaking boat. Uh, should we take this as the opportunity to break for the day? I think it's a good call. Maybe, yeah, maybe over the course of the, the next 24 hours, one of us will put together one of these boats. That's that's what I'm thinking at some point later today when I'm uh, All right. tired and don't have anything else I want to do. I will yeah. uh, All see right. if I can put together a boat. So, sounds good. We'll, we'll reconvene in 24 hours to solve this task. <laughs> it doesn't have a time limit. It just says, can you do it or not? So Yeah, exactly. We're not going to starve to death for another 24. All least. right. We'll be back in 24 hours with a boat. All right. It's a day later. I have what I would claim to be is, in fact, a paper boat. And that's all, right, all that's then. necessary. All right, then. I have a question. Because yeah? Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines a boat as... Number one, a small vessel for travel on water. Is it a small vessel for travel on water? If I put this on water, it would be on the water. Yes. Excellent. That's good news. That's one of the, the parts of a boat. The second is uh, a boat-shaped container, utensil, or device. Is it boat-shaped? Oh, I. it's subjective, but I would say it is definitely boat-shaped. Boom. We did a paper boat. We did a paper boat. Importantly, because in the interim, the 24-hour interim, uh, we have discovered it doesn't say we have to successfully follow the directions. It says we have to make a paper boat. And that's mm -hmm. very subjective. If you can follow them well enough to make yourself a exactly. paper boat. Well, we did follow them well enough. We got to step 15, and then we you know, did a little bit of jazz, baby. Yeah. I, making it's about boats the boats is a you're lot. not making. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then in that case, we're really good at making boats. <laughs> so I guess with that, we actually have unlocked a little folding boat 
that we can now use to not roll the cross-eyed navigation check. More importantly, Only when we're moving to the yeah. nearest island. That is true. That is true. I will D- note is it down the nearest... that we have the paper boat. Yeah, the nearest island. It's not even like nearest unchecked island, so. Mm. That being said, we kind of need to get to everything anyways, and this is the perfect time to get it when we're going to be sailing to probably the five fingers here. Of which we would, uh, it is five individual islands right by each other, sticking up out Mm -hmm. of the water, like five fingers, and they are... Oh, that's why they named them that! Are understandably pretty close to each other. I know, pretty smart of them. Uh, So I guess... I'm going to call them Charles (laughs) Wazers. Sure. So I suppose, would you say 142, that finger looks like it's the closest to the Maiden's Call? Absolutely. I think so, too. So we can go there with no check. And the check was... What was the check, anyways? It was like, roll uh, and don't get a 2, don't 3, get 4. five or 6. Or 2, 3, 4? I thought oh, it was it roll was two a, dice, don't a get a 2, two three, sided. Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I mistook it with the initial land on Maiden's Call. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, 142. You step from the rowboat alone. Since the island is so small, you decide to explore it by yourself thus hogging any loot or glory that might be going here. You look around you, the island seems to be almost entirely covered in sand, with only a few clumps of trees here and there. It's the sort of place you'd be pretty sure must be deserted, but your attention is attracted by some curious marks in the sand. Closer examination convinces you that they are footprints, but footprints of a very odd sort, as if somebody was walking along, hopping on one leg. You follow the trail where it disappears behind a clump of trees to find yourself on a little rise looking down to where someone has been digging a deep hole in the sand. You move closer until you see within the hole an oakwood chest. You're still wondering what to do about this interesting discovery when a heavy hand falls on your shoulder. Aha, Jim lad! I thought you'd never get here! You turn to find yourself looking at a tall, villainous-looking man with one leg. A crutch, an eye patch, a three-cornered hat, and a parrot on his shoulder. What? What is this, like a, a clown, perhaps? I think he, it's a robot. A robot? Is this a ninja or an alien? He frowns at you in surprise. You be ain't Jim Lad, he says. No, indeed, villainous one-eyed sir. You say politely. My name's Pip. Pieces are right. Oh, remarks the parrot. Pip, is it, er? Asks the one-legged man as he puts in a lozenge. Well, me hearty, I be Captain Silver. Not... You ask hesitantly. Not Long John Silver. Shiver me timbers if you ain't right at that! Exclaims Captain Silver. Long John is me name me mother gave me to confuse me brother short Sam. But... What be you doing on Treasure Island, young sir? But this isn't Treasure Island, Captain Silver. You say, considerably bemused. It's an entirely different adventure in an entirely different time. Pieces of nine, er? Remarks the parrot. Pieces of nine? You frown. Er, ignore him. He's just adjusting for inflation. Says Captain Silver. He adjusts his crutch carefully and sits down in the sand. Ah, but what you say be true. I be marooned. Hmm. Who's saying this? 
I believe this is Pip. Good noticing, though. This was a, an example of there being no open quote. Yeah. Uh, indeed you be. Uh, sorry, indeed you are, Captain Silver. You must have sailed through a time warp or something similar. Er, belay me breaches, roars Long John Silver. But this is a pretty tale to tell over a mug of grog. He looks at you shrewdly. Will he help an old sea dog find his way back home? I'm not sure I can. You tell him. To be honest, I think the only person who might be able to help you is a magician named Merlin. He's Welsh, by the way. And I haven't been able to find him yet. This Merlin Swarb, would he be open to a little bribe? He rolls his good eye alarmingly. Gold? I'm certain he would. You say, knowing how greedy. And broke. Merlin usually is. Then you must find the blackguard for me and offer him a hundred pieces on my behalf to get me out of here. Will he do that for an old sea dog? Uh, well, yeah, of course. You say? But I think he might want to see the gold. Oh, I Says Captain Silver. That be true. With which he jumps with a remarkable alacrity for a one-legged man into the hole and opens the chest, its chock full of thousands of glittering gold doubloons. Which brings you to a decision. A quick fight with Silver could earn you all of that gold, not just a miserly 100 gold pieces if you feel like chance in combat. Go to 133. If, on the other hand, you prefer to carry his bribe to Merlin... Assuming you can find the old bull. Go to 163. I don't want to steal this lovely man's gold. Yeah, exactly. What makes it think it's our right to steal from a pirate? pirate. <laughs> that's his thing that's someone else's thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's his someone else's goal. <laughs> I also just don't want to harm him because he seems cool and He's I like seen, his parrot. I, I don't want his parrot to die. I like him. I like him good. I go 163. I don't, I'm not going to. Let's go 163s, I'm not going to murder this nice man. Also, he said the word blaggard, which, like, oh, I love a good blaggard. Yeah. Captain Silver carefully counts out a hundred golden pieces and hands them up to you. There ye go, me hearty, he says cheerfully. Be using that to bribe the blaggard Merlin and tell he the old John back to his rightful place with Jim Lad and his shipmates. And for your trouble, young'un, he take this little present from the captain. With which he draws from the pocket of his tattered frock coat a bottle of grog and a tiny golden key. <gasps> I, guess, I guess we would have got it from his corpse too, but still. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stole these from Blind Pew, he murmurs. Old fool, never let him see go. Uh, thank you, sir. You say politely, quietly vowing to leave the grog alone. Since you've been a uh, sneaking suspicion, it was what made Pew blind in the first place. Hurry on for now, Silver says. And look sharp about it, for unless you find this Merlin Swarb, I'm marooned here with nobody to talk to me but my parrot. Nothing else for it but return to the Argo as quickly as possible. Consult your sea chart and find another direction. Uh, uh I mean, I'd say we go so, for 147, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Australian clockwise, let's go. Australian clockwise. Whoop. 147. It's also moving a little bit to the northeast, gently. Ooh, our next movement's going to be strictly northeast, so we know That's that one's going to be true. 
Your rowboat beaches gently, and you step out on the little island, pausing only to give a cheery wave to the crew off the Argo, which is standing offshore. Almost at once, you hear a a distinct call for help somewhere inland. Quickly, but cautiously, since you've been caught out far too often on these adventures, you race in the direction of the cry. After hacking your way through some shrubs, you burst into a clearing and stop in amazement. Tied to a stake in the middle of the clearing is the ugliest brute you've ever seen. A villainous, bald-headed giant of a warrior, his bulging muscles straining vainly against the bonds. What on earth's happened to you? You ask. Not at all sorry he's tied up. I was overpowered and captured by a beautiful young princess who wanted me to marry for the sake of my muscles, growls the warrior. When I refused, she tied me to the stake and left me here to perish from hunger and thirst. If the wild animals didn't get me first, you must release me. Do you believe this story? If so, you can release the ugly great brute on 165, otherwise 182. I mean... They're really putting the boot in calling this guy ugly. They really are. This ugly, stupid, sad little man is tied up like an idiot. Do you want to help him out? Or do you want to just simply murder him? I think we should... <laughs> I think we should... We we've been operating with the same motives, which is... Yeah. Be nice, let the game screw us over instead of being a jerk. That's pit. Exactly. Like, if this screws us over because we were nice to strangers, then, well, that sucks. Do you remember me telling you uh, the, the the way in which I proceeded through the entire game of, uh, oh god, the Citizen Sleeper? Mm. Sorry, what? I, I described, I described uh, my playthrough of Citizen Sleeper after I'd done it uh, effectively as uh, naive pursuit. Yes. yes. I will blatantly trust everyone, and if you screw me over, that's on you, baby. That's, yeah. I'm still operating under the pure heart principle. It's true. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. It's like, I mean, if this happens to me, I mean, not my fault. You clean exactly. conscious, conscious, <laughs> clean conscious. Uh, one sixty-five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You move a little reluctantly to the stake and begin to unknot the warrior's bonds. Stop. You stop and turn to find a beautiful young woman has entered the clearing. She stares at you angrily. That is my future husband you're messing around with. If you insist on releasing him, it's going to be worth for the both of you. The warrior pales and slumps in a near faint. Oh, save me. He moans. I'm far too young to marry. I'm warning y'all. The beautiful young woman threatens. You do still have a choice. If you decide to leave this ugly great brute to a fate worse than death, you can slip away quietly and return to your ship. Or, if you insist on freeing him, the chances are you have a fight on your hands on 155. I, I, I don't feel less inclined to free him after hearing him want to be freed. Mm-hmm. For I'll being just too young to confirmation marry. that we were intervening on the appropriate side. Yeah. yeah. This is a follow-through situation. I'll meet it, you on 155. Yeah. Quickly, you jerk the knots on the principle that if you're in a two of fight, it'll do no harm to have an ally, even a great, ugly, muscle-bound ally like this God. poor little warrior. 
But no sooner has he been freed than the man races away as fast as his huge legs can carry him, leaving you to face the beautiful young princess alone. Oh, now you've done it. You really made me mad. She hisses, raising one slim hand, pointing a finger in your direction. Hurriedly, you dive aside as a flare of brilliant purple light erupts from her finger and sweeps towards you. This beautiful young female is obviously a witch, but the important thing is whether you have reacted quickly enough to dodge her magic. Throw two dice separately if it's your... Wait. If the score on your second throw is greater than the score on your first, then go to 200. If it's less, go to 171. Mm. I'm going to ask you to resolve both the first and second roll here as I run out into the other room to quickly retrieve my dice. The second roll is greater. I don't know if that's good for us or not. If the score on your second throw is greater, go to 200. Oh, wraps is gone. I guess I can go check now. I'm kidding. All right. 200. Oh, no. And we're back with dice. We're on page 200. I rolled better on the second one. Ooh. And that ended up being a good thing. And I said, oh, no, to trick the audience, because I am a devious little man. Yeah, absolutely got him. I got him. Well done. She missed you with that purple light. But now she's racing towards you, determined to do you mischief. I'll teach you to mess around with Princess Hackety. She cries, aiming a karate kick at your head. What? <laughs> karate witch? karate witch. Of course. Uh, she has 25 life points, hits on a four better, and scores plus two damage on account of her long fingernails. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. O on well, the foot. On the foot. Wait. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I got... What's my power? I got fingernails for toenails. No, oh, no. Oh, God. All right, Let's well... right in with the Mystery Men crew. I, I think uh, we have appropriate weaponry to fight this character entirely ourselves. Yes. Um, but our healing is not... I don't know how we're going to heal over the course of this battle. Not just this battle, but this run in full. Should we consider maybe employing a stand-in? Oh, no, wait, we don't have the tingle That's ring! That's where I was going to... Yeah, this is like... This book sucks. We don't get to be overpowered from all of our stuff we've accrued. Uh, I met the gym yesterday, and now I don't get to employ him today. Yeah. I, I think we'll be fine. I, mm -hmm. think we'll be, I think we'll be fine. Should um, we consider a poison stiletto and a blustu dagger, or are we going for a sword? I do think I think that the dagger angle is right. The question is if we use the poison one or not. The poison one or not. There's mm -hmm. an extra two damage. Two damage a turn. Basically, yeah, it's two damage per combat round as well. So I imagine that uh, it's it's best used against enemies where we think we'll be in the fight for a long period of time, like they have armor or something. I'm definitely um, down to bare minimum use one dose of poison because it is also worth noting that. Theoretically, we only use a dose of poison if we hit, because otherwise we're not... Why would we... You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It didn't say yep. anything about that, so... I rolled a three for initiative, for what it's worth. And... In return, six, baby, we'll be attacking first. Oh. So yeah. Let's equip ourselves with our plus two dagger and the poison stiletto, and I'll strike with the stiletto first. Uh, four does not hit. Oh. Uh, so we try and use the stiletto as as like an ice pick, holding it up next to our head so that she would kick directly into it, but she deftly avoids it and kicks our head instead. 
Mm. Um, and then we follow up with a plus two dagger, uh, stabbing her calf for uh, two. <laughs> well, it's something. She squats down and begins charging up a high jump kick. Mm-hmm. She misses and she keeps going. What does it say? She misses and she crashes the wall. <laughs> Into the sun. <laughs> she gets a five. Wait. Oh, wait. No, a five is a hit for her. Yeah, oh, five shoot. is a hit for her. Hit on a four or better. Okay. Which means we'll be taking one damage to her. Uh, yep. Taking us down to 50. Because I believe, the, yeah, the last time we modified our HP was uh, yeah Revival. Uh, only problem now. Yeah, we, we might lose... explode. <laughs> Any more armor and we would have lost it. Oh my god. Uh, we don't, though. Two sounds like, it's, it's seeming like it was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Alright, um, let's return the favor with a poison stiletto strike. That's a crit! Ooh. Okay, so that'll deal six full direct points of damage as well as two ongoing poison. The enemy is down to 17 HP plus two poison state. So each time just before they take their combat round is when we'll clock the damage. Because it's just right. easier to count on their rounds. Because uh, we're striking twice per round. And speaking of... Strike we... twice. <laughs> I'm only freeing people from jail in Monopoly. I rolled two sixes and now I've rolled two fives. So we're going to be doing uh, <laughs> another... Oh, uh, what's that? Differential is for six. Another six straight to them. 11. Before the start of their turn, they will take two to poison, taking them down to nine HP. The witch does not look well. She does a a, a low kick. <laughs> and it's way too low. That's a three. Ooh. That's actually a miss. So she we don't have to roll for armor. Under the sand under our feet. I'm just I'm just making a circle. I'm just making a circle and saying, don't you worry. Uh Excellent, excellent. To be clear, so, we should probably be using regular daggers now instead. Mm-hmm. It'd be a waste so of our plus two dagger strikes the enemy for four, which makes them unconscious. Yep. End right. combat. And they will slowly eventually die. Um... <laughs> yeah, to the poison. <laughs> to the poison. We don't even need to finish this ourselves. Ah, uh, ooh, we'll pick up ah, one experience ah. for our trouble. If you survive this fight, you will find a small golden key and a magical scroll on their person. The scroll contains a once-only spell for changing a single opponent into a pig with 15 life points, hitting on a 6 or better and doing only dice damage. Oh, okay. It's a nifty spell, but it requires you to roll a 4 better, better, four or better on double dice to set it going. Once you use it successfully or not, it's gone forever. I mean, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Turn one opponent into a 15 life point pig that hits on a 6 or better, and that's it. That's unbelievably OP. Yep, we just get the polymorph bad boy and then take him out. And we also got another key. We're like, we're at what? We're at three? Yeah. Yeah, three total. One from the uh, parrots, one from Long John Silver, and one from the corpse of Hecate. All right. Well, I'm moving on up to uh, 102 Australian clockwise around the five fingers. Whoop, whoop. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I wrong? 102? Aren't we up to 79? Now I thought 147. Oh shoot! Why did I already cross off one? Wait, why did I already cross that off then? It is entirely possible that I have made a mistake. No, I don't think so. The I main just, reason I remember I preemptively this is crossed it off. 
I knew how desperate we were to move northeast, and it is our northeastern direction. All right. 79. If these islands were called the Five Toes instead of the Five Fingers, this one would be the little piggy who went wee-wee-wee all the way home. It's the Little Finger Island or the Pinky Island or whatever you want to call it, which I'll suggest correctly that it's small. Too small for the mothership to dock, so you make your approach by rowboat and alone. Since there's no sense in subjecting the crew to danger, not that there is much indication of danger, the speck in the ocean looks as peaceful as a, gr a village green in Avalon. You beach and secure your boat carefully, like the trusty mariner you are learning to be. Then you look around you, tiny though it is, the island is fertile. Apart from the narrow ship of sand, strip of sand, grass and shrubs grow everywhere. You climb onto a nearby height, a better view of the whole... And somewhat to your surprise, you find this island is not uninhabited, or at least it wasn't. Set somewhere near the center is a massive trilithion. Trilithon? Trilithon. Two standing stones with a third across the top. Rather like those ancient monuments of Giant's Dance on Salisbury Plain in Avalon. To the north of the structure is another, a ring fort earthwork with a single standing stone set central. And unless it's a trick of the light, you can see a blue light playing around in the trilithon tri and a green light dancing above the standing stone of the ring fort. If you decide to investigate the ring fort, go to 179, this 91. I mean, do we have a reason to care about one one color light over another right now? Uh, not necessarily as far as I'm aware, but uh, slightly slightly outside of the world of the uh, comic for a moment comic the the book the uh, choose your own adventure um i do you gotta love etymology it's three stones what do we call it uh try lith yeah <laughs> uh hmm. i mean i i will uh i i will offer the knowledge that um I think Arthurian legend implicates a relationship between the Druid Merlin and Stonehenge, uh, specifically, which itself is a structure of a trilithon. Uh, many yeah. trilithons, rather, in a circle. Um, yeah, Ben. Perhaps this is our gateway for communicating to, to Merlin in the appropriate fashion? I mean, I'm down to give it a shot. 91. Excellent. Let's check out the trilithon on 91. As you approach the trilithon, you can see the blue light was no illusion. It dances over the entire structure, forming a sheet of light between the two uprights. The only thing is, are you prepared to enter that blue light by passing through the structure itself? If you decide to enter the blue light, go to 185. If not, you'll find little else of interest, so return to 79. Oh. Do we want to, because... We can only imagine that the other one is also going to have an option of, do you want to enter the light or do you want to return? Do we want to get additional information or do we want to just trust the light? I kind of want to get additional information first, personally. Excellent. So, I'm all about it. Let's head to 79, which tells us that we need to go to 179 for the ring fort. All right. 179. Uh-oh. Hmm. Trouble with, as they say, a capital T. Or in this case, a capital H, since there's a Hydra lurking in the ring fort. The huge seven-headed snake appears to be guarding a very small casket, which may or may not contain something of value. Perhaps a key. Although not exactly pleased to see you, the Hydra will not attack unless you make a move for the casket. Should you decide to do so, it's best to know the creature has ten life points per head. 
and you'll have to slaughter each of them separately before it becomes a late Hydra. <laughs> In combat, each head will strike one after another with all seven striking you before you even get your turn. Each head requires a six or better, scores a plus one. In other words, a very nasty monster unless you happen to have a bit of magic that might work against it. Mm. Yeah, that does look that, like a very uh, nasty monster. That It also sounds like there's an answer for it somewhere. I, I really hope it's not the wallbang ritual and we just need to know to use it at this point in time. I'll tell you what, we can just like mark 79. I'm going to draw a little snake. Uh, it's, I'm not I like gonna, it. I'm not going to remember that's a snake. I think it's entirely likely that if we do need to use the wallbang ritual in this instance, that some other island will say the Hydra can be defeated with blah blah. No, I certainly. Uh, so I guess go to 91 instead then? Yep, which would take us back to the, uh, Trilathon, which means we can then walk into the light. 185 to walk through the light. You have been teleported, no doubt about it. You're back aboard the Argo, surrounded by a bemused crowd of Argonauts. Oh. Oh. Well. That's ideal. Uh, that's that's we... fine. That's great. That's Time a... for some more sailing. Yeah, that crosses off a... All right, so this is the island of the Hydra, and uh, we'll come back for it. 102? 102. That'd be it. Since it's small, you decide you may as well explore this island alone, and now you're wondering if it was worth the bother. After covering just about every inch of it, you can find absolutely nothing of interest. Eventually, you head back to the beach off which your ship is moored. As you do so, an errant glint of sunlight catches your eye, and you notice half-hidden in the clump of grass... A tiny golden key. Beside it lurks a multicolored beetle. If you decide to take the key as a keepsake, go to 161, take the beetle 194. Oh, God. But the key is so obviously what we want that I'm confused if we should have the beetle instead. Same. You know what I'm saying? Is it... uh, Aaron's... Huh? Maybe we can get both? Maybe we can get both and we go for the key first? I think it's probably safest to go for the key first, but I like, really we know do we need a key. An option. Yeah. If I... only it needed nine keys and one multicolored beetle. Yeah. I don't know. So wait. Uh, where's the key? Oh, shoot. Wait. Oh, God. I scrolled and I'm, I lost the page. Which page is the key on? Oh, no. I don't remember. No! Wait. So we just go back to 102. I started scrolling down and I forgot the number. If you decide to take this key as a keepsake, go to 161. All right. Well. What? It's bitten you. The multicolored little brute has bitten you, clinging to your finger with all six legs and fanging you viciously with multicolored teeth. You shake off the beetle, which scurries away, giggling to itself, and suck your finger, which you notice is turning a curious blend of red, white, and blue. The bite itself is not particularly serious since you've only lost one life point. Although, if this kills you, you should go to page 14. But there is no doubt it's making you feel peculiar and turning your surface of your skin multicolored. You pick up the key... Which got you into this mess in the first place. ...and stash it away carefully. But as you head back to your ship, you can't help feeling something pretty awful has happened to you. And indeed, it has. Apart from turning your skin multicolored... Which will cause the Argonauts to talk a lot behind your back. Although they'll be far too polite to say anything to your face. Of course. The beetle bite has caused a subtle interchange to occur in you. The next time you find yourself in combat, you'll quickly discover that you've taken on certain characteristics of the multicolored beetle yourself. 
For one thing, you'll find that you only have 25 life points and strike wait and strike successfully on seven or better. As against that, your new coloring is extremely confusing to opponents and will make you so difficult to hit. They will strike wait success oh my god strike successfully only on every second round whatever the dice indicates. What? Hit they will strike successfully only every second round whatever this oh okay they just they attack once every other round that's it. This effect will last for the remainder of your adventure or until you're killed, whichever is sooner. Um? Um. Okay. I think... I think we need to figure out what this effect actually... I don't think it's that they roll every second round of combat. As against that, your new coloring is extremely confusing to opponents, and it will make you difficult to hit, such that they will strike successfully only every second round. Whatever the dice indicates. Does that mean they, I hope it doesn't mean this, this is the worst possible interpretation, that they do hit us just every second round. Yeah, that's what it is. Every other round they hit us. But, or No, every other, every other round what? they can hit us like normal. This is a bad thing. Every other round they can hit us like normal. As in like... But it's a bad thing for them. Yeah, but it's also bad for us that we have to roll seven or better and have only 25 life. I don't understand how what what damage they would even deal if they're only striking successfully every second round, no matter what the dice. Like if they roll, if they attack on the second no. round. No. Oh no! They're saying that that that's what I was confused by too. Whatever the dice indicates is implying, even if they roll the dice on their turn, they can't strike successfully, unless it's every other turn. It's phrased okay. weird. Okay. Yeah. It's phrased okay, weird. Okay, right. So they still have the possibility of never hitting us. Correct. It's every second turn their roll actually counts. Correct. Got it. It's a very weird way of saying something that isn't that confusing. You know, this, yes, it, there are bad things here. We're 25 life points. We're striking successfully on a 7 or better. If we can find ways to better mitigate incoming damage... Yeah, I don't think this is that bad. This it's gives us the ability bad. to fight with a spear at the same speed as an enemy. That is true. Or fight with a dagger and get four attacks for every one of theirs. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not bad, but a seven or better does change things. But whatever. All right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. But also spears need eight or better. Uh, spears need eight or better if you're throwing them. Spears need a six oh, or better oh, if you're okay. using them as a melee. Okay, okay, never mind. All right. So, okay, so we're back to 85 now? Australian mm -hmm. clockwise style? Hmm. Interesting. So, 85. I will say a thing that does suck having 25 health is that if our armor explodes, we die. Mm-hmm. It's empty. What a swizz. You've searched every inch of this stupid island. There's not even a thing on it. <coughs> Some pleasant scenery, of course. Glades, brooks, waterfalls, that sort of thing. But no treasure, no weapons, no magic, no monsters. Zilch. Except for the well shaft in the northwest segment. Someone made that well at some time. Although there certainly isn't anybody over there now. Might be worth a look. Or then it might be a waste of time. 129. Uh, To look at the well. I We do it, right? Of course. Worst case, we die. The well is a straight, narrow shaft, stone line, extremely deep. To climb down with any degree of safety, you will certainly need both a rope and a grappling iron? 
cer- <laughs> certainly they mean a grappling hook. Because they have to mean a grappling hook. That's what they called it in the past. Mm-hmm. If you have them both, climb down the well at 201. Otherwise, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's saving us from a chance to just die. So basically, so two hundred one, there was a, a potential for insta kill if we wanted to try to climb down. Anyways, all right, something odds here. There's a huge bubble in the water at the bottom of the well, so huge that you can actually stand up and breathe inside it. When you have recovered from your surprise, you look around you, pinned to the inner wall of the bubble with small ornamental brass daggers, a scrap of parchment. Written on the parchment are the words. <laughs> which might be Greek or possibly just code. On the floor of the bubble beneath the note is a tiny golden key. Whether or not you can read the note, there's nothing else here. Take your golden key and climb it out of the well. Uh, I'm going to take a note of what that says. It's definitely a substitution cipher of some kind. It's got... uh, It's... it's, uh, R-S-N-O. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It it repeats the the word R S N O four four times across this passage five times across this passage, um, yeah it's it's definitely a straight up substitution cipher. I'm gonna record this so that we don't have to come back. Great. Actually, you know what? No, I'm gonna record what page this is on because that's quite long. That was good. Take a yeah. while. Cool. <laughs> we also uh, picked up our fifth key there, so we are halfway through our key collection journey. All right. Well, that's something. Uh, so now we move. What do we go to Skull Island at this point? Yeah, I guess we we come back. I can't imagine the Hydra fight. It's like seven chances for our armor to break and that to instant kill us mm-hmm. on round one. Like it's just not gonna. And then we get four. We need something else for the Hydra in my yes opinion like there's something else that will make it easier 109 it looks like you're on your own with this one don't we have to roll cross-eyed navigation Uh, here because it's not the nearest islands i've done it and i crit (laughs) so it looks like you're on your own with this one (laughs) what else is new the argonauts intrepid adventurers that they are took one look at this island and promptly threatened mutiny if you insisted they should land and it is a daunting sight, admittedly, small enough to be sure, but almost totally devoid of vegetation, with the crawling rock formation stretching as far as the eye can see. It's those formations which have given the place its name, probably. From a distance, they merge to give a perfect illusion that you are sailing towards a gigantic skull rising out of the sea. Of course, it's only an illusion. Nobody in the right mind could imagine there was anything really sinister about this island. Just a peculiar rock formation, that's all. Still, you step aboard... aboard? Ashore. Alone from the rowboat. You can see why the Argonauts were not too keen on this place. The rocks throw peculiar shadows which seem to creep up on you, and the wind moans and sighs incessantly. But, of course, this is all perfectly natural. Nothing sinister, nothing to worry about. You move inland, followed by the creeping shadows with the wind moaning all around you. It's hard to, it's hard going over the rocks as soon as they tower over you. And soon they'll tower over you, casting a perpetual gloom across your surroundings. Nothing sinister, of course, although the funny thing is the shadows are still creeping after you despite the fact there's now very little sunlight to even make shadows, but there must be a perfectly natural explanation for it all. Certainly nothing. A shadow has clutched your ankle. If there's a perfectly natural explanation for that, I would love to hear it. You jerk your leg free and step back, only to find another shadow reaching out from a rocky ledge to grip your arm. Quickly, roll one die to find out how many shadows have crept up to hassle you. 
I rolled, I mean, okay. I don't know if you rolled, but I rolled a one. That sounds great to me. So I'm, I, we deal with one, count it, one shadow, making the, um, that's the only thing that we can roll that causes a plot hole in what just happened to us. Because didn't mm. a second one grab this, right? Am I wrong? We'll have to imagine this to be one uh, very large shadow. Shadow, yeah. Itself. Each shadow will grip you firmly on a throw of six or better on a double dice and roll and absorb six of your life points. Every combat round, the only way to break free is to kill the shadow. Unfortunately, it's not so easy. They don't have life points since they aren't alive. You can hack at them with... You can't hack at them with a sword or bash them with a club. At least you can, but it won't do anything to them. The only way you can get rid of a shadow is to zap it with light, which means you need a lamp or a torch and something to light it. Did we do? Did we get something like that? Uh, we we fully intended to get light. We have a flint and steel. There wasn't anything to get torches in the shop. There was a lamp, I think. Oh, why didn't we get it? We said specifically. That, <laughs> why why did we not do? Wait, we specifically said. Remember last time we were so screwed over by not having light. Mm. Oh man, oops. Uh, well, what? If you brought the right equipment, all you need to do is throw four better for each shadow that has gripped you. If you haven't got a light source with you, or the shadow absorbs all your life points before you throw, we die. We just die. Yep. That's stupid. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, a little. Alas, what? I'm confused. We. Yeah. This this was a straight up hard check to do you have both the ability to light a uh, lamp or a torch which we do and a lamp or torch which we don't uh, and without it it straight up kills us immediately uh, they are impossible for us to remove and we need to head to page fourteen interesting but hey you know this frees us of our beetle curse yeah I was starting to like that though about <laughs> 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 to come around. All right, here's the death page. That's it, Pip. Done for. Crushed beneath the relentless heel of fate. Clapped out, wasted, passed on. In short, you're one very dead adventurer. Being dead is quite fun, actually. You get to reroll your life points for one thing, and you get to start again fresh as paint. You've lost any gear, weapons, equipment, spells, booty, loot, treasure you may have collected, which of course is a pity, but since you've doubtless remember where you found it, you can always zip through the sections quickly and collect it up again. Unlike earlier Grail Quest adventures, any monsters you may have killed don't stay dead and will be waiting to zap you in the relevant sections. But why? <laughs> why? But second or subsequent times around, they will have half the life points as the first time, which gives you a distinct edge. Don't hang about being dead. Zoom off and roll up your new life points so you can get back on the adventure trail. Um, For the sake of podcast. Yeah, for the sake of no podcast, way what we're going to do here is just re-roll our life points. We'll track that we've died once more, uh, which... Yeah. <gasps> I was really hoping not to increment the death stat ever again. Yeah, that's... And the fun thing is, we don't lose... I mean, like, we don't lose anything of that much value, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I... effectively, like, no, our I... trade-off here is that we're not going to be uh, going through all of the previous thing fully again, so we will just have exactly the same loot that we got previously. 
as well as the exact same enemy encounters and things like that. We won't be making better decisions, but we also won't be redoing uh, them because, um, yeah. hey, can you imagine how long that would make the podcast? It's, or, it's already going to be way too long. We're not going to go and j- do the fights that we've already done before, but with half it's it's just that's mm. that's tedious it's tedious and not going to be fun to listen to uh mm. so what does that put us at then what? uh so we no longer have the beetle curse is one thing that's good ish uh, although the one thing we should probably simulate differently is if we don't have the beetle curse we like probably shouldn't just go give ourselves the beetle curse again well, that's true and also second thing is one thing we should change is that now we should carry a, a source of light of some kind. That is true. We could, we'll go back to the shop. We can get six items from it. So I guess we could, we'll have mm-hmm. to change something out. Exactly. And we'll have so to importantly have remember to change something out. ceramic yeah. lamp. Okay. Uh, that is the only individual light source by itself. So the flint and steel and then the ceramic lamp. Okay. And what should we trash that we have? Uh, so we can't trash the grappling hook or the rope. Correct. We have the bone saw and the small drum, which haven't been used yet. I guess that's... I guess and those are the calls. Oh. Um, I, I think the bone saw is probably the easiest one to just get rid of. I'm down to get rid of it. Yeah, I wanted to carry it for the pun of it all, but yeah. uh, if if the option is a lamp instead, bone then the option is a lamp instead. is ready to go. Oh, we're playing Twisted Metal? <laughs> Spider-Man. oh yeah that was played by marchy man marchy man marchy man Man, randy savage is just a big fan it's mochi man randy savage i just really like mochi (laughs) it's a textual experience brother oh yeah I like that so much better. I like that so much better. Anyways, okay. It's times like this I wish I was an artist because immediately I would be like, cool, I'm just going to draw fan art of Mochi Man Randy Savage and then I'm going to yeah. put that online. It doesn't have to be for anyone else. I'll do it for myself. But unfortunately, yeah. um, I uh, We played art. Pictionary together. <laughs> we played yeah. Pictionary together. I like your style. It's cute. <laughs> Thank you. That is the the highest praise that can be offered to my style because uh, good, it ain't. Uh, let's head to. I mean, first off, we should probably go to the beetle because we have to take the option that is not the beetle curse, or we have the beetle curse. That's true. Which was at one o. 10... I think that was one o two. Two. What? And then if we, our only options are to take the key or the beetle. We tried taking the key, and that was bad. I. <laughs> How could taking the, the beetle be better? I, I mean... Okay. All right, to 194 we go to see... 194. Uh, you return to your ship with the multicolored beetle, wondering vaguely if you've made the right decision. Um, If we tried to return and we went back to the key, the beetle would just bite us again. So I think we don't have the key? Maybe what we do is... Oh, God. Maybe we... This sucks. I think at some point in the future we might be able to trade this beetle for a key without getting the curse, is is my That makes sense. I'm going to draw a key on 102 anyways. Sounds good. That makes sense, though. And then persist over to Skull Island, where we uh, encounter shadows. 
That's true. And then we are back on the single continuous journey. Yes, one or nine. Mm-hmm. Gonna roll for how many shadows we're encountering. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. it's spinning, it's spinning. Oh, I, this is like a freaking top. <gasps> and it ended in a two. Ooh, that's a good number. So, uh, each round, they take six HP from us. Every combat round, yes. Uh, so we will still also need to roll initiative. That's true. I have rolled a five. Same. Oh, re-roll. I have rolled a one. A five again. Well, there we go. All right. First strike against the shadows. All you need to do is light up and throw a four or better. So we strike the flint and the steel together in the, in the vicinity of the ceramic lamp and in doing so create some light and attempt to ward away the first shadow extremely successfully. We uh, bring the uh, torch up to our chest and it completely uh, disintegrates the shadow that was crawling on the front of our jerkin. Ooh. Uh, on wait. Yeah, the shadows don't roll for a combat round. They just do six. They damage grip to you us. firmly, but what? Wait, no. They grip you firmly on a throw of six or better, on a double dice roll and absorb six of your life points every round. What? Well, what's the point of them rolling a? Grabbing you firmly on a roll of six or better, then. Oh, they don't start to do the damage until they grab you. Yeah, so... Right, right <laughs> They right. crit, so whatever. I mean, hey, cool. if there was a time for them to crit, it, I guess it is now. Yeah, exactly, when, you know, it doesn't change the uh, size yeah. of the outcome. Yeah. All right, so we lose six life points probably now, I would assume, is when that happens, or like at the... Mm -hmm. Just... Calculating our HP, our base HP is now 40, it's 30 plus 8, uh, and we lose 6 of that. I'm looking at the amount of places we have left to, to go. We're definitely going to need to pick up our key per island ratio. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that one of these is probably going to have a subterranean area that might be a bit more expansive as well. Yay. Uh, we uh, feel the sting around uh, just up behind the left buttock. And Ooh. as a result, swing the lamp behind ourselves in order to try and catch it unaware and do so. Uh, Get wrecked. Blasting that shadow with light. Shadow blast. We were the ones to feel its dark soul with light mm. and uh, gain our sixth <laughs> experience point as a result. Yeah. All right. To 117 we go. Hmm. Well, about that. <laughs> Those shadows may be gone, but the surroundings have not gotten any more pleasant. In fact, the whole island seems to be composed of nothing except these twisted, distorted rocks form formations. After a couple hours, you have managed to explore all of the island, and only thing left to examine seems to be the sinister-looking cave that you've been avoiding, the one near the center. The thing is, do you really want to go there? It may have something that's harder to handle than those shadows. If you want to explore the cave, 124. If you prefer not to bother, try 172. What? Oh. What? Is that a different... That's a different page, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So that's some sort of trying to leave Skull Island without going into the cave unique page. I mean, I'm down to explore the cave, though, because like you said, there's got to be some kind of subterranean place that's going to have some keys, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going... I'm on with the way. We're, 
You enter the cave without managing to get yourself killed, yet. Inside it smells of rubbish and old socks. To the right of the entrance, somebody has chiseled a message into the rock face. The message says, I have my eye on you. You move forward, forward cautiously. Oh my god, Reps, you know what else is true, though, about us dying and coming back? We could pull the different lever at the puzzle machine. The math machine. That's true. Um, anyways. You move forward cautiously, trying to see into the gloomy recesses of the cave. It seems to be a habitation of some sort. Strawn bones are scattered across the floor, and a huge cooking pit stands over the dead ashes of an old fire. Hanging from the ceiling are salted carcasses of what might be pigs. And admittedly, might not. To the back of the cave, two high-roofed tunnels lead downwards near the mouth of the cave. One of them... On the right, to be exact. ...is a scrap of cloth on which someone has scrawled in blood the single word... <gasps> take the right-hand tunnel, 167. Take the left, 189. Mm. I mean, apparently, on the right-hand tunnel, there's someone who will help us. That's what that <laughs> yeah, means, right? Great, let's go. I'm 167. Woohoo! Let's go get some help on 167, surely. Help ourselves to whatever's there. The tunnel leads downwards for almost 100 yards until it opens up into a small-ish cave, sleeping in the center of which is a large snake. Here to help us? As you enter, it opens one eye blearily and murmurs, One step further and I'll fang you. Take one step further on 193 or return the way you came and take the other tunnel to 189. I mean, we don't have a poison mm-hmm yeah and we did see like this this book has previously had the poisonous spider who would have just killed us as soon as they hit us and we've seen poisonous snakes in the past who kill us with any strike as well maybe we should check out 189 first yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna write down uh 167 to 193 mm. okay one eighty nine. Instead, there's a light up ahead. You move towards it and emerge into a cavern lit by the dancing flames of a huge bonfire. Hanging over it is a cooking pot even larger than the one you saw in the first cave. Standing before it is a one-eyed giant. He looks at you and licks his lips. Dinner time already? Oh my lord! He remarks with satisfaction. The bad news is that you've stumbled upon the lair of the Cyclops, a one-eyed giant whose favorite food is adventurers. Worst news yet is that he has 50 life points, carries a huge club that does plus 8 damage, and strikes successfully on a 5 or better. The worst news is that he can't be bribed and never gives a friendly reaction. The good news is that the weather's still fine outside. <laughs> uh, this might be a turn-into-pig scroll. Ooh. However, might I offer you that the Hydra would go down hard to being a pig? Wait, you're right. That is just one creature. Yep, it's just one creature, seven heads. I guess I considered it seven creatures. Might I offer the fact that there's no way in hell we don't die to this? Unless... Poison stacking. Hmm, that's what I'm thinking, right? Poison stacking. This guy attacks once every round, strikes successfully on a five or greater. We've got 34 HP. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a uh, a tough fight, to be sure. I would not have a problem with using the polymorph and trying to find something additional that would save us against the uh, the Hydra. Um, yeah, the, but the, I am the, also the hope terrifying. Being... 
the hope being that whatever is behind the Cyclops would help us with the Hydra. But mm -hmm. I'm willing to chance it. I just, with a plus eight damage on a five or better, and fifty life, I'm feeling ungood. Mm -hmm. Now, should we at any point uh, consider magic? No! Okay. I very, very quickly went down to the rules section to check if we still just had our magic from the previous ones, because we did uh, in, in all of the previous mm -hmm. examples. But it says specifically, standard Grail Quest magic is not available on this adventure. Various magical items and spells will be found on the journey and usage is explained at the time of using the most potent spells, the wallbound and ritual, which must be read and used once only. So, no, unfortunately, we can't just uh, pi r squared this guy or anything like that, which would be nice, alas. I mean, I'm down to give it a shot. I think we die. But I'm down to give it a shot. Because rolling a five does eight damage. Yeah, rolling a five does eight, exactly. It's, it's it, the, the, Okay, let, let, let me take one second here. I'm simulating. So an <laughs> average result is a seven on a die. So assuming every round they throw a seven and assuming they don't get initiative, what happens? Uh, with 34 HP, we have the ability to take four instances of seven uh, before it's time to go down to the ground forever. With the poison stiletto, we would have to crit pretty much every combat round. I just rolled about 10 times and I only would have missed twice. Well, we gotta fight him. I think you're right that the polymorph scroll is our best choice. Well, it's just, like, mathematically, we need some miracles. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I wanted to go through, like, a slight yeah. simulation of the rounds, because if the only possibility for us to win is everything going right for us, uh, then, <laughs> then yes, let's uh, opt for the Polymorph Scroll. It still requires that we roll a 4-plus on to die. Oh, no, no. How about we're each responsible for one of these rolls? Four plus on two dice. Okay, I've rolled a five, mm -hmm. so... Why don't, you, okay. why, don't you, why don't you roll your dice to see if you get a negative one? No, I rolled a negative two! I rolled oh. a six, actually. We're all good. Wow. We got an 11? Maybe our luck uh -huh. would have been good. All right, so now he's just a wee piggy. Oink, oink. And we roll oink, an... Oink, piggy. Roll initiative. Or is it a sheep? I can't remember. Gets a five. I do not remember its stats, though. Uh, It hits on a six plus, and it has 15 HP. Oh, we also roll five. I imagine we probably should have uh, rolled for initiative before this. That is true. Uh, oh, I was looking up the stat block. Oh, gets a six. It gets a six. We get a one. Um, roll this first attack as though he were a cyclops, and we'll just consider that our follow-up attack was turning him into a pig. That sounds good. I'm just trying to get back to the two. One! We could have maybe done it! <laughs> he doesn't hit us. Oh. Well, I guess this Beauty is. Wait, here's the thing: we if mm -hmm. if we're doing it that way, we haven't cast the spell yet. I still think it I would think be there's ridiculously think unlikely. Yeah, we just we accept our five. our boon, our win here. Five. And that's a twelve. That's a eight. That's a seven. Yeah, no, we would have. No, yeah. we would have died. <laughs> those those would all be pretty harsh. Uh, yeah. We strike back with uh, one of... Uh, so that's the plus two dagger first. Unfortunately, it doesn't manage to hit the enemy. 
Uh, however, the second strike does and hits for three damage, taking the enemy down to 12 HP. The uh, pig squeals as we All cut right. away a little bit of uh, back meat. Oh. Pig gets a seven. Ooh, what that? What does it that mean? will actually deal one damage to us, which rolls against our helmet. It gets reduced by our helmet, rather, but the helmet tries to explode and fails. Imagine if the pig explodes. Right? <laughs> I'd be ready. Uh, okay, so this with the plus two dagger is three more damage dealt to the pig, and then the second strike misses. Huh? That's that's not what pigs sound like. Okay, pig go. Pig go. Oh, pig get ten. <sighs> pig, pig get damage. Pig rolling well. Glad pig isn't Cyclops. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, uh, does not destroy our armor but does take away some of our Ochpa. Down to 32 ourselves. We strike back with dagger number one uh, for, again, another three damage to the enemy, taking them down to six. Any more damage and they will be unconscious, and they're unconscious. And while we do gain experience, uh, they just sleep it off. Right. We've killed the cyclops by making there be a pig here instead and we can search the cave at 184 184 you found a tiny little golden key in the bottom of the cooking pot lying between a potato and a carrot to be exact apart from that there's nothing else here except the chewed bones of old adventurers you can now return to 124 and if you wish explore the bright hand tunnel to 167 mm. uh, how do we feel about combating with a snake I guess I'm down to try. Um, yeah. Let's give it a go. So that's 167. 167, which... and then he will dare us to take another step forward to 193. All right. I dare. I dare to. Bravely, you take, take one step further, and the snake rears to strike. You leap forward to attack, but before you're anywhere near the reptile, a small furry animal appears as if from nowhere, chops with its forepaw, spins on one of its hind legs, and karate kicks the snake in the throat with the other, knocking it unconscious. <sighs> I hate snakes, remarks the small furry animal in a curious accent, dusting itself down. Don't you too, Seem? Oh, well... Yeah, I do, really. You say cert uncertainly. But who are you? Gopi Krishna at your service. Late of the Third Bengal Mungos <laughs> Mongoose Lancers. Now available for mercenary work. If you can't hire me, my fee is ten gold pieces per section visited together. Which could mount up if you have a long way to go, but while Gopi will avoid all other fights, if you meet any sort of snake or serpent, I mean... That's, mm -hmm. I think, I'm just I, typing into the other side Hydra Define Yeah <laughs> yep. uh, He will serpent. put Paid to it At once with your having To strike a single What? He will put paid without. to it at once Without your having to strike a single Blow which could come Very handy in circum circumstances Certain circumstances. <laughs> Should you decide to hire the mongoose to take 10 gold pieces from your horde for every new section you visit together? Should you decide against it, simply leave him here. I mean, I think we should get him and bring him to the Hydra. Yep, I think we should get him and bring him to the Hydra, and I have great news. We have exactly 10 GPs. Oh my god. <laughs> that is good news. Hey, mongoose. 
Oh god. Uh, although we will be rolling for uh, the possible uh, failure to navigate. Oh, I got a five. That's fine, right? Yep, it's two, three, okay. and four that would not have been. All right, then we're fine. Two seventy nine. Two seventy nine. Can't remember exactly uh, which page. I believe it was. it's then one seventy nine. Yep. Which, yes, is the Hydra itself. All right, fight the Hydra. It oh, even okay, describes okay. it in this specifically as the huge seven headed snake. It's specific. It's one hundred percent. The fact that he kills this thing in one attack is pretty yep. cool. Hey ya! All right. Well, he then goes I... for the body. We would have messed up and gone for the heads. Exactly. So we may now search the casket on one sixty-eight, and mm -hmm. I guess the mongoose is. We don't need him anymore. We don't have money for him anymore, right. unless we find a bunch of money in the the chest. There is nothing in the casket except a very tiny key. And though it is gold, it's really too small to be of much value, being a bit of a magpie. However, you stowed away carefully for the rest of, with the rest of your possessions. Uh, and then we're done. We got that. That's the mm -hmm. whole boom, bang, boom. That's That one's done. Yep. We say goodbye to Gopi Krishna, who's like, all right, I'm off to sail the rest of the seas, looking for serpents uh, above the water and below. I think I might branch out into eels. <laughs> All right. So, I guess, I don't know, we want to head to, like, Shipwreck Island? Um, yeah. I don't really, doesn't really. I mean, it's it's either Shipwreck or Dragon, because we or... tried Lost, and Demondum is the furthest from us. That is true. I don't care. Shipwreck? All right, Shipwreck. Dragon? 137. Shipwreck. I see dragon. I'm like, I don't, I'm not. We're not prepared to fight a dragon because we don't have any supplies anymore. That's mm -hmm. that's my whole thought process in that one. One thirty-seven. I will roll. I got. A, okay, cool. I got a crit. Cool. Yay! Critical, not four. Uh, uh, the wind blows in our direction towards this island the entire time. We make it hastily. It's easy to see how this island got its name. As your gold vessel approaches, you can see the rotted hulls of scores of sailing ships. And the uh, score is how much again, ga game book? Just, uh, yeah, 20 years. Of sailing ships which have run aground all along the rocky coastline. This is, a, this is a positive ship's graveyard. Cautiously, you sail around the entire island searching for a safe inlet, but everywhere seems to be rocks and reefs, white water and smashing waves. The island itself doesn't look too bad. In fact, it's positively appealing. With rolling grassland, shady clumps of trees, the pleasant undulations of low, soft hills. But getting to it is different. It's a different matter. Getting to it is an invitation to disaster. So sailing as close as you dare, you search for a passage which, if it would not take your ship, might still allow a rowboat to squeeze through. But there does not seem to be even this. You're teetering on a decision to call this one quits and seek out another island when the voice of an Argonaut echoes down from the crow's nest. Ship ahoy! Ship ahoy! Sheep ahoy? Surely he means ship ahoy. Yep, and that's what I said! Ship ahoy! Ship ahoy! <laughs> okay, he definitely said mm -hmm. ship. You scan the ocean, but there's no sign of any ship. Ship ahoy! Ship ahoy! Suddenly you are surrounded by the remaining Argonauts, all of whom seem extremely excited. Look, Captain! Look over there! says one delightedly. His name is Castor. Possibly Paul Pollux? It's impossible to say which, since both on the crew are identical. Wait, this is a new one? There's 
no, <laughs> no open parentheses. No open yeah, parentheses. Which means the whole book so far has been in parentheses? Oh my god. It's impossible to say which since both of the crew are identical twins. What is it, Castor? You ask? Uh, Pollux, actually, Captain. Look! He points. You follow his finger and see atop one of the gentle bills of Shipwreck Isle, a golden sheep. It's definitely a golden sheep, all right, even though at this distance its fleece glints with an unmistakable metallic sheen in the bright sunshine. What a remarkable animal. Heaven only knows what must be in the grass there. You have heavier responsibilities than gawking at a gilded ewe. As captain, it's your decision to risk landing on the isle and search for safer, or to search for safer havens. Hmm. If you decide to try to reach Shipwreck Isle 49, if you feel it makes more sense to try a different destination, 37. Huh. It does really feel like the Argonauts, Jason and the Argonauts, who are looking for the Golden Fleece, are seeing the Golden Fleece in the middle of this Shipwreck Isle. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that uh, this island appears to be able to show what would most tempt any of those people around such that they crash upon the rocks. And it's also worth noting that thinking it may make more sense to go to a different direction uh, takes us to 37. It doesn't take yeah. us back in general to the map. Yeah. So, 37 it is. Yeah, I think it's quite likely if we took the other one, we literally might just dash the ship across the rocks and have to start again. Yeah. And that one's probably an insta-die. I... that's my guess. The Argonauts stare at you dumbfounded. Not one? Asks Jason. Not land! Growls Telemann. Not land. Sings Orpheus. You shake your head firmly. It's too dangerous, my trusty companions. You say... At which one of your trusty Argonaut companions biffs you from behind with a trusty belaying pan cracking your skull and killing you immediately. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Reno, I'm so sorry. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't make sense that they just kill us. <laughs> but they do. And but, they just straight up kill us dead. I... At least the other books, they they were like, here you go, roll for the chance for instant death and losing mm -hmm. everything. And the fact that we would are theoretically supposed to go and fight everything we fought again, again? The, no way. That's such a dumb well, choice. Well, I mean, no. for what it's worth, they would all have half HP, but yeah, we're not going to it's, simulate that. Yeah, as, we're not going to simulate the that. previous rule. Yeah. This, this is a, this is a situation wherein uh, we have the same things. We effectively create a save state uh, that gives us the ability to come back here. Yeah, we're we're not gonna redo like thirty, forty minutes of stuff because they hit us with a frying pan because we went to a page. Like, mm -hmm. no, we're not gonna. And yeah, this was trying to save that crew. Oh, can't believe him. I, so let's head back to Shipwreck Island and see what would happen if we, uh, <laughs> if the other one is also kills us, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. 149. Uh, just 49. I'm sorry. Just 49. I'm on 49. I just said it wrong. Okay, cool. All good. Uh, golden sheep, eh? You nod, narrowing your eyes shrewdly. You glance back towards the wreck surrounded island where the golden sheep has now disappeared from sight. This wouldn't have anything to do with the special quest that you Argonauts have set yourselves about before I appeared on the scene, would it? It would! It would! Shout the Argonauts delightedly. In point of fact. 
says Jason. It is actually our appointed task to rescue the Golden Fleece, preferably with the sheep still inside, from King Colchis, a fearsome villain who we all knew lived around here somewhere, but we didn't know quite where. We feel it's our bounden destiny to bring the Fleece back to Greece. Why? You ask curiously. Oops, my headphones. The Argonauts begin to giggle. <laughs> why? He asks why? They mumble delightedly one to another. Uh, yeah, why? You ask again. The giggling dies down to be replaced by growing frowns. After a while, Jason says uncertainly. I'm not quite sure. It's simply the way it has to be. I think it has something to do with media. Media? Princess media? King Colchis' beautiful daughter? You know how all these quests go. Handsome hero, beautiful princess, evil enemy, golden sheep. They all work themselves out eventually, and I give some people something to talk about. He gives a shy grin. I'm the handsome hero, actually. I suppose. He blushes. The gods have ordained that I should marry a beautiful princess. He places a friendly arm around his shoulder. Well, in that case, Jason, we shall definitely have to go to that island and catch the golden sheep. I don't think we dare risk the ship any closer, though. But with any luck, the rowboat might make it through. I'm willing to make the attempt with you and... Uh, uh, with, I'm willing to make the attempt, and you, at least, should certainly come with me. Thank you, Captain! Thank you! Thank you! And to your profound embarrassment, Argonaut Jason kisses you on both cheeks. <laughs> Save that for the princess! You tell him brusquely. Now, let's get the boat launched and see if there is some way on that island. Which you do, but you need to turn to 39 to see if there's a practical means of reaching the island. You climb aboard the ship's rowboat after a brief hassle with Jason, who should be stuck with the rowing. On about Guess who should who be stuck. Yeah, about who should be stuck with the rowing. Guess who loses? Sorry. You pull on the oars and move slowly in the direction of the shipwreck isle. At first, your initial impressions seem well founded. There does not seem to be a single safe inlet for your craft. But as you draw closer, a strange thing happens: the rotting wrecks, clinging like smashed skeletons to the wicked reefs, begin to shimmer slightly. Did you see that? You ask Jason. See what? Asks the Argonaut. Nothing. You tell him. Realizing he won't be paying much attention with his head full of golden sheep and beautiful princesses. But you watch the wrecks carefully, and no more than a dozen oar strokes later, you can see the nearest of them slightly, suddenly disappear. Even more remarkable, the reef on which it was broken disappears as well, leaving a clear stretch of calm sea. You shake your head to clear it, but the sea in that direction is definitely calm. What's more, several other distant wrecks are fading out as well, so that after a few moments you are rowing towards a delightful sunlit isle entirely surrounded by calm, clear seas, with not a wreck in sight. What's happening here? Everyone saw the wrecks, and now they're gone. But gone they are, quite definitely. It's not your imagination, for you are now rowing through a stretch where the reefs used to be, and rowing with no trouble at all. Eventually the boat grounds to a white sand beach. Oh, Good, you got us through the reefs, remarks Jason as you ship the oars. With a deep sigh, you make the boat secure and look around you. This really is a very pleasant island beyond the beach across some rocks. The fertile grasslands begin, studded with cups of fine trees. You climb with Jason onto the rocks with the advantages of height. You can now see quite a number of well-made roads with quite, easy, quite easily in reach. One winds its way to an imposing mansion set almost on the shore a little further down another leads grim to a grimly imposing castle set atop one of the hills and another passes close by a small farm 
Another leads to a village where, as far as you can tell in the distance, some sort of activity is going on. Paths branching from the roadways lead to a deserted cottage, a well of some description, and a still dark lake. What a choice. Have a little confab with Jason to decide where you will go. To go to the Mansion 51, the Castle 61, the Farm 112, the Village 65, the Cottage go to 120... 120? 12, in the book, yeah, it's, I think I'm it's just going to Cottage. It's scanned 12BO. <laughs> so, to reach the well, 97. To reach the lake, 88. Oh my god. And then... Interestingly, the final option of alternatively, you may simply return to your ship and pick another destination without getting clubbed over the head this time, maybe? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay. We so take them even closer to their goal, and then they're like, okay, I'm fine to go away now. But if you took me away when I was near, uh, less near, I would have killed you. Yeah. So, all right. This is a million choices now. I think mm -hmm. I found where all the keys might be exactly i will say I suspect yep i suspect excalibur in the lake excellent let's go to the lake first what were you gonna say uh i suspect we should go to the lake first <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i wasn't going to implicate excalibur clearly however oh i mean i could be right i could be wrong it's just they sure mentioned it earlier Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, but it was stolen. Sorry, this was yesterday. Anyways, whatever. That was also maybe in a different time, so who knows. There's definitely something peculiar about this place. As a seasoned adventurer, you've seen dark stretches of water before, lots of them. You've seen boats on them, birds on them, even the occasional Loch Ness-type monster on them. But this is the first time you've ever seen one that is grazed, that grazed a flock of sheep. You blink twice, rub your eyes, but the sheep are definitely there, calmly grazing on the surface of the lake. You glance across at Jason, who's staring slack jaws, just jawed, uh, just as amazed as you are. So presumably he's seeing the same thing. The flock moves recklessly, restlessly, and from somewhere in the center, the sun picks out a glint of gold. Jason's jaw closes with an audible snap. The golden fleece! He hisses excitedly. He turns and grips you by the lapels. Or at least by where the lapels would be if you weren't. Wearing a Grecian tunic. You said we could go after the fleece! You did! <laughs> you promised! You promised we could go after the fleece! Calm yourself, man! You said we could get ice cream! You said! You told me! You told me! <laughs> you tell him, We got ice cream at home! His <laughs> dipping dots. Yeah. Of course we can go after the fleece! But how? The dark water looks miles deep. The flock is grazing so far out that swimming the distance could be tricky. Maybe you could walk across. The, the sheep seem to be doing all right. Or perhaps it would make more sense to look around for a boat. Uh, swim, 64. Walk, 59. Search for a boat, 69. I think uh, we got to take a cue from uh, Samurai Jack here and uh, just walk straight into the ocean. All right. 59 it is. Works for the sheep. Why not me? All right. Feeling like a complete idiot, you step onto the lake uh, surface of the dark and threatening lake. Reflex action causes you to hold your nose and stiffen in certain anticipation of being swallowed by the waters, but nothing happens. The water feels as firm underfoot as an English meadow. Cautiously, you step forward. It's still firm. Yeah! With an excited howl, Jason streaks past you, heading for the flock of sheep. With just the barest hesitation, you race after him. As you do so, the lake seems to fade, and you're running headlong over a grassy plain. The lake was a magical illusion. 
but the sheep are real enough, and now you're racing closer. You can see there's definitely a golden sheep in the center of the flock. Can you catch it? That excited cry of Jason has spooked the whole flock good and proper. They're milling around a bit in, in, at the moment in the stupid way that sheep do, but they're bound to find somebody to follow soon, in which, you case, in which case you might never reach them. Suddenly the flock divides. The golden sheep bounds off towards the distant clump of trees. You must head off... Wait, must head off the creature before it reaches them. Otherwise, you might lose it forever. Before you can even make the attempt, you're going to have to do something about the giant ram that's now thundering towards you, intent on guarding his flock. The ram has 30 life points, strikes on a 5, and can do plus 4 damage with his horns. As against that, there are two of you to fight him. Oh, okay. So we do have... Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, apparently, if it takes uh, three rounds, uh, if you kill the ram between you in three rounds or less, then you can chase the golden sheep. If it takes you more than three rounds, we still chase the golden sheep, but it might be more difficult. And uh, us and Jason both attacking, as well as the ram, counts as a single uh, thing of combat. Well, cool. Great. Initiative time. Two. Um, which I guess Jason should probably also roll an initiative for his I guess, yeah. acting turn order. Uh, so four for Pip and six for Jason. Okay, so Jason, Pip, Sheep. Cool. Uh, so Jason, we will recall, is equipped with a sword and hits on a plus five. On a five plus, rather. Ooh! Jason rolls a nine and is like, you won't stop me from my quest! Uh, and... Strikes for four, seven. Seven damage direct to the ram. Taking him down to 23. Uh, Pip attempts to follow up the heroism of this time-honored warrior and barely manages to do so. Isn't really going to be impressing anyone by only doing two damage with the dagger number one. Oh, but makes up for it a little bit more on dagger number two, striking for another four, taking the... Ram down to 17. All right. The Ram Rams. <gasps> With a 7. So that is a 6 damage minus whatever. And I'm assuming, would they be attacking what? Jason? He strikes successfully on a 5. Sorry? So yeah. So if he rolls a 7, that's 2 plus 4, 6. Going mm -hmm. for Jason. And probably. Uh. I'm I'm assuming uh, that it has to be the worst target here, which would be us. Mm. Okay. Um, which might just be the least charitable interpretation in an unnecessary fashion. Is there a world where we... Mm. No, I was going to say, if, if we get down to the next turn, there's a world where we go use our spear to finish him off mm. for a final kaboom. But, eh. Right. Uh, so we would... Uh, Six, four, we're down to 44, and our helmet survives. Jason reels and successfully strikes the ram for six total damage, taking them down to 11. And we attempt to follow up very successfully this time with an 11, five above our hit value for a plus two. We do enough damage to put the enemy on four HP, which ends the combat, knocking them out. That's also in two combat Oh, rounds. baby. You all right. one experience and head to 42. Well, all right. 42. 
That sheep could still get away. Roll two dice and determine the sheep's speed. Now roll two dice on behalf of Jason and yourself. If you took more than three combats to kill the ram at the last section, subtract one from your score for every round above three. Whatever is relevant. That's cool, though. Now compare your final figure with the sheep's speed. If your roll is higher, go to 75. If not, you've lost the sheep. Oh, my God. Would you like to roll your two for the sheep's speed? (laughs) Yep, I'm fine with that. Cool, cool. And I will roll I'll for tell you what I got Jason in. and us. What'd you get? I got a five. That's beautiful, because I got the average result of a seven. Well, let's go then. All right. If your roll is higher, go to 75. We've caught it! Oh my god. Jason roars excitedly as he brings down the sheep in a rugby tackle. Yes! You agree with a little less enthusiasm since you're not so hung up on the sheep as the Argonaut. Well, now you've done your macho bit, perhaps you could see your way to taking your great ugly hands off me, says the sheep coldly. Jason leaps back as if stung. And even you, a hardened adventurer though as you are, are a little surprised. You can talk? Jason stammers. Of course I can talk, snaps the sheep. Which has quite an upper-crust accent now you come to listen carefully. A thought suddenly occurs to you. That old fool back in Avalon is always so big into shape-shifting. Excuse me, you say. But you aren't Merlin, by any chance, Welsh druid wizard? Oh, don't be ridiculous, the sheep tells you shrilly. My name is Media. Jason falls back even further, a stricken look on his handsome features. Princess Media. He gasps. Quite. But what are you doing in the shape of a sheep? I'm not in the shape of a sheep, says Princess Media. I merely look as though I am in the shape of a sheep. There's a big difference. Is there? Jason frowns stupidly. Of course there is, stupid. My father, King Colchis, is a most remarkable illusionist and rather specialized type of wizard you appreciate. He has spells going all over this island, so almost nothing is what it appears to be. Pigsties look like villages, palaces look like hovels, plains look like lakes. He's even made the calm seas look like rocks around us, stopping people from bothering us. For the first visitors, we've had in nearly 15 years. But then why has he made you look like a sheep? Jason asks, then adds as an afterthought. Uh, your Highness, because I am stunningly beautiful, says Princess Medium, rather factly. If men knew how beautiful I was, we'd have invasions all the time, illusionary rocks or not. Look what happened to Troy, just because of fair Helen. But you don't mind looking like a sheep? Jason asks. Oh, not in the least. Besides, I only look like a sheep to outsiders. All the people who live here see me as I really am. The ram you fought, by the way, was my latest boyfriend, actually, a young noble by the name of Pericles. Uh, I'm sorry, says Jason, looking sheepish. To divert this embarrassing turn in the conversation, you ask curiously. Uh, why is your fleece golden? I'm wearing a yellow sweater, says the princess. She shot, shot, she, she, she shies by the she shore. <laughs> I was going to do that if you didn't. She sighs. <laughs> oh, I suppose I'd better break the illusion and let you see me the way I really am, or you'll never be satisfied. And with a wave of her front hoof, she transforms into one of the most stunningly beautiful young women you've ever set your eyes on. Jason stares at her thunderstruck for a moment, then asks, Will you marry me? Well, now, now just a moment, Jason. 
you begin, and for truth, you're not all sure that this media would make a good wife for Jason, princess or not. But media's shaking your head in any case. Oh, don't be silly, she tells him severely. I have no intention of marrying anyone until I'm too old to have fun anymore. But you can keep my sweater as a keepsake if you should like. I have a tunic on underneath, so I shan't catch cold. With which she peels off the sweater and tosses it to him before racing off towards a clump of trees, which are probably an illusory herd of deer. Jason stares at after her open mouth, then turns to you. What shall I do? She's stolen my heart away! Pull yourself together, man! You tell him firmly. Your life would be miserable married to her. You've got that golden sweater now. Just be content with that. No, no. I shall pursue her to the ends of the earth. I'll conquer lands for her. I'll fight foes for her. I'll trek across deserts for her. I'll battle through the flames for her. I shall... Not on my time, you won't. You snap utterly fed up with this lovesick lunatic. Right now, we're returning to page 39 to see if there's anything more to war worth exploring on this stupid island, and if we're not going to find that, we're going to return to the Argo, okay? That's the first time it's been, like, vocalized that this page yeah. is our canon. Okay. So, wait. Oh, shoot. 30, was 39? Oh, no. Yes, we shall return to 39 to see if there's anything more worth exploring on the island. So before we do so, I'm going to very quickly note what media said about the transmutation uh, here. Pigsties look like villages. Palaces look like hovels. And planes look like lakes. So uh, we might be able to use that for a little bit of uh, more uh, intelligent navigation about the area. That's true. So if you go to the farm, maybe? Yes, because the mansion by the shore is going to be a pigsty. Yeah. So, Although I guess the castle, perhaps, as well. Yeah. Well, let's go to 112. Let's do it. What a pleasantly bucolic scene. What a peaceful rural setting. There are chickens pecking in the yard, cattle grazing in the meadow. It reminds you so much of home. Your home in Avalon, that is, on the farm of Freeman John and Good, Mary, uh, good Wife Wa uh, Mary in Glastonbury. That a nostalgic tear wells up in your eye. A rosy-cheeked woman in a green apron who has been scattering corn for the chickens from earthenware bowl glances up smiling at your approach. My oh my, she says. Visitor, and me with only my work clothes on. Will you come in and have a bite to drink? You glance at Jason who nods enthusiastically, doubtless thinking of a home cooking... Thinking a bit of home cooking would make a nice change from ship's rations. All the same, something tells you this may not be quite such an idyllic setting as it seems. Maybe it's the way those chickens are eyeing you hungrily. Maybe it's the glint in the rosy woman's eye. Or maybe it's just the fact that everything you do these days seems to end you up in big trouble. Do you accept the invitation 132 or refuse on 140? Oh, boy. Rito. Yeah? There are two times previously in the series of Grail Quest where we have interacted with chickens. Number one interaction with chickens was we were talking to chickens on our farm. Uh, and that was fine, but that was in a, in a cutscene by itself, so to speak. Which is to say, we didn't make the choice to do so, that's just what Pip's up to. Uh, the second time, when we optionally interacted with chickens, they ate us. They eviscerated us. That is very true. I think it's more likely that this series would try and be internally consistent with things like that. Uh, I, I fear if we say yes, uh, she's going to be like, oh, I never said it was you who were going to get a bite to eat. 
Get them, chickens! Yeah, that's kind of usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. One, it's also worth noting refusal takes us to a new page rather yeah. than back to the basic. Correct. Well. I'm down to go to 140. Let's do it. 140. Uh, I'm afraid... You say politely. That due to pressing engagements elsewhere, my friend and I must regretfully decline your most gracious invitation. All the heck you will! Shrieks the rosy-cheeked woman. Get him, girls! With which the 12 chickens she was feeding launched themselves upon you. These are mm -hmm. not, as you may have imagined, wait, these are not, as you may have imagined, if you've been in other Grail Quest adventures, savage chickens. Wait, savage chickens can only do one life point of damage. The 12 monsters who have launched themselves upon you are, in fact, giant ferrets masquerading as chickens. A very different and vastly more dangerous barrel of monkeys. Each ferret has four life points but there are 12 of them, all immune to bribery. <laughs> they strike on a six or better, do plus one with their sharp little teeth. You and Jason will have to fight each six. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then... If either yeah. of you is killed. Oh. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Well, that does also beg the question, can we choose who takes the damage then? Uh, no. So each us and Jason have to fight six. So we're going to oh, have two wait, independent oh, battles. Oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Hey. Well, only way to do it is to do it. <laughs> I got a three and a four for initiative. Uh, uh, so I will roll against... Uh, I will roll for Pip first against the three. Pip is going to ask uh, act after the chickens. And Jason is uh, also going to act after the chickens. Hmm. I will say the the daggers should help us quite a bit for this. Yeah, one hopes. All right. Uh, against Pip, we've got a six, which is a hit, right? Mm -hmm. It does no damage to us, but it will roll against our armor. Armor is fine. Does the armor break? Uh, no, armor's fine. Uh, do you uh, do you want to roll for yeah, the attack I against guess, Jason? I guess well? that's yeah, that's an eight. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, so that would cause three damage, but it gets negated by Jason's armor. But Jason's armor is fine. All good. All right. Uh, we're, we're just going to try and reel up on, on our left leg and uh, boot one of these chickens uh, outside of the confines of this village. Uh, failing to do so. However, we get to strike a second time with a dagger. Ooh, and that one's a little bit better. Unfortunately, it only does three damage. Oh, hell. Leaving a chicken alive. Oh, yeah, because uh, if, if it only has four life points, then what? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, one can't assume that they are already uh, fainted. So I <laughs> assume with things that have life points at this point uh, that they have to be taken out, annoyingly. Uh, Jason, however, reels back and straight up crit kicks one of these into the sun. <laughs> All right. Got the attack against Pip is on 11. Uh, five, six. So we'll be taking four damage to that, taking us down to 40 HP. And rolling against the armor. Literally one more piece of armor and we would have exploded there. I feel like I've heard that a lot. Glad mm -hmm. to hear. Because it keeps happening. <laughs> yeah. And then against Jason is a seven. 
still annoying. hit. Annoying. So they won't do any damage, and they won't break the armor. Trying to learn a lesson from what Jason just did, we uh, try and mimic his form and do so super successfully, uh, taking out the wounded chicken. And then we move on to another. And as it turns out, unfortunately, we can only strike the chickens that are slowed down by their wounds, uh, failing entirely. Jason, however, <laughs> uh, Jason doesn't hit on a five plus, does he? <laughs> He does, actually, uh, but he hits for three damage, so he doesn't take the chicken out. All right. We got a five against Pip, which is a no, right? These are on mm -hmm. six or higher, right? Yeah. And then yep. we got against Jason, which is also... No, but that's a six. Grand. Uh, oh, that's a six, so up. it is a hit. It's a chance to break. Oh, armor. no. I can't, I, yep, I doesn't break Jason's wrong. armor. Uh, Pip is working his way through a chicken and weakens it appropriately, such that he can kick it into the sun. Two strikes a chicken down, Pip has now taken out two, and Jason feels the score creeping up, notices that Jason uh, caused first blood in this situation, but uh, Pip has now taken down two more of these. Uh, and Jason follows up by completing uh, his previous quarry. Each of us have taken out two of them. All right. Got a oh only four and then a eight against jason how much health cool. does jason, jason will take have? no damage to that oh uh i think jason's armor might explode uh which would leave jason with uh five hp so we lose <laughs> which means he would die over the course of the rest of the combat yeah all right hmm hmm well i have to go use the restroom really bad so i'm gonna do that i'm back we're dead well jason's dead so <laughs> we so we have to visit uh 14 with them it's clear that at some point uh they they intend jason to be integral to the upcoming story yeah i guess that is indeed the case uh mm -hmm. but so we died again Instead of going through every single mm -hmm. thing, little bit by bit by bit by bit, we are going to be, yeah, again, save stating we have died. We we get another tally on our our sheet of being a loser. Uh, mm -hmm. So our shame is felt, but we are going to be back here and we've decided to adjust the armor on Jason down to one piece, you think? I think one piece. Yeah, I think he should wear a very thick leather boot on his left foot exclusively. Yeah, I think so. I think that that sounds better, sounds less like he's going to be taking a lot of not that bad hits. Mm -hmm. So therefore, smaller armor is just going to be better. So let us roll initiative once more. Uh, well, I got, I mean, I crit, a.k.a. initiatives of six mm -hmm. for both. Okay, so, oh, God. Well. Jason's actually going to make that a push. Pip is going to act later, but uh, Jason also rolled a six and now a three. Oh. And then right, and I rolled another six. This is another one of those situations, though. It's like, it's a Boolean. They go first or they don't. So I'm fine. If this is where my sixes are, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. So they both go first. I will roll an attack. You know what? I'm going to get, I'm going to get four dice. That's what I'm going to do. Uh... And that will make things go a little bit smoother there. So mm -hmm. five against Pip. So nothing. And then a, a nine against 
Jason. Cool, cool. Uh, that would hit for uh, four damage, gets reduced to two, and tries to break Jason's armor. Please don't. It doesn't. All right. So we're back up to the, loses we're a little bit of health. 12 chickens. 12 chicken ferrets. Mm -hmm. uh, Pip immediately slays one. Great. Fails to take out a second, but that's at least one of them down. Jason uh, also immediately takes one out. All right. We've got a seven against Pip and a seven against Jason. Uh, Annoying. Pip doesn't lose armor and doesn't take damage. And neither does Pip. Sorry, neither does Jason, yeah. rather. Good. Uh, Pip does not do enough damage to take out a full chicken here. Puts it on two HP remaining. And then cleans it up with the second swipe. So Pip again has as many enemies down as rounds taken. And Jason uh, unfortunately hits for the only value that doesn't take out a chicken when Jason rolls it. And takes a chicken down to one HP. Alright, we got a... <laughs> A three against Pip, and we got a six Brand. against Jason. Unfortunate. So. Jason rolls armor, but it's okay. Pip strikes uh, again. <laughs> Same position of putting an enemy down to two HP. Pip, you should be a little more accurate. And unfortunately wastes uh, their accuracy trying to complete that enemy. Uh, and does so successfully, just really didn't need to put the boot in as much as they did. Uh, Jason finishes off the foe from the previous. That's five chickens down. Alright. We got a an eight against Pip and a two against Jason. Pip will be taking one damage and does not break armor and Jason doesn't need to roll. Pip attacks and has finally learned lessons understands that uh, the shape of these things, the hitbox of these things is dislocated yes. from being a chicken because it's a giant ferret a, instead. Yes, uh, and <laughs> strikes true, taking one out in a single hit. And the second, that's... Uh, maims severely, leaving one on one HP. And then Jason finishes off his previous quarry, taking down a third. That's seven of them down. More than halfway through. All right. That is a four against Pip and a seven against Jason. <laughs> Jason would have broken armor if he had anything more, which immediately would have put him on the ground. Thankfully, wow. we rolled an 11. Uh, Pip fails to do anything about the thing in front of him and uh, the thing in front of them, rather, and uh, in their confusion, uh, actually swing wide and take out a different chicken entirely. <laughs> and Jason also manages to take out a chicken this one that uh, he was actually aiming for nine chickens down three left all right we've got a oh this is a not as nice of a roll to see that is an eight for pip and an eight for jason mm -hmm. so that's uh, three so wait yeah that's that's one damage again for pip through the armor but he has to do the roll they have to do the roll rather um five and for jason how was it Eight and eight. Eight and eight. Rude. <laughs> Jason's armor doesn't break, but Jason will take damage. Down to 20 HP. Pip is looking to finish off their final target and does so handily. Pip's fight Pow. is now complete. Jason also follows suit uh, and now has one chicken remaining. One chicken remaining. One. <laughs> okay, it's an 11. Uh, please, no. Uh, okay. That so, doesn't knock us out, right? 
six. That puts us down to 16, unless we uh, roll a crit. No. <laughs> we don't. Uh, Jason responds with a sword strike, trying to hit it with the pommel, and does so with incredible aplomb. That is the end of the combat with the chickens. Thank God. If you survive the chickens, there is still the woman to contend with, a spell user with the ability to slay using the evil eye. If she gets a 12 on a double dice, she, she can instant kill you if she rolls a crit. She has 20 life points in total, and when not using the evil eye, will batter you with her fists on a roll of six or better for full dice damage. Mm-hmm. For full dice damage. Huh? So, like, no, if, if she rolls a seven, she does seven damage? Is that what that's saying? I think so. All right. Well, anyways, let's roll an initiative. Uh, she gets a six. Um, okay, so how... I think we both get to attack. I assume this is like the ram combat, so it's both of us? I can only assume. Okay, so, uh, it's going to be the, uh, spell user, then Jason, then Pip. Yeah, alright. Um, that's a five. S sweat so off the brow. Uh, Jason is going to, uh... At, at this point, Jason's uh, sword is a, a skewer of multiple different uh, chickens from the previous battle, and he tries <laughs> to strike the uh, spell user with this now feathery club. Strikes true. Uh, is going to do five damage to the enemy, taking them down to 15 remaining, 10 above the threshold for being knocked out. Pip is going to try and follow up with Zadagas. Uh, does two damage with their first strike, taking the enemy down to 13. And the second strike is less true. All right. He rolls a six. I don't like to see that. And a... Okay, we're good. It is... Well, good is a matter of speaking. It is still nine mm. damage. But it's not mm -hmm. a crit. It's not instant death. That is death. great to hear. Uh, Pip is now on 27 HP. Oh, actually, sorry. Uh, 20... 9 HP, and armor holds. Jason strikes back, protective now of Pip after they've journeyed together for a period of time, uh, and is going to do a total of 7 damage to the enemy. Uh, annoyingly, uh, one less than the amount that would have put them on the ground. Pip is going to have two attacks wow. to try and follow that up, Come and on. doesn't even need the second. Yeah. Takes out the spell user with the first strike. Get down! Uh, at, at the end of all of this, uh, we level up and we have 11 experience towards the next level. Oh, let's go. Oh, yeah. Freaking 12 chickens. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, win through, and you may go to 123. Not an easy battle, but at least you now have the farm to yourself. A little look around soon shows you various goodies. A healing potion in the kitchen, good for three doses each rolling a double dose of life points, an anti-poison potion in the wine cellar. Uh, sorry, I'm still... Uh, wonder, why she kept it. From the wonder why she kept it there, which will completely cure one poisoning. And what's this? You found it in a, the back bedroom, rolled up in a little leather pouch. It's a leathery membrane of some sort. Not like anything you've... Hold on, there's a little note in here telling you what it is. What it is. A call. Now that there's a fine for a seafarer like yourself, you hang on to it, it'll save you from drowning. Okay, 
Once you have the call, you can safely ignore any indication that drowning will send you to 14. Proceed as if you have not drowned, gone some other direction, or whatever may be relevant in that specific case. What's relevant in this case is that you can now return to 39 to select a different option. I mean, cool. I will say distinct lack of keys mm-hmm. being found on this island. Although uh, it's possible that the call itself will allow us to otherwise fetch keys in a different... That's true, it's true. Alright, so we've been to the farm, we've been to the well, or no, the, the lake. Should we go to the well? Sounds good to me. Might as well. Alright, 97. Where'd my pen go? It was cross up 97. The approach to the well is not quite so easy as it looked from a distance. In fact, it's positively marshy. Stay close to me. You order Jason, who seems to be in something of a daze, possibly due to marsh gas. But as you press further towards your objective, you realize these surroundings are not merely difficult, but positively dangerous. The marsh gives way to a swamp, and but for your eagle eye, you would certainly have slipped into that small patch of quicksand. But for how long can you continue to avoid the quicksand? It's a different matter. To reach the well, throw, throw two dice, and, oh boy, score under an... Oh, score 8 to 12... Go to 41. Otherwise, we have a quicksand event. So let's just, I mean, step one, I'm going to roll to see if we even have mm-hmm. to. I get a nine, so we don't even have to, we don't even have to worry about the quicksand Hell event, yeah. which could have possibly been instant death. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you decide to not bother, wait, what? I no, we had to 41. Oh, we had to 41. Oh, yeah, sorry. There's just, there's, it's weird to get like a head to this page and then there's still like a whole wall of text after it. Mm-hmm. 41. 41? Yeah. Oh, there it is. God, I saw you look around for EJ, and I was like, oh, I had I read that 30 <laughs> hours ago. <laughs> you stare down the narrow shaft. We read that before. That was the, you're on a, you're on a boat or whatever. Uh, uh, you stare down at the narrow shaft between its rotted canopy, beneath its rotted canopy of a thatch, and the note that while the water level is high, the water itself is scummy oozing slow bubbles from somewhere deep beneath the surface. There's a small wooden container on a frayed rope, so you can certainly draw up some to drink, but do you really want to? If you decide to drink the water, go to 56, or return to 39. Oh, my lord. Well, at this point, we kind of have to just try the stuff. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to... There's a small wooden container on a frayed rope. Oh. Yeah, that's the bucket on the it's rope. It's a bucket. Well. That's a weird way of... Yeah. I mean, do we do it? Let's do it. All right. I mean, all of the unappealing things on this island are disguised as appealing things. One might imagine the inverse. Yeah. There's a turn up. It's a healing draft. One good swig and you've restored a double dice roll of life points. But unfortunately, the water loses its power if you try and take it away from here. If you're prepared to risk the quicksand, you can always come back via 39 when you're on this island. Okay. I mean, that's kind of nice. We heal 6 HP. Great. Go back to 39 and decide where to go next. Okay, so we have the mansion, the village, the cottage. So did you ever figure out what... Is it 120? Yeah, it is just 120 for the cottage. Oh, easy. Why don't you just go there since I'm already there? Yeah, let's do it. The cottage has a moat round it. No, seriously, it has. Quite a wide one, too, and while drawbridges haven't yet been invented in this era, the approach to the front door... Over a narrow wooden walkway. 
would be remarkably easy to defend if an army decided to attack said cottage. Puzzled, you look around for possible men-at-arms, but there are none. Apart from the moat, it looks like a perfectly ordinary cottage. The point is, are you prepared to risk crossing that narrow walkway or return to the village? We're on... We have died many a times at this point, mm -hmm. and I think that we are on a a warpath. Mm-hmm. 87. Worth, we can't drown. Let's go to 87. That is also true. We just can't. If we, you would drown, don't, don't. instead. <laughs> that's also... That's my, uh, my tip that I always gave that got me fired as a lifeguard. <laughs> I, I was... It's kind of more you of a just hand see someone thrashing in the water and you quickly <laughs> dive into the pool so you can swim over to them. You pull them up above the surface and you whisper in their ear, just Go. swim, dummy. And then you push yeah. them back down. I was more of a hands-off lifeguard, you know? Oh, okay. I was more of like a life guide. Um, anyways, with your eyes fixed firmly on the doorway ahead, you can see there are no guards approaching. So your decision seems sound. Carefully, slowly, cross the walkway, senses alert, never taking your eyes off the door, which which probably explains why you never notice the flying harpies that are now sweeping down on you from above. They're not the most pleasant of monsters. Their talents do plus three damage. There's three of them, and they have 25 life points. They hit on a five or better, and because they can maneuver so easily in three dimensions, they're extremely difficult to hit, needing you to roll an eight or better for a successful strike. Okay? Uh, apart from that, and the fact that you lost any chance of surprise by watching that stupid door, you have nothing to worry about. So we can't go first. Uh, we Is can't, I think it's, we can't take them by surprise. So we don't just have first hit. Yeah. Oh, so we, okay. So we have to go initiative and Jason's still Three. with us. So Jason's going to be sure. here too. Three from the harpies. Uh, Pip acts on a five. So Pip first and then four makes it neat. It's Pip and then, uh, Jason, then the harpies, which is, uh, actually, uh, my, uh, <laughs> my folk rock band from the sixties. Jason and the Harpies. Um, uh -huh. well, uh, it's going to be Pip first, of course, striking with Dagger for three damage on one of these Harpies. Just going to simulate their HP. Da, 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 da. First Harpy is taken down to 22. The second strike is even truer, but with a worse uh, blade, unfortunately. So connects for a total of... Oh, wait. Hang on. What was that first roll? If it did three damage, then it was a seven. That didn't actually connect. Mm. The enemies require an eight or better. This Oops. Is hell. Uh, this is a nine, though, so this will connect. Uh, and that's three above the base hit value for a plus one, four damage. First half, he is on 21 HP. Jason attempts to strike and crits. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Uh, doing... Six plus three, nine to this first harpy, taking them down to 12 HP remaining before the harpy gets to strike itself. All right. Harpy roll. I like to see that. That is a little old snake eyes. Ooh. Pip, unfortunately, doesn't do much better than that on either strike. Nor does Jason. All round of combat. All right. Well, that is going to be a seven, which is a uh, four damage. Mm -hmm. Minus whatever, depending on who's getting hit. Probably us. Yeah, two off of it. So uh, 34, and we don't break our armor. Pip does not manage to strike back with the first hit. Second hit does, though, for a total of three plus one, four damage, taking the first harpy down to eight. 
which means a successful strike here from Jason would be enough to ground this harpy. If only he did. Harpy gets a. Uh, a. Ten. Uh. Ten. Mm. 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 Don't like that. Don't like that. That's four, three, seven, five damage that we'll be taking after this. Oof. And we don't break our armor still. Pip fails to hit with the first dagger. The second dagger connects true, and that's going to be enough to put them down onto the ground unconscious. First harpy dead. One down. Right. Jason turns his attention to the next harpy and fails to hit. All right. Harpy goes for a... That's a four. No problem. Happy to hear it. Happy to hear it. Pip has managed to strike on the second dagger again. Going to do three, four, four damage to the enemy. Taken down to 21. And Jason attempts to follow up with a slightly longer sword than Pip's dagger. And that gives Jason a much better ability to hit with an 11 here, which is six above his hit value for a plus three on the sword. Nine damage, taking the enemy down to, again, 12. All right. We got a an eight. Oof. Which is a, what, three damage? Three damage incurred. 26. Our armor could explode at this point, and we wouldn't die. <laughs> One more piece of armor and it would have exploded as well. Another 11. Ah, Pip. Good work, buddy. Um, that's a classic 5 damage straight to the enemy's face, taking him down to 7 HP. Classic and the five. second dagger is a snake eyes, but Jason, thankfully, Jason doesn't hit either, so it's not embarrassing. Got us a 6. Uh, that'll do 1 damage. 25. Now, if we uh, crit on this roll, we're unconscious, baby. Thankfully, that is about as far as we could get from a crit with a three. Pip does not connect on the first dagger strike, doesn't connect on the second dagger strike. Jason takes note and doesn't either. My gosh, why are these fights are just so... I mean, this one, thankfully, like, there's a big reason. The, the eight plus for a successful Yeah, hit. it's true. That's a seven. Oof. Uh, we're down to 23. No crits. That's not enough to hit. That's a seven. Would have been great against anyone else. Six. That would have been great against anyone else as well, but it still doesn't hit. Jason does manage to connect, and any damage from Jason is enough to take out this second harpy. All right. Third harpy. That's a four. We love to see it. Oh, Pip. Hits for exactly eight. He's going to be doing four damage. And the second strikes two as well. What? I didn't even know that could happen. Uh, for another four damage. All right. He is on 17. Jason also strikes. What? I didn't know it was possible. Not possible. Um, for... Four above the base value of his hit with a plus three. Taking the enemy down to 10 HP. It's theoretically possible the next strike takes him out. All right. A four. Things are <gasps> turning up. Pip. Pip can't strike for anything. And neither Pip. can Jason. Oh. And a three. Things are <gasps> turning up for Jason. Come on. Pip. It does manage to hit on the second strike. For uh, four damage, which is just above the death value of this character, leaving them on six HP, so they're not yet unconscious. Jason doesn't hit. The harpy does 
<laughs> How big? Eight. Okay, that's another three damage. Our armor doesn't break. It doesn't manage to hit either time. Jason does and takes out the final harpy. Uh, Jason's final swing is to use his sword to tear off both of the wings of this harpy and send it plummeting to the ground, whereupon it breaks its neck. Three XP at least. We take it. And 14 on. XP towards the next level. To 160 for doing a murder. <laughs> this place is even bigger inside than it is on the outside, like a TARDIS or a mini, mini miner. As you step through the door, you find your footsteps echoing in a marble-flagged, high-ceilinged hallway. Not at all what you'd expect to find in a little cottage, even if there was room for it, which there certainly should not have been. There's a doorway to your left and a doorway up ahead to your right. Before you race off through either, your attention is caught by a beautifully drawn plan of the place, ornately framed and hanging on the wall beside the door, which you can find on 237. Let's see. You must start from the hall and move through in sequence. So 237, there's a gotcha. So we have, there's the moat, there's the wooden walkway. Interesting. Yeah, we get effectively the the uh, the floor layout of the uh, bottom floor of this building, uh, which seems not too complex. We're currently on 160. It looks like there's a door across the 146. And from that, another door across to 152. Two small secluded rooms. Yeah, so step one, go to one... Or wait, 160 is the page we're on that gave us the map. Yes. So we have to go... Oh, no, we can go to one... We can go to 146 or we can go to, to 80. I will say 80 is north and east. Mm. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the door opens into another hallway. There's a door to the north, door to the west, and a door to the south. And... <laughs> a broad flight of marble stairs leading upwards. But before you go racing off to explore further, there's a small matter of the two guards. They're both quite massive women, dark-haired, beetle-browed, and armed with, of all things, with plus four battle axes. They have 25 life points to strike out of five or better. They're standing as it happens at the foot of the stairs, but they do not seem disposed to let you go anywhere, let alone up them. If you succeed in getting past them, you may leave the hallway, or you shall die. Go to 14. If you decide to return to the section, you will find the guards have been replaced if you ever come back to page 80. So it mm. does say we can bribe them, but we don't have money. It does. It would be great to have money. <laughs> yeah. Man! They're pretty expensive to bribe what it's worth. A thousand apiece. Yeah. Initiative is a th three. Mm-hmm. Pip rolls a three as well. Jason rolls a one. Jason is going to be going last in the combat. Pip also rolls a one for the second. Oh, man. Oh, and a four. So, all right. All right. They go first. I'm going to roll both of their attacks at the same time. Ah. Oh, uh, each of them taking on one of us. Oh, wait. No, you're right. It doesn't say that. So, no, it does not say that. Okay, so that is a five, which is... Oh, they roll on a five or better? Mm-hmm. Yes. A plus four battle axe. So. Oh, my lord. That's two damage to Pip. Maybe we should have drank that a uh, couple doses of that health potion, actually. Um, <laughs> any more armor and we'd be dead. I guess they don't have any... Pip armor. manages. Armor reduction, that's the nice. Strike. 
Sorry? I said, oh, they don't have armor reduction at least. That's nice. Yeah, exactly. Very, very kind of them. Pip actually crits on their second attack here. La-di-da for a total of seven damage. Uh, taking the enemy number one down to 15 HP. Jason attempts to follow up. A big hit from Jason here might have the possibility of putting him on the ground. It doesn't do it, though. Uh, we'll be doing uh, five damage, taking the enemy down to ten remaining, though. All right. She gears up the axe and gets a five, which is kind of it's good, but also annoying. It's the best a hit could be for us. It's true. I, again, I threw an 11. Well, we take Close it. for comfort. Ooh, I would have liked to throw an 11 for my attack, but I'll settle for the nine, uh, which is three above Pip's hit value. And with a plus two dagger, that is the first of them unconscious. Uh, that with the first of them better. unconscious, Pip is going to orient his their attention rather to the second target and <laughs> is not capable of making the pivot successfully, only does uh, snake eyes. Jason, however, does the same. That is a... Oh, that's a nine. That's ungood. Mm. Ungood, I don't like it. That's eight damage reduced by two. We're down to ten HP. Uh... Pip doesn't break armor. You rolling a crit on this first hit is a great, great idea. Love it. So we'll be doing eight damage with Zed crit. Uh, enemy is down on 17 before the second strike of another death. Wow, a 11 for the second strike. Love to see it. Uh, for another six, taking the enemy down to 11 HP remaining. Come on, Jason, you've got this. Uh, Jason, in fact, does not have this. Does manage to strike, but not enough to put the enemy on the ground. They remain on 7 HP at the end of the round. Alright. Uh, that is a Snake Eyes. I'm so glad to hear it. That's also not gonna hit. That will, though, for exactly one damage, putting the enemy on the only value, 6, that doesn't end the fight. Jason does follow up with enough force to take Let's this guard out. Go! Hey, uh, we've got three doses of a healing yes. potion. Yes, I'm going to roll two doses at once. That one is a nine. That one is a seven. So 16, 16 more HP. We're up to 26 out of a max HP of 41. All right. Did you roll one or do you want to roll the other one? Um, should I, I honestly would be fine rolling an additional one at this point because it feels like this is going to yeah. be pretty dense with combat. Well, I got a crit, so we take those. You rolled it. That's 12. 38 HP. All right. All right. Well, uh, we can go to any of the locations previously mentioned or climb the stairs. The fear is that if we, uh, we climb the stairs, if we ever come back to this room, the guards have been replaced. I'm going to be real. I've done too many fights today. I think that maybe the guards are actually tired. <laughs> mm. They may well be, but I don't think we necessarily need to return here. Because yeah, we know we'll what see. 80 is, and where 80 exists, we could literally just walk around the outside of the building and go to everything else that 80 could connect to, except for these stairs. Yeah, I think we go to 98. I agree Let's with that. Let's do it. You climb the stairs, weapon at the ready, taking no chances now after your fight with the Amazons, but the upper floor when you reach it seems to be unguarded. A carpeted corridor has several doors leading off of it. But when you explore, these turn out to be no more than empty bedrooms. A door at the end looks more interesting. 
However, since it's prominently labeled as the King's Bedchamber, there are guard posts at either side of it, but presently deserted. Cautiously, you try the door itself, and it's locked. To attempt to pick the lock, roll a die, score five or six, and you succeed, and in which case go to 197, and otherwise go back. All right. Mm-hmm. I rolled a six. Luck. That's great. I rolled a six. I rolled a six, let it be known. <sighs> 167. Wait, was it 167? Oh, shoot. Was it not? Oh, God. I think I might have it wrong. I thought it was... Oh, no. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Let me search the word pick. Uh, 197. Lock. Okay. The door swings open into an opulent chamber, empty like the rest. Which probably explains why it was left unguarded. No, it wasn't. Eh? Oh, because it... Eh? I guess because there aren't, you know, guards directly standing door. outside yeah. this door. They're just standing at the stairs. Yeah. A curious tapestry hangs above the heap of silken cushions, which presumably serve as serve as a bed. The tapestry shows a large skull with a single eye socket set centrally in the place of the usual two, while underneath has been ornately embroidered the single word beware, which is all very nerve wracking, but you don't but doesn't get you anywhere. You begin methodically searching the room while there is a some very fine clothing. As you might expect in a king's room. Nothing else of value catches your attention until you think to look behind beneath the cushions of the bed itself. And there you find a scroll. The penmanship is almost as bad as Merlin's, which suggests it must be a magical scroll. Wizards generally have handwriting almost as illegible as doctors. But after a few moments concentration, you manage to read the wording. And it's a nice find, too. The scroll is headed Illusion Spell, and the instructions tell you how to create a marvelous magical effect. The spell itself is difficult, since it requires you to throw an 11 or 12 on two dice. Nothing else will activate it, but if you manage the proper score, you create an illusion of a massive flamestorm so powerful that it'll destroy completely any enemy or enemy group, but only provided they believe it to be real. In order to check whether or not the enemy believes the illusion, you must throw one further die... Score above a three, and the enemy believes it. When thrown against a group, you must get the belief check for every enemy involved. Casting the spell costs no life points, and you can use it as often as you wish, but once an enemy disbelieves an illusion, it will never again become effective. All right. So we are going back downstairs. Do you want to move to 139 or 110? Uh, 110, because 110 could also lead us back into uh, 136, I think. Yeah, 110 being a big old hallway. Uh -huh. You've entered a wide corridor, running along the center of which is a series of glass-topped cases. Inside are a variety of quite valuable-looking ornaments in silver and jade. If you decide to, decide to steal some, which will involve breaking the glass, go to 198. Surely, guards. Yeah, I can imagine a world where in the guards are just gonna suddenly appear breaking glass that's a loud sound that's a it's one of the loud sounds mm-hmm i mean so, we can check our plan which means uh we can go anywhere on the uh border of this hallway so that is uh to the north rooms 149 or 138 to the south rooms 89 or 136 138 is to the north and east that sounds good to me uh yeah you have, wait, you have mm -hmm. just time to note this looks like an opulent living room before the guard inside the door biffs you in the head with a massive club, knocking you unconscious. 
Go to 114. Okay. You're in a darkened cell, no more than 10 by 10 inside. By dint of scrabbling around, you find the only door, which is locked. And you have one chance only to try and pick the lock. Throw two dice to determine how difficult the lock is to pick. Make note of your score and throw again. If you throw less on your second throw than your first, then you are unable to pick the lock. And you die. (laughs) All right. Do you want to throw first or second? Oh, throw second. All right. Because I've been rolling badly. I have great news. I have great news. I I got a 10. Five. I rolled, two, I rolled two fives. <laughs> so, Ooh. So, and what it's worth, if you got only five, you still would have been able to try again. If we were exactly matched, there true. would be an ability to try more. But we don't need that. We open the door. Let's nip off to 159. 159. 159. All the way down to 159. Ah, Freedom. Nothing like a good escape to get the old adrenaline flowing. You bound away to 39 where you may pick any of the... Uh, oh. Oh, which means that we're out of the castle now, right? 39 <sighs> yeah. is the 39 island. is the island, which I'm starting to regret being here. <laughs> it's. Would you like to check other things before we come back? I think that that's maybe the call. So. All right. Well, we've got a uh, Demondium Island, a uh, Demond oh. uh, Dim Island rather, and we've also got Dragon Island we could go to instead. Well, oh, I thought you meant check other places on the island before trying to come back to this. Oh, castle. we can do that as well. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. So that wasn't the castle. I think that was, oh, that was us trying yeah. to go to the farm and getting mislaid. Or that was the cottage. Oh, that was the cottage. Right, right, right. The cottage, which was was clearly a castle. Um. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh god, what page? For which, sorry? The city. Or the the island. Sixty. Uh, the island is thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Wow. I'm losing it. Um so yeah, we have the mansion, the castle, the, the village. village, which we've also not gone to. Sure, yeah. And then sixty-five. Cottage, well and lake we have. Let's go to the village in sixty-five. Alright, sixty-five. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? You set out for it. Wait, we knew this was coming, didn't we? Yep. I forgot about. I guess we would have known. Hey, I mean, we didn't. I. We knew this might be a pigsty. What we didn't know is that they would be immediately aggressive. What's going on here? You set out for the village and you ventured up into a pigsty. No question about it. The moment you set foot within the boundaries of the pleasant little village, it turned into a monumental pigsty full of pigs, too, although they're nothing to worry about. What you do have to worry about is the boar. It's ignoring Jason and attacking you. 35 life points, strikes on a 5, and can gore you with plus 3 pusks. The amount of fights is truly staggering. Mm-hmm. Especially considering we have terrible equipment. Making them- You can really tell this wasn't created with a podcast format in mind. Uh... <laughs> I think we should use our poison dagger as our first strike and the plus two dagger as our second strike for uh, our main, our pip here, and that Jason uh, will also help us here. There is only one enemy. I think we can get through this combat relatively quickly, but someone's going to have to roll initiative. Boar! (gasps) Okay, cool. Well, pip is going uh, after the boar and then Jason after them. All right. That is a six, which is a hit, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, uh, for four damage, negated by two, we're down to 36. Please don't explode my armor, though, boar, and you don't. 
Pip strikes back. This is with the Poison Stiletto. Manages to hit quite truly as well. Uh, the Poison Stiletto is a plus one damage weapon. So we'll do five immediately to this boar, taking him down to 30 HP, as well as two poison. Second strike. Woohoo! Baby! Pip can't miss! Uh, and is just another four damage across the chest of this beast. 26. Then Jason is going to try and follow up with a sword strike. Does so, but not as handily as we might have hoped. Uh, gets the enemy down to 21. They've got two poison, which triggers before the start of their round, taking them down to 19, and it's a boar turn. Who gets a five, which is a hit, but not much. That's a hit for only the goring, which would have broken our armor if we had any more. Yes, yeah, so, but only one damage, David. All right, hit. Uh, we don't manage to strike with the poison dagger, nor the other dagger. Uh, and then Jason barely strikes. Another four damage to the enemy, taking him down to 15 HP. They'll take two poison damage before the start of their turn. 13 HP on the board, their turn. Alright, that is another five. An annoying, a, a good annoying thing. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of exact hits going on. No broken yeah. armor, though. Pip does manage another stab with a Poison Stiletto. There are nine charges left in the Poison Stiletto. Uh, the enemy takes three direct to that and now has four poison on them. So any more damage and then at the start of their round they will keel over. And in fact, that's confirmed. Uh, we don't need to simulate any of the rest of the battle. The enemy is on low enough HP that as soon as they begin their turn, they are going to fall prone. All right. Uh, let's see. If you kill the beast, you may re return to 39 and pick a new destination. Or 76 if you fancy searching the sty. I mean, at this point, we've done the dirt, like the, the dirty. Mm -hmm. like we kind of just try and get the reward. Let's do it. This is not a particularly pleasant place to search. But maybe you didn't think it would be. Nonetheless, you do find something. How many keys do we have? Uh, as of this key, seven. You find three! <laughs> you, you find a little golden key. Very small, like something you would see on a charm bracelet. Go back to town. Okay. That, okay, so that that was legitimately that one was a legit. very, very good one. That was a legitimate one to do. We only need three more keys. We were getting them, like, you know, like candy at a parade, and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. we're getting them like candy as an adult when you feel too guilty to eat candy, which is like, I don't know, once a month, if I'm feeling feisty. Uh, I end up buying a lot of red licorice. It all disappears in two days, and then I feel bad for about a month. As soon as I end that month, I forget how bad I felt, and I go buy more red licorice. Yeah, sounds about right. So, mansion or castle? Let's go with the mansion. Alright, so mansion on 51. Part of me feels weird about the fact that they can send you just out of the other place. Like, maybe there isn't a key there? It's weird. I think it's more likely there is something very big there, and it's really trying to distract us from it. Yeah, yeah. What an imposing... Wait, 51? Mm -hmm. Yep, what an imposing edifice. Corinthian pillars, flying buttresses, Grecian arches, uh, bas, -relief. 
bar relief, bass relief. Sorry, from America. I think both of those are legitimate. I think both of those are like actually useful pronunciations that work. Uh, yeah. Tile mosaics, fluted columns, Baroque murals are all featured in the structure. Certain indication that the ar architect was drunk. But drunk or not, it has a certain grandeur to it that must have cost a fortune to erect. There's no guards that you can see, nor is there any sound from within. Should you enter? I can't stop because be I can't read. There. It seems bad. As you step forward, the tiled floor beneath your feet feels peculiar, as though far rougher than it looks, because that's an illusion. Nonetheless, you continue forward through an arching doorway. You knock politely, and the door falls in. This is very peculiar. You find yourself within a towering entrance hall with a high dome ceiling with such magnificence and sweeping proportions that makes you feel slightly dizzy. You lean on the wall to steady yourself, and the wall shakes. There's something badly wrong with the structure, however fine it looks. Do you still want to investigate? 78. Let's figure out how we die on 78. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to say that it's uh, a extremely rickety shack, uh, and we try and interact with a door, and that brings the entire shack down upon us. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Browning, you step forward, your feet echoing on the floor. At once, the entire place caves in, giving you a fleeting glimpse of a ramshackle, jerry-built structure, not at all what you'd been looking at before you plunge headlong into certain actual death. Which, yeah, we knew that much. That makes sense. Yep. So 61 and another death tally. This book is just absolutely chock-a-block full of murder. Mm-hmm. All right. 61 is the castle. The castle looms grimly over you as you approach. It's solidly built from granite slabs, a sinister collection of gothic spires and turrets vaguely reminiscent of the Castle of Darkness, where you once put paid the wicked wizard Anselm. The recollection makes you hesitate momentarily, but where a lesser adventure might have run off screaming, you are made of sterner stuff and press on stupidly. It's thud. Sounds as though an arrow has just whizzed past your ear and buried itself in a tree. But when you look around, there's no sign of it, so you press on. Stud. Another one. Again, you turn, but you can see no sign of the missile. All the same, it might, might be time to have second thoughts about this place. If you want to turn back, 126. If you prefer to turn back, you can... I mean... Same deal, like, just to make sure. Are you thinking, you know, Warpath into yep. Death Wombo Combo? I think at this point... I, I think at this point... Um, we have to. Yeah. With a wary lookout for the Hidden Archer, you move forward again and stop bewildered. The castle, which was looming stoutly over you a moment ago, is now a crumbling ruin, a roofless, part overgrown, little more than a few walls outlining what was once a proud building. You step back in amazement, and the castle's back strongly build, built and sound as ever. Step forward again, you're looking at a ruin. Doesn't take you long to decide what's going on here. Magic, that's what. Some sort of spell casts around this place so that it looks like a castle at a distance, but dissolves into a ruin as you approach closely. That was explained like goosebumps. <laughs> mm -hmm. You pull yourself together and kick a wall. It's definitely a ruin. Ruin of an ancient castle. It's also a haunted ruin. You can see right through the archer who is approaching you, a phantom arrow, arrow notched in a phantom bow. Do you stick around to deal with this spooky creature? If so, 84. Or go back to town, deal with the spooky creature? Or... I think we should deal with the spooky creature. I feel as though, as much as another fight is spooky, <laughs> I think that the ruins may contain things useful. Bingo. Bango. Ahoy there! 
you call. Don't think you can frighten me with your ghostly bow. Your ghostly arrows will go right through me without doing any true damage. Ah, I see. That is true. Agrees the phantom archer in sepulchral tones. But against that, my ghostly touch is so chilling that I can drain half your present life points every time I get my hands on you. <laughs> what? With which he drops his phantom bow and launches himself upon you with bare... And somewhat transparent... Hands. No getting out of this one. Your only consolation is that he can't actually kill you since dividing your current life points in half, however often it happens, will never reduce them to zero. But it could render you unconscious, in which case you'll come to at 39 and will be forever debarred from visiting the ruined castle again. If you are successful, you can do... Okay. All right. Interesting. The Phantom Archer has 35 life? Question mark? Points. Uh -huh. I like that. And hit successfully on an eight or better, removing half of your current life points on each successful strike, whatever the dice show. What health do we have All right now? Right. Uh, so we actually crit on the re-health roll from that recent death. So we have 57 HP. I have good news part two. He rolled a one on initiative. I have great news part three. We roll a six. Jason rolls a two. Us, Jason, ghost. Us, Jason, ghost. Us, Jason, mm. ghost, dead. Oh my good giddy gosh. That's a big old dagger strike. Um, the enemy is five above the hit value, seven. They're going to take seven uh, damage to this. They go down from 35 to 28. And that's just the first strike. We follow up with a, wow, another, also good. Significantly less damage, but also good. Uh, for four more, taking the enemy down to 24 remaining HP before Jason steps up to the plate. Swing, bada bada. And connects cleanly, but not powerfully. Uh, is going to be doing another five damage to the enemy. They take down to 19 life points. Uh, question mark points? All right. Bless my die, reps. Bless, bless, bless. That's a snake eyes. Thank you for the bless. Mm. I've rolled more snake eyes today than I've ever rolled in grail quest so far but i've also rolled more today than i've rolled in grail quest so far so yeah that's true there's a lot of rolling going on in this one uh whoa eight that's also a successful hit for only four damage but that's enough to get them down to 15 hp they're below half value they are bloodied or they would be they're ectoplasmed um they are leaking whatever material constitutes a ghost uh, we strike again with another three damage, taking them down to a total of 12 remaining. Argonaut, you could totally finish this with a six on both die if you wanted to. Uh, unfortunately, you don't. You will be dealing six damage, taking the enemy down to the only value that doesn't make them unconscious. Six. Right. Give me the blast, bless, bless again. Bless, bless, bless. That is a six, which in another situation would be maybe kind of annoying, but in this situation is fine. Mm -hmm. Dagger one doesn't connect. Dagger no. 2 doesn't plus, plus, connect. Plus, 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 plus. Jason, however, does. And uh, in doing so, binds the spirit to a gemstone in the pommel of his sword, uh, trapping oh. it there forever. Beautiful. We are now free to explore the ruin on 173, which, if this has a key, I'm going to be confused. Because since we can't ever, I mean, we'll see. Mm-hmm. There have to be more than 10 keys in that instance, right? 173. 
The ruins were well worth exploring. Beneath the remains of a crumbling wall, you find a smallish casket with which inside is a second casket. Inside is another and another and another and so on until you're down to a teeny weeny little casket no larger than a snuff box. You open the final casket, then step back in alarm as something bright orange expands out of it, growing larger and larger until it looms over you like the side of a candy-striped house. It's a balloon, a hot air balloon, complete with collapsible wicker basket. What a find! You can use this balloon to fly direct to any of the other sections on this island. What? Although, unfortunately, not to any other island. This is not that useful. It, whoa, hang on, it might be. You stay on this page for a second. I'm going to go up to 39, and I'm going to see if there's a location that can only be reached by the nope. hot air balloon. No? Nope. 51, I, 61. I have it all written down. 112, 65, 120, 97, 8. Well! What's the point of this? I have no clue. <laughs> you can Maybe already do the, this. The mansion by, mansion by the shore was the... No, the village was the pigsty. Have we been to the castle on 61? I guess. Yeah, we have. Yeah, that was the, the Dark Wizard Aslan. That's what brought us here. I say yeah, we um... make this useful somehow, and how I say we do it is we can use it to drop down through the ceiling of the cottage castle into whatever room we'd like. I'm down with that. Because this is stupid otherwise. <laughs> it's Especially because it, it, it presumably can't even come off this island. Because if you're not traveling with yeah. it, so, yeah, so 138 is bad. So one, I don't know. Back to the, the freaking little, yeah. What do you think? I'm looking at this and I'm like, what's the hardest place to, what's the hardest room to get to? And the only one that really comes to mind is 152 is the only one that you can't get to from out. Mm -hmm. Unless we like walk out the door and go around to like 106, like, I don't know. I don't know. 152 is like through a couple rooms but also that might ruin some uh, yeah exactly i mean we've been linear. in 160 before which was the original entrance to that area so if we just took the left door from there like if we dropped down on the moat yeah entered and then went left we would go to 146 which might be the uh, bridging room before 152 yeah. i also think it's possible this is just like two closets that is very true 146 well it's somewhere you can hang your hat if you had one which presumably you don't this is a cloakroom. What a bore! Go back to the plan to see where you can go next. Which we can go to 152. It has a door. We can indeed. We can keep on going through. It's interesting it doesn't mention that. Alright, this is a loo, but luckily it's empty, so you didn't embarrass anybody by bursting in the way you did. Okay, well, we found a closet in the toilet. <laughs> so, alright, so let's get in All our right. balloon and then crash down on 136. Or, do you have, actually, wait. Uh, no. We could literally just enter 110 from outside and then go straight to 36 as well. Um, yeah, you're all right. of these, yeah, a lot of this is relatively open because of the amount of entrances there are. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, 136 is next. We yeah, we don't, we don't even, I, I made up a fun little way to cheat, and I, there's not even a way, there's no logical reason to even cheat. <laughs> all right. This is someone's study. Wait, 136? Mm hmm. This is someone's study. The shelves around the walls are full of parchment scrolls, quite possibly containing the most powerful and useful spells known in the universe. Mm. Unfortunately, there's someone in the study, a rabble, rather feeble, gray-haired, gray-bearded old man with spindly legs, wearing a ridiculously short Grecian tunic. He's studying one of those interesting scrolls at the table as you enter. He looks up short-sightedly, and I'm... Oh, 
short-sightedly. I'm afraid you're not allowed in here. He says, whoever you are. I'm so sorry. He says in a quavering okay. voice. King Conscience only permits me in here, so you'd better uh, shove off, as the young people nowadays say, before you get into trouble. You could try for a friendly reaction, although it hardly seems worth the bother, since this old idiot can't have more than 15 life points to his name. You can see immediately that he would need an aid or better to hit you because he's so short-sighted. More to the point, he's unarmed and so frail that he would only score dice damage on a successful hit. Oh. Oh. So, scoring dice damage does not mean score the damage it says on the dice. It means don't add anything. So... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So that... But, like, in the other situation... It made sense in the other situation. The other like, situation, oh, it's magical. a dice damage. I know. It's, I think... Yeah. Oh, that's true. All right. Uh, if you decide to try for a friendly reaction and succeed, go to 158. If you decide to fight him and get it over with, turn to 195. If you decide to shove off... Well, you might as well try for a friendly reaction, I guess. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you roll his uh, befriendability? So what do I need? Roll that one die. The it's first just die. Just one die. Just roll a die? Mm-hmm. I got a five. Is that... Oh, that's possibly doable. And then I roll three dice, and I have to get under that? Yes, three dice. I got dice. a two. That's nice, but... Two I got a one? Another one? So I need to roll under it, though? Uh, yes. I'm going to need you to roll this last one because I don't... I oh. I have awful news about my final roll. Okay, then I'm going to roll it. I got a six. <laughs> Dang. Let's kill him. <laughs> We're going to kill this man. I wish I didn't have to, but... Uh... Let's use the spear. <laughs> Stab him straight. Let's do it. I mean, he can only hit every second round as well, so... Um, roll for initiative. Six. He's very ready, though. Ooh, okay. Well, um, Pip is going to be going last, but Jason also rolled a six. So roll against Jason for four. Six. He's so ready. He's so ready to do- I'll get you, little creeps. Basically no damage. All right. <laughs> he rolls a four. Mm-hmm. Can't hit us. Jason- Strikes back for uh, four damage, leaving the enemy with 11 life points to their name. And a five and a five from Pip with the first dagger is four above value, two more. So again, puts them on six HP. Wait, hang on. Four above, two more. So take six away from them. So they're on uh, five, which means this enemy is unconscious. Murdered, 195. I'm going to feel bad about this. He's too easy to kill. He must be good. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly can't be good, but hey. 195. How about you, you senile old fool? You cry, leaping towards him with a triumphant, triumphant whoop. But the senile old fool waves a senile old hand and mutters, Scrunch and Azuma bath neck to Bane Dumkoff! In which case, you find yourself seized by a magical whirlwind similar to those used by Merlin for his teleportation spells, which transports you up into your hot air balloon as you spin dizzying in darkness for what seems like an eternity before you emerge back on your hot air balloon and you can go where you want. Smile. Do you object? 
It sends us back to the boat. Oh, not at all, especially because it says you'll have to... Uh, yeah, risk, it says you can come uh, back. Yeah, exactly. Risk uh, beginning the whole island at the beginning if you succeed. Uh, we have a hot air balloon. Yeah, that is tr- that is true. Wait, this is actually the... No, that's actually the only real use for the hot air balloon. Wait, you're right. Not even cheesing it. Okay, back to the freaking castle cottage... This is, I hate this place. You're not going to be able to make him friendly. I hate this place. All right, 104. I'm just picking randomly. Love it. Because these all are stinky. So 104 is one of the uh, outside uh, areas. That is to say, it only connects to the outside. It's a fuel storage, which has wood mostly neatly chopped and stacked with a mound of peat drying off in one of the corners. There's an axe just inside the door, very sharp, but too unwieldy to use as a weapon. You can nick it if you would like, although the chances are it will weigh you down with no great benefit. If you want to search further, turn to 94. Nothing wrong with a little bit of an extra search in an area. We might find a key on 94. You found it! Two gold, a little golden key. What a curious little place to hide it. There's no indication of what it might be used for, but it's best. Is there not? But it's best to keep it carefully. All right. Well, thank That's our eighth key. Just a random. Wow, there's so much struggle and turmoil in this place, and then the, the keys are just sitting on the floor, in mm-hmm. like the pigsty and just like the fuel room. What the hell is going on? All right, so eighty nine, I suppose. Eighty nine seems good. So that would be ducking into the long hallway, and I'm taking an immediate left. All right, what a pleasant room. A private temple of some sort, to judge by the appearance. The walls are painted light blue, as is the ceiling, and there's blue carpet on the floor. Towards the center of the room stands a twin pair of blue crystalline pillars, and behind them a blue altar. Blue light shimmering from the blue pillars. Blue himself, with a blue little window and a blue corvette. (laughs) A pool of blue illumination on the carpet. On the altar stands a crystal chalice, which contains a liquid of some description. Interesting options here. You can, of course, simply leave the way you came in without doing anything. Alternatively, you can try drinking the liquid in the chalice, in which case you have two further options. Approach the chalice through the pillars, which means standing in the pool of blue light, or by going around the pillars, avoiding the blue light completely. Uh, Last time we interacted with blue light was the uh, trilothon, and it teleported us back to our boat. That is true. So should we try 130? Is that going around? Yeah, I think we should definitely walk around. All right. 130. Yuck, it tastes foul. What's more, the potion has weakened you so that the next time you fight, you will automatically score one half the damage. Uh, Fortunately, it wears off after one combat. It's not all bad news if you take the rest of the liquid with you and throw it at a monster. Which requires a six or a better on the dice. It has the same effect on the monster during the ensuing, ensuing fight. Of course, if you throw it and miss, the monster will never give you a friendly reaction since monsters generally don't like liquid being thrown at them. Check your plan to find out where you can go when you leave the temple. Okay. Not that bad. We're doing half it's damage fine. this fight, but in the future we can make enemies do half damage. Yeah. 149. Uh, yes. That would be uh, across the other side of the uh, Down corridor. Down the hallway. Somebody eats in style. This is a dining room and a very impressive one at that. The table has been laid as if for a banquet, although there are no signs of any guests yet. If you're peckish, you can sample some of the goodies Oh, at 174. We're not currently missing any HP, so this would exclusively be the possibility of finding a key. I say this is... I don't think so. 
it's never i don't think we go for it okay i i, I could be <laughs> sample the goodies let's keep it in mind i'll mark i'll draw a little bit of a a comedic cartoon chicken leg on my map yeah that's a cartoon like chicken drumstick mm-hmm. so we can come back to that if we are in dire need of things to check for now, we can take the nearest door to 106, which is the final completely unexplored room. Mm-hmm. Are they back yet? The question comes from a small group of burly cooks who fortunately seem to imagine you have every right to be there and are very obviously obviously supposed to be in the kitchens. There's not much cooking going on. However, the cooks are playing a game of dice. And losing a lot of their money at it as well. Are who back yet? You ask, frowning. The king's hunting party, of course. We can't get the dinner on until they bring us back a side of venison. No, you say. They're not back yet. Guessing there would be more people about if there were. Oh, that's all right then, says the cook. Say, want to play a game of dice? If you decide to join the dice game, all you have to do is stake any number of gold pieces above ten. Do we have any gold? Uh, we have zero gold pieces above ten, and we also have zero gold pieces. This game must stop if you run out of gold. If you decide to not bother, go back to... Okay, all right. Uh, I will put... He starts with 5,000 gold pieces. He's quite prepared to lose all of them. <laughs> <laughs> the cook begins the game with 5,000 gold pieces. Is quite prepared to lose, keep playing until he loses all of them or until you decide to call it a day. I love that. All right. Well... Well, that's the end of the explorations in this area. Yeah, that's... That's that. So I guess we zip back. I guess we're leaving to go to a different island now, or am I missing something that we could have done? I believe we're going to another island at this point. I think that's everything here we're explored, free. except the things we denied exploring. Right on. All right. You want to go to Demondium, Demondium Island, the technically closest uh, one to us? We're currently on shipwreck. And yes. Let's do it. All right, so that is 12. Let me roll to see if we get lost. We definitely don't. That is an 11. Hey, great news. It was the nearest island to us as well. Is it? So uh, the it, it looks like the, oh, the uh, reef nice. extends pretty far. It's true. I would consider Maiden's Call to still be closer, though, but it also doesn't matter because yeah. I rolled well. Hell yeah. This does not look like a South Sea Island paradise. No glistening beaches, no waving palms, no hula dancers trying to avoid the lawnmower. Instead, your trusty vessel draws towards a desolate, gloomy cliff face with the barren, rock-encrusted sweep of land stretching out beyond into a dark horizon. Far to the north, smoke and fumes are rising, suggesting some form of volcanic activity and casting a low, sullen pall across the entire island. You skirt the cliff face cautiously, looking for a safe place to beach, but there is none. Eventually, you find two narrow inlets, one to the west, one to the south, but depth surroundings with a plumb line soon convince you that these are too shallow for the ship to navigate. If you want to investigate the island, you must use the tiny rowboat stored on the ship's upper deck, but this means going alone. This feels like they thought this was going to be the first place we'd go. Mm-hmm. If you decide to risk a solitary journey, turn to page 19. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there might, 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 be, might be a key here. A brave decision! exclaims one of the Argonauts. But which inlet will you take? Which is, of course, the $64,000 question. Or will be once dollars are invented. Western Inlet, 23. Southern Inlet, 33. Neither of these are... I, perhaps I hate these choices. Neither are north nor east. 
In the world in which we prefer north first and then east, that should mean, in theory, we prefer west over south. Due to the fact of south being more opposite the one we prefer most. I like it. So Don't we have west now determined that west, west is now tier three because of this. And of course, south is the worst. Of course. As you pull bravely towards the inlet, a sweep of white water across its mouth catches your attention. And while you're new to the seafaring business, you suspect it indicates a line of reefs. The problem now is you can navigate them safely, and since you have no chart to guide you, it seems to be a largely a question of luck. It's can you navigate them safely? It's a question of luck. You could always turn back, but of course, if you do, your crew... A superstitious lot who believe in golden sheep will insist that you leave this island alone from now on, but the choice is yours and you have the option of selecting another destination from your chart. Uh, roll two dice. There's three different options. Go ahead. Do you want to roll both or one of the die? I'll roll one. I got a four. Oh, I roll a one, so we get our five to nine option on 63. It's the middle one. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the middle best. It's just the one that's in the middle. Swiftly, decisively, you turn your boat in the direction of the reefs, and bravely, you pull upon the oars. Terrifyingly, your craft is seized by current. Closer and closer, you race towards the white water, and you don't really want a graphic description of what happens to you next now, do you? You just slip away quietly to page 14. We die. 49 max HP for this new, uh, new life. Uh, Alright, do we want to try the other <laughs> inlet? Sure. Which one did we take? Uh, 23 or 33? Which one did we take? Uh, we took 23, so we're right, go uh, this time going to 33. All right, that's another mark of death for us. Mm -hmm. That's five deaths. That's too many. Drawing steadily on the oars, you approach the southern inlet, the stretch. I will say, uh, we since we have died, the mm. potion also theoretically wore off of half damage, right? Yep. Theoretically. Beyond, you can still see the barren beach in the sullen pall of the island, lonely, menacing island. What will you find there? What adventures await you? What? If you had been paying attention, you might have noticed the great head emerging out of the water directly in front of you. It's approximately the size of a horse. The head of a horse. And somewhat similar in shape, except for the fact that it has the most remarkable fangs you've ever seen, fully six inches long and dip dripping in green slime, fully attached to a long, sinuous neck. Courageously, you pull the boat around and you try and run for it, but the... <laughs> But the creature moves far too swiftly for that maneuver, and in a moment it is reared up and towering high above you, poised to strike. You hardly need telling this is trouble. What we have here is undoubtedly a sea serpent. A big one. These creatures who enjoy a breakfast of maritime adventurer have never been known to give a friendly reaction or accept bribes of any sort. Thus, it's fight or be eaten. Oh my lord. Oh my lord. It's got 80 health points. And strikes out a six or better, plus four damage. With those fangs. If you get really lucky and kill it, you'll lose your... Wait, if you get really lucky and kill it, you will lose your boat weapons and equipment in this fight. But you'll reach the shore without further hassle. What? There you can use a piece of driftwood to fashion a plus two basher and explore Demondium Island at 38. What? Mm, interesting. So, we would lose all our items. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, we don't have great items, to be fair. <laughs> that is true. I, I think if if the game is okay with the idea of us losing all items and being on the shore with a plus two basher, that it might be trying to insist that we don't need all of them in order to succeed. But, 
yeah, not, not, not entirely certain about that. What I will say I'm certain about is that we do have an illusion scroll if we wanted to try and fool the enemy into not fighting us. Um, I like that. Alternatively, we also do have uh, 10 Argonauts, 1 Hercules, 1 Jason, and 1 Achilles fighting no, as well as us. we went off alone. Oh, we're off alone here? Okay, oops, yeah. oops, oops. It's sad we went off alone. So, the options in my eyes are, we are so far in. We could check the other path and see if there's another, like, successful route. Mm-hmm. We could we could simulate the inevitable death that this fight is going to be, and then come back another route and like keep this as a like I'm gonna draw a big old evil dragon breathing fire, mm-hmm. and we could come back to this if it seems like we literally have to, and then we'll see what, what's up there. I uh not not an alternative to your plan, but possibly uh, co joint with it. Uh, if we do that, I think we should do two steps as well in our, uh, you know, zoomed over, uh, reliving of the experiences we've had up until this point. And that would be, number one, we go to the Easter Island Head and we pull the right lever, gaining for ourselves, oh, 3,500 gold, as it turns out. Uh, yeah. and then number two, we go visit Gopi Krishna and pay him enough money to hang out with us, because this is a serpent. You are right. This is a serpent. I think you're right, and I think we do that, because at this point, this is getting so absurdly long that I think we need to make some concessions. I, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, we gotta make some concessions. I say that, and that's not even really a concession, it's just speeding up the fact that we absolutely die to this. Like, unless mm-hmm. we get really lucky, and if we get really lucky, it will still take a really long time. So I think we... Um- do that i i think we should do that uh but i think that uh before doing that i would like to try and use the illusion scroll because it's possible we could just end the. i guess that's true all right i will roll for that what did we need uh an 11 or a 12 i got a 10 <laughs> okay uh, it's not gonna do enough all right i'm so gonna we... say it just breaks our ship in half and we are we die save state save state save state back to okay so we go back we pull the correct lever we know the answer is two we pull the lever gold coins rain down upon us we and we hold our arms out wide and we scoop up three thousand gold coins we get the little amulet that makes it so the first the first attack of every fight from an enemy has minus one which is not mm-hmm. even that, it's not that crazy, but it's something that is true. We have that mm-hmm. as well. We swoop on over, we spend 10 gold per zone that we have Gopi. Mm-hmm. And we do that to move to Demond the Mile. And we are back Demond here. Demond the Mile? And then the uh, Southern? Yep. And then we say, Sick him, boy! All and, right, I see there's a serpent ahead of us. I'm going to get it, and I'll be back in just a moment. Oh, oh, it appears to have died of a heart attack upon seeing me. <laughs> I'll still require pay. And then it dies, and we lose everything as we approach the island on page 38. Mm-hmm. Although, we also get our 20th point of experience for taking down this beastie, getting us our 38th maximum HP point. This was a bad roll for our HP. Mm-hmm. 
After all the hassle of getting here, you might be wondering why you even bothered. This is the grottiest island you've ever visited. The towering cliffs you've noticed when you were trying to find a better way in with your boat just aren't confined to the coastline. They're everywhere. The island has bare, is bare of vegetation no more. It's more than a gigantic rock, which has been lurched out of the seabed. But out of the rock, there's been gouged craters and valleys so that the cliff faces seem to rise around you wherever you go. It's also quite chill here, which is peculiar considering the overall climate. Wonder why it's called the Demande Mile? You began a some systematic search, although, to be honest, you weren't all that sure anymore what you were actually searching for. You need to get back to King Arthur's time, of course, but how to do so is another matter. Basically, you're searching for something that might come in handy. So you enter a valley. More towering cliffs on either side. And travel westwards until, to your chagrin, you discover that you are in a dead end. The valley simply stops at nothing other than a towering cliff to the west. Nothing else for it but to come back the way you came. You turn and discover what, why they call this Demondum Isle, no more than 200 yards away, are a range of six Demondum. The creatures are about the size of baboons. And not unlike them in general appearance. They are a hairless, fearsomely fanged, moving restlessly, and somewhat upright, sometimes on all fours, somewhat quietly. Their faces are almost featureless, save for the huge black orbs which presumably serve as their eyes. One of them moves a little forward from the pack, stands upright, gives a vent to a high-pitched wailing howl before dropping back on all fours, moving restlessly to join his fellows. You're painfully aware of the cliff wall at your back that cliffs at your side. Not to mention the fact that the only weapon you have in handy is that stupid driftwood club. The pack moves towards you a few yards, then halts. And this time, all six emit that eerie, high-pitched howl with the black orbs of their eyes seeming to stare hungrily into your very soul. Isn't this chilling? You grip your club firmly, sensibly look around you for some means of escape. At first, there seems to be none, and suddenly you notice a cave mouth. Little more than a crack, really. About 30 feet above you in the face of a northern cliff. Climbing to it would not be easy, especially with a demondum pack snapping at your heels, but your judgment is that it would not be impossible either. The demondum pack wails again and starts forward in your direction, a cautious, erratic, restless movement that'll nonetheless bring them on you within moments. This is make-your-mind-up time. Move forward to bravely meet them on 86 or try climbing down the cave. Um? Boy, I mean, we probably have to climb down the cave, right? I don't, like, we do have a plus two weapon, which is not the world's worst, but uh, if these enemies are anything above 15 HP, it's going to take infinite rounds of combat and we'll die in that time. Yep, 131. This will not be an easy climb, especially since the creatures are moving faster now, and will almost certainly be at the foot of the cliff before you're even halfway up. Throw two dice! Score below 9, go to 25, above, and go to 48. I have rolled a 9. Oh, oh 9 or above. Oh, I thought yeah, it literally... I, th I thought I found a, a plot hole. I thought it said score below 9, <laughs> go to 25, score above, go to 48. Score so, exactly 9, turn to whatever page you want. Yeah, 48... Which end might not even be good. Below you, the demandamen are congregated, staring upwards and wailing, making no attempt to emulate your climb. You reach the cave mouth, squeeze through without a backwards glance. You're in a rock fissure, narrow at the mouth, but widening slowly as it penetrates northwards. Ahead of you, strangely, is a dim blue-green luminescence, which, as you move forward, you discover it originates from the clumps of mold and fungus on the walls. The light gives it that it gives off is low, but as your eyes adjust, you find it gives you at least an outline of your surroundings. 
The fissure widens again, then branches, one narrow route going northwest, the other more opening to northeast. Although concerned that the demonium may yet still follow, you nonetheless take your time to consider the alternatives. The route to the northwest is so confined that should you meet anything, you'd scarcely have room to swing your club. The other route is definitely wider, but if there's any enemies here, it's certainly the wider route that they would use. And of course, you have no means of knowing where the either route will lead, or have you. Scratched on the rock wall near the divide is a diagram which might, just might, be a plan of the caves ahead. Study the diagram below and make your choice. Oh boy. Uh, it's... what the heck? 27. So we can go to 27 or 20, or, or 66, and in those paths, it has kind of that cipher again. I can only presume. Yeah. It's it's got two of them uh labeled as uh, CDZSG which one can only assume is probably dead end considering two of them are labeled that and they both appear to be dead ends. I guess we basically get to choose whether or we go to uh Dr. Bizod or uh the CD Lean Michael. Mm. I mean I do like the northeast. Ooh, that's on 66. Get yeah. our kicks on the route there. <gasps> Oh my god. You negotiate the wider passage to the northeast without incident until it opens abruptly into a large cavern, and now that your eyes have become accustomed to the fungus glow, you notice immediately that the cavern has three exits, leading due east, due north, and a third to the northeast. Or if you wish to search the cavern you're in, go to 151. I mean, you know what? Let's not search the cavern we're in. 55, northeast. That's always right. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh 50 <laughs> 55 it's quite bright in here very bright in fact the light is coming from what looks like a lava pool bubbling at the very center of the cavern so cautiously you approach the pool half convinced the heat will keep you up from the edge but in fact the fiery surface of the pool lies somewhat 10 to 15 feet down a natural shaft so that while you're sweating profusely by the time you reach the edge you remain unburned you peer over curiously at that precise instant, the lava erupts, throwing an absolutely delightful and spectacular fountain of fire upwards. You appreciate the memory of this natural wonder all the way to page 14, where you are killed. Mmm. Okay. Ouch. So, okay. 34-36. Is that, yeah? Sorry? 34 34-36? 34-36? Uh, I, I... 34 is Where east. is this? 34 is east. Yep. Uh, our new HP value is 49, by the way, and that was our seventh death. This is not, by and large, the one place you'd visit naturally or would choose for a picnic. You're in a vast natural amphitheater open to the sullen sky with rock terraces packed to capacity with the demandum. The noise is terrifying since the creatures continually call to one another in weird high-pitched trilling voices as they leap from the terrace to terrace, squatting to regard you grimly with those huge black orbs of eyes. On the amphitheater floor itself, lonely as a Roman gladiator, you stand prepared for the worst, wondering vaguely why you ever let Merlin talk you into these lunatic adventures, especially since the old fool can't even get his spells right. You look around you, desperately searching for some means of escape, but there's none. Uh, the entrance to the arena is now sealed by a solid wall of demonic fighters, grinning muscular creatures armed with granite clubs that look as if they could do plus 10,000 damage even on a near miss. In the exact center of the arena, arena is a granite slab, suspiciously like a sacrificial altar, with a basalt pil pillar set at either end. Even in your present extremity, those pillars intrigue you, for they do not seem to be natural formations. Embedded in each 
At intervals, our tiny shards of mica are both topped by multifaceted blocks of crystals. But before you have much time to contemplate the mystery of the pillars... Or worry about that sacrificial altar, come to that. The horde of the demandum fall abruptly silent, and you swing around at a... Wait, swing round at a tiny sound behind you to find the demandum fighter guards have been parted to allow the entrance of a tall, robed figure. Face totally hidden by the heavy hood through slits in which two red eyes glitter fairly as they look to look onto your lock onto your own. The figure, which seems more human than Demondum by its posture, walks slowly towards you, carrying an extremely nasty-looking curved and crystal-bladed knife. Although the Demondum seem immune to attack, you might try your luck against them on fifth. Wait, attacking this hooded figure on fifty-eight, you could try cunning. By falling down on the ground, drumming your heels, frothing in the mouth, and generally trying to convince them that you are essentially a harmless lunatic. Or you can just wait and see how things turn out on 45. Go down swinging. You think we'd try and go for a murder? Oh, what? Well, hmm, um, I guess we can just wait and see how things turn out. I, w I was thinking, like, this seems like a, a situation where it's uh, probably most warranted to attack or die. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go at 58. Let's do it. Let's do it. I see two keys around his neck. Oh. You shriek using your best martial arts war cries. You fling yourself upon the hooded figure, who, however, dodges nimbly aside. An excited trilling erupts from the Demondum terraces. But the fighter guards... Rather surprisingly... Make no move to interfere with you. Stop and desist, adventurer bold. Exclaims the hooded figure. Although you may find yourself in days of old, this impetuous move may yet prove not exactly worth its weight in gold. What an odd thing to say, but odd or not, will you take the advice and stop attacking the hooded figure on 45, or continue with the attack on 143, or you decide belatedly that you're going to pretend to be a lunatic on 71? Okay, I'm open to alternative options at this point. I mean, he's speaking in rhyme. I'm thinking this is the poetic... Fiend. Mm, okay, I like that. Take the advice and uh, stop attacking. Yes. 45. Shoot. The hooded figure throws back its hood to reveal a chalk white face with glittering red eyes and canine fangs protruding delicately over his lower lip. With the hood back, the robe falls open at the neck to give a glimpse of a high wing collar and a white tie over a ruffled opera shirt. The once hooded figure speaks. <laughs> what a pickle you're in, my dear young friend, but fear not, nor get hot under the color, for you can bet your bottom dollar I will save you in the end. A huge cheer erupts from the terraces of the Demondum. It's the poetic fiend, famed every adventurer, the length and breadth of Avalon is the worst the worst versifier in the history of the universe. But what on earth is he doing here in another time on Demondum Isle? Swiftly, you compose a suitable reply. I shall not fear, for you were here right from the start, O oh, master of the poetic art. Not very good, but at least it's flattering, which is all that really counts with a poetic fiend, and another cheer goes up from the terraces. Whoa, well said, exclaim, exclaims the fiend delightedly. What a great joy for me to have made another fellow poet, and how our audience loves us. He turns and bows, smiling to the delirious Demondum. Really, they do so enjoy a good rhyme. I could scarcely believe my luck when I found this island. No sooner had I first composed my ode to them than they made me king and high priest all rolled into one. 
A remarkable show of appreciation. But enough of this nostalgia. We gotta get you out of here. Uh, the last I heard, the Saxons were invading Avalon. Excalibur had been stolen, and Merlin was suffering from a concussion. So the sooner you find yourself wet, the better. I wonder if you'd mind awfully stretching out on that sacrificial altar stone. Hmm. Uh, I don't mind. <laughs> for for him, I will. I don't care. What do you think? So it's and he gestures vaguely to that wicked crystal bladed knife. So oh, we can shoot. go lie uh quietly on the altar stone at one forty eight, or we could think blow this for a melodian band and take another swing at the poetic fiend. Absolutely not, poetic fiend. I like him. One forty eight. I like him until yeah. It's completely innocent until we get literally murdered by him in the past he's been good to us all right meekly stupidly you stretch out on the altar stone the fiend bends over you clutching the wicked crystal bladed knife take that he exclaims handing you the weapon it is of course a magical blade it never misses and it will absolutely kill anything in one single blow the only thing you're gonna worry about is getting in that first strike Unfortunately, once it hits, it shatters so it can only use it once, but it's better than nothing, eh? Uh, keep it carefully and use it wisely. Uh, now, one more thing. Uh, you'll need this as well. Oh, and he hands you two golden keys. No bigger than the sort of thing you'd find on a charm bracelet. Uh, but what's it for? You ask curiously. Never mind that now, says the fiend. Time is breathing. Just don't lose it, which is actually quite difficult to do since it'll remain with you even if you're in page 14. Now, close your eyes and listen carefully. I'm about to compose another of my modestly brilliant verses. It'll be incomplete. Your job is to think up a final line. He takes a deep breath, smiles at the waiting demandum, and intones. Uh, would you like to complete this or shall I? You can complete this. An adventurer bold named young Pip was required to return to his ship, but he never dreamed with the help of the fiend. No. Uh, and he returned. Man. I don't know how many. I don't know the. Oh, gosh. How many uh, syllables in the final? Uh, this. I think a limerick structure is, is more about uh, which the setup is. So. An adventurer bold named Young Pip. So it rhymes with Pip. Yeah. And he returns to Lost Island, ten keys on his hip. Oh! With the help of the fiend, he returns to Lost Island with ten keys on hip. He pauses expectantly, waiting for you to complete the limerick, which we did. When you do so, but not before, turn to 103. At once, a huge, crackling electrical arc leaps from the one cri crystal to the other, and races down the pillars, splitting and hissing into the distinct smell of ozone until it reaches the altar stone where you're lying prostrate. You're enveloped in a flash bright, of bright blue flame. Your surroundings vanish momentarily, all is blackness. You look around, firmly expecting to find yourself on page 14, but are in fact back on board the Argo, clutching your crystal-bladed knife and a little golden key. When the Argonauts get over their surprise at your sudden appearance, you may turn to the sea chart and set sail for a new destination. Theoretically, with all it's their stuff time. back, since we're on the ship. Yeah. It's time to head to 122. Let's do it. Let's go. Uh, now, this is the lost island that we had been to before, so there is no need immediately yeah. to go through all of it, except for the fact that there is a massive bronze handle with some distance above our head, no fewer than 10 
tiny keyholes. Thankfully, we have 10 tiny keys for these 10 tiny keyholes. In which we insert the keys and turn to page 153. You insert the keys one after another. As the 10th is pushed home, there's a grinding of massive gears and the huge door swings slowly open behind it. It's a stone-lined corridor as gigantic as the door itself. Although gloomy and foreboding as the door opened, the walls of the corridor quickly began to glow with a soft, warm, inviting light. Encouraged, you step forward, wondering what you'll do if the great door slams shut behind you, but nothing happens. Take a cautious step forward, and the great store door slams shut behind you. <laughs> For a great moment, you stand seized by panic, then with a gentle musical note, a luminous green arrow appears in the floor almost beneath your feet. Then another appears a short way ahead, then another, and then another, making a trail with nowhere to go, you follow. They continue to appear as you move forward, taking you some 200 yards along the massive corridor until quite suddenly it branches. They continue to the right, to your left, another corridor opens. Continue following the arrows on 196 or turn left on 119. I trust these arrows. Let them betray us on 196. Exactly. Let the arrows indeed betray us. We will not falter. You follow the luminous green arrows as the tunnel turns upwards and eventually emerges to a blinding sunlight. When your eyes adjust, you can see you are standing on a broad, flat, grassy plain, slap-bang center of which stands a towering pyramid. And hurrying towards you from the direction of the pyramid is a very familiar white-robed figure wearing his pointed wizard hat over a thick bandage around his head. Merlin! You call excitedly. Merlin, it's you! Of course it's me! Merlin exclaims grumpily. Who else would it be? And what kept you? Messing about with monsters, I'll be bound, like all young adventurers now. Uh, no sense of proportion. No, no, indeed. Excuse me, sir, but what happened to your head? It collided with a bucket. <laughs> Merlin tells you irritably. Uh, but never mind that now. Remember while you've been amusing yourself and lolling about in the sun, the Saxons have been invading Avalon. Hordes of them. Great hairy men in great hairy ships. Worse still, the king has lost his sword. Excalibur itself mislaid it or it was stolen or some such. Oh, he can't even fight now. So we have to get back. At least you do. You're the only one who could stop the Saxons. And find Excalibur come to that, although <laughs> that will have to be later. Now, you've dispatched the Saxons first. Uh, quickly now. I'm afraid I don't have my sword with me either. You tell him apologetically. I mean, I haven't had old EJ on this whole adventure. Sword? Asks Merlin. Sword? Why are you blathering about a sword? You can't see off a whole army with just a sword. Oh, however good it is. No, you need magic. Great magic. Superlative magic. Magic of almost unimaginable potency. I'm afraid I don't have any of that either. Nothing that would be put paid to the entire Saxon army. Oh, neither do I, says Merlin. But there's something suitable in the pyramid. All we have to do is get it, and we'll be back off to Avalon. He hesitates, almost imperceptibly, then adds, uh, Watch out for the mummy. And since Merlin never gives you a choice about anything, you better enter the pyramid on 203. What? You notice with growing alarm that Merlin is ranging well back as you step into a gloomy tunnel which plunges into the heart of the towering pyramid. But there is nothing else for it except to press on. The tunnel runs level for about 100 yards, then ends in a flight of stone steps downwards. 
You descend into what seems to be a cubicle stone-lined crypt in the center of which is a granite sarcophagus. There's nothing else at all within the chamber, not even a hint to the superlative magic that Merlin mentioned. You move forward to examine the sarcophagus. The lid has been beautifully carved and decorated to resemble the reclining body of some ancient pharaoh. Egyptian hieroglyphs have been cut into the sides. The worksmanship is so perfect that it takes you nearly five minutes to discover the hidden clasp. But before, but to discover it, you do, and when you release it, the lid of the great granite coffin swings soundlessly open. Hello, sucker, says the mummy within, reaching for you with a huge bandaged hand. Although largely rotted away, this animated corpse still retains 33 life points, which may not seem all that much until you realize it's magically protected so that every dice roll you make to hit is at a minus five. Even magical weapons, which would normally hit against uh, things automatically, require a roll of five or better to work against this horror. The mummy, on the other hand, scores full dice damage. No pluses. And hits successfully on a four or better. What's worse, the mummy's touch is poison, so that after his first successful hit, you lose five additional life points during each subsequent round in combat. Including your own strikes. Oh my goodness. Due to the poison eating away your insides. The only good news is if you manage to kill the mummy, the action of the poison stops. Should you fail, it's up to 14, although you may return directly to the island at 122 with the golden keys intact. When you've re-rolled your life points, should you manage to slaughter the mummy, you'll find the black of any staff in the sarcophagus. Okay. So, even if ma even with magical weapons that will normally hit automatically, is that relevant? So we have the thing that can kill immediately if it hits, uh, right? Yeah, but if I recall correctly... That dagger still requires a six, so uh, yeah. it hits at a negative five, so we have to roll 11 or better to hit. <laughs> uh, well, we'll try, and then worse comes to worse, it sounds like what well, poison would be. Oh, no, because it's a hit. Mm. Mm. Are we here with all of the people? I don't know if we are. I don't believe so. Well, I don't believe so. Perhaps we try and... Well, first of all, initiative, I guess. That's a three. That's beatable. Uh, just very quickly checking if I can find the rules for the crystal knife anywhere. I did have it, and now I don't. Uh, I'll roll for our initiative, though. So, we checked out the uh, crystal knife's rules, and it is a magical weapon that never hits. It never hits. Never misses, <laughs> rather. Uh, which means it is going to be rolling at a negative five. On a single strike, though, it will take the mummy out. No, it's... Or, yeah, wait. Even magical weapons which require a roll of five or better to work. Wait. Even magical weapons which would normally hit automatically, which this would require okay. a roll of five okay. or better. Okay, so work. it just needs a five or better. Yep, and it's a dagger as well, so we get two attack rounds. Uh, We rolled a six for the combat initiative. You rolled... Was it two? Oh, God, I can't remember. It was like a... It was somewhere between a two and a four. Yeah, I know it was below my six. It was not uh, a five And as a six. result... While the uh, mummy is reaching up and saying, hello, sucker, we're going to try and extend one of the, uh, or rather extend the crystal dagger uh, straight into its outstretched palm. That's a six, baby. That's a, <laughs> that's a hit with the weapon that instantly kills and then shatters because it kills. <laughs> that's an embarrassingly low roll for this guy. But I mean, that's also mm -hmm. what that dagger's for. Uh, well... Should we right. manage to slaughter the mummy, we find a black ebony staff in the bottom of the sarcophagus. Take it quickly and then read on, which I assume means just start reading this next page. Mm -hmm. 
So first of all, what happens to the mummy as we stab it? Like, since if we're at least gonna kill it so instantly, so quickly, does it? Can I get a, a our final brief picture of combat? Absolutely. So as it outstretches this palm again, hello, Saka. We just extend the crystal dagger into the palm, riding up through the hand. Uh, of course, this doesn't make the, the creature bleed as it has no blood at this point in time. But what it does do is reverse the aging and putrefaction process of this mummy until it is back in a completely uh, corporeal form as a real being. Oh. Unfortunately, it has a dagger stuck directly in its wrist and bleeds to death uh, ferociously after it takes it out and tries to use it to strike us back. All right. So we take the black ebony staff from the bottom of the sarcophagus and read on to new chapter the saxon invasion the sun glints on the armor of the massed armies facing each other across the sweeping plain the only sound to be heard is the soft clink of the harness clink of the harness for the great war horses and the occasional creak of armor or binding as the knights move restlessly waiting for the signal on a rise above the battlefield king arthur leans dis consolately on a large but definitely unmagical broadsword by his side is faithful sir lancelot and the old warrior king pelinor the faces of all three men are deeply troubled many good men will be killed to this day arthur remarks sadly no matter which side emerges victorious may we agrees sir lancelot who sometimes reverts to his native tongue when he is particularly nervous. Pity we couldn't find that old fool Merlin, says King Pelinor. A little bit of magic would have gone a long way in this situation. <sighs> He's never around when you need him, sighs the king. I suppose I'd better give the battle signal. However much I regret wars, we can't have the Saxons overrunning the entire country. He turns away from his companions and raises his sword high above his head. At once there is an answering cheer from the men below. And a roar of outrage from the warriors across the plain. Like opposing tides, the two great armies begin to sweep towards each other, weapons flashing bent on slaughter, and a lightning flash of brilliant orange explodes across the plain between them. The leading cavalry on both sides rein in with much plunging of the horses. On the instant, a stunned silence falls across the plain in the wake of the gigantic lightning flash, a small figure carrying an ebony staff. And very curiously dressed in old Grecian-style tunic. Has appeared between the opposing two armies. Who is it? Asks Pelinor. I can't see from here. Well, I think the bill looks familiar. Frowns Sir Lancelot. By George! Exclaims the king. I think it's Pip! The men of King Arthur's army seem to have come to much of the same conclusion, for a massive cheer goes up, rolling to the heavens like a sudden thunderclap. The small figure takes three steps towards the startled Saxons, then strikes once with the heel of the ebon staff on the ground. For a moment nothing more happens, then softly a distant thunder, low rumble swells from somewhere deep beneath the feet of two opposing armies, the noise grows louder, a rolling vibration which shakes the very ground until the land moves itself. A fountain of brilliant violet light surges upwards from the staff, then curls down and spreads swiftly to embrace the entire Saxon army. The mighty warriors are limited with a sparkling violet aura, then it fades abruptly, and for an instant all is still softly at first, but increasing. The low grumbling begins again, like the approach of some gigantic juggernaut, and at this time the land surges up for all the world as though it were a tidal wave at sea. Earthquake! 
screams someone in the ranks below the king, but the ground of Arthur, by Arthur's army remains rock steady. The wave begins to move, rushing forward at a gesture from the small figure with the Evan staff. The Saxon army erupts in a noisy panic, howling with the light. King Arthur's men surge forward, and the Saxons break and run, pursued by the great wave, which, though it has swelled to mountainous proportions, yet passed over Avalon without the slightest hint of damage. It's a rout! exclaims King Pelinor. The invasion's been halted with not a drop of blood shed. Pep's done it again! Roars the king and leaps upon his horse to ride down and greet the greatest hero his realm has ever seen. The end! What's the wallbanger ritual? I need to know! Yeah, we, let's go Wait, find it. I guess it's theoretically possible we can keep the wallbanger ritual for a later book. <sighs> Fine. No wallbanger ritual for me. I. Can you? I don't. We were okay, I'll tell keep, you. Well, I guess you get to recast them sometimes. Here's what we can do. How about this? Mm. We will not use it in this episode. We will get the next book. We will examine for any traces of if we can keep it in the next book and explain what it does if we if there are no traces of it. Incredible. As a little bit of a cliffhanger. Well, also, it's like a, it, it's a one-two punch of being a cliffhanger, but also, more importantly, not accidentally spoiling something that mm -hmm. maybe we can possibly keep for the future. Very, very fair. So I think that's the best way to do it. But holy moly, this has been a long one, probably the longest. So I, I did, we've been chopping it up into so many chunks over across multiple days, so I don't even know what the total is, but I'm pretty sure it is a hefty chunker. So I think we mm -hmm. probably let this get on the move here. Uh, I think we do indeed, except I just want to very quickly, before we uh, move uh, past and on, say that uh, this book, this 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 adventure, this may be controversial for me to say, extremely good. I think it's really good. I think it's badly suited for the podcast I, with the uh, fact that they intend for you to die multiple times and have to go back in a bunch of different directions and replay yeah. books and things like that. They give, like, in the previous books, they're like, you know, if you die, you obviously don't get any of the loot that you would have otherwise gotten. Whereas in this one, there's compulsory loot that you need to have. So they give you specifically mechanics that reinforce wanting to die and come back to life. Uh, and that is just unfortunate with how that interacts with uh, two readers rather than one. It's true. It's true. I Thematically, I like this a lot. The island approach, mm -hmm. I like it a lot. Uh, being lost in time and trying to figure out your bearings and finding other characters who are lost in time. Ooh, baby. Ooh, give me more of that. Ooh. It's true. I it's, it's very much a... I enjoyed this one a lot. I will say there, there was a lot of... A lot of the fights felt... It's not that they were like... It's not like they're like too hard or anything like that, but it definitely strayed on the side of fights where you roll a little bit of damage a lot of times due to the fact that you have that kind of like weaker armor and the fact that yeah. every turn you're also rolling to see if your armor breaks and the fact that you're possibly rolling two dice a turn it's all compounds in a fact of like these these fights take longer than ever before and we're also going to throw more enemies per yep. fight at you than ever before more which enemies. really like and more allies. Ex it's just more yes. bodies. 
So like it exponentially increases the amount of dice rolled, which is not a bad thing, but it's also like by the end, if you're doing it in one sitting, which you could, I guess, choose not to do, which I guess we didn't even do, it really starts to add up to be a lot of like a lot of little rolls mm-hmm. um, instead of like a few more impactful rolls. And I'll say the big thing I miss is this in terms of combat. I do like the strategy of a lot of the spells and figuring yeah. things out with what to do with that, where this was very much just, here's a lot of rolls of get six or better than add one, mm-hmm. like a lot of them. So I, I think that we will probably get back to, I think like a middle ground between the two sounds like the dream. And I, I don't know if we'll get there or not, uh, but that's my hope personally very as far as very similar it, it it feels like we have uh, much more options to uh deal with many different enemies and many different kinds of effects uh that yeah uh that was trying to be simulated through you can choose to have a, a spear a sword or a dagger but those just do that until it's done uh which takes away a little bit of the interactivity on part of the player in terms of those fights yeah either way i did like it it is yeah it would be something where if I was just reading it for not podcast, I would definitely just be liking it the most, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of it's it's also one that could be read standalone. Like, 100%. Yeah, it's very it's, true. It's just, you don't have to read one, two, three, four. You could start at one or start at four, and it's completely kind of like more or less irrelevant, aside from a couple like referency things. But generally, you're in a world that's not even that familiar to your own, except for the beginning and the end. But, alas, uh, you want to thank our lovely supporter? Absolutely will do. Uh, a special thanks to a new, uh, newest, rather, uh, supporter over on the uh, Patreon. That's patreon.com slash turntopagecast. And our world, the hardcover tier, our executive producer for this episode is Scary Burgers. <laughs> Mm. <gasps> mm. Thank, Thank you, you Scary Burgers. Hugely appreciate the support over on Patreon. Thank you so much. And again, a huge thank you to everybody who's supporting over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash turn to page cast. If you want to help out support this podcast, as we put in, we've been putting in a lot. So if you want to help make it, uh, you know, a little bit smoother, that'd be wonderful. Any support over there is always a wonderful thing and a massive thank you to everybody who has already done it. If you want to help in a free way, a good thing you can do is just, you know, subscribe on YouTube. It's a completely free thing to do. Helps out a lot. Liking videos and commenting as well. If you have anything, you know, anything to share, that is a great place to do it. It's one of the only places that you can like publicly kind of discuss it as of right now. So a lot of lovely people are over there doing just that. Um, other than that, I think that's it. So thank you for watching, listening, in, in, enjoying, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Adios.